Congratulations. Congratulations. You made it to the Fake Nerd Podcast Instrumentality Project, also known as Episode 200. The Dead Sea Scrolls predictions have come true, and the shave impact is upon us. My soul is finally free from sadness, religious symbolism, and outdated anime tropes, baby. I'm Ryan Eliopoulos. You're Zele, or Sele, or Sele? I'm the commander of that organization. That's who I am. But I'm joined by my favorite fake Agelian pilots, Brandon T. McClure, Sparks Witty, and Ben Magnet. Ben's not here. Oh, bye, Ben. No, Ben's not here. Remember, he's he's not... I that- remember Ben Ben flew to Montana, remember? That's so rude. That's right. That's so rude. You son of a bitch. I get it now. Wow. Ben you asshole. Really fast. Quite fast. Brandon's, oh. after your tile. Ben, Brandon's after your tile for plugs and gags, man. Oh yeah, God. yeah, he totally is. He totally is. Good God! For, for right. you audio listeners, I uh, I made Ben's screen go away. <laughs> yeah, he did. Could you yeah, guys still was... hear me or no? No, no. no. Ben, you oh, were gone. Yeah. I, you were part gone. of the instrumentality project. I don't know. You're you're nothing anymore. <laughs> I turned into Orange Fanta. Apparently, great. Into, yeah, you turned into uh, Tang. All right, exactly. Yeah. So from, obviously... from this point on, now that it is the instrumentality project, every episode of the Fake Nerd Podcast going forward is Brandon's existential crisis. That's true. That's the rebuild. Of it. Yes, exactly. Oh my god. And at the end of 300, we start clapping again. Yes. Oh, oh god, we're gonna talk about Evangelion again for 300. I mean, I'm sure that that movie will be out, so yes. Probably, yeah. Um, just so so everybody uh knows, our topic was pre-recorded. Uh we did we did a, a three hour long episode topic. Excuse me, three and a half hour well, long. Okay, so well, I trimmed it down already. So our oh, topic damn. is three hours and twenty-two minutes. Still yes. long. Almost three and a half hours. That's the whole yeah. season uh, of the show. Of uh, the entirety. For our 200th episode, because we made it. Uh, for Neon Genesis Evangelion. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. And we, we do mention that Ben was not supposed to be here for the 200th episode. So we, we, so that's why we pre-recorded it. But yeah. due to extraneous circumstances, Ben is actually here, able to record us. Anyway. Yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad you're here ben, under, under circumstances. Yeah, Ben, I'm <laughs> glad you're here. I got to say, I'm kind of glad we pre-recorded it, because I feel like if we hadn't, we would have cut short our our talk, and I'm glad oh, yeah. we did. I'm glad we just let it go. <laughs> that's yeah. a that's a meaty that's a meaty dinner right there. That's no appetizer, baby. That's like a full course meal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I was supposed to be in Montana this weekend. I was actually supposed to fly back. We're recording on Sunday night. I was supposed to fly back tomorrow morning, but that night I got some news that I had to cancel my flight. I had to call my parents. And let's just say, I might have it. Yeah. It be the coronavirus. Yeah. I'm not 100 percent sure yet. I got tested on Wednesday. I'm not. I haven't got my results yet. So uh, <laughs> you don't feel sick. Oh. That's that's good though. No, I don't feel sick, which yeah. is a good thing. And yep. besides that, it, right was, side, it, it was a closer right fact. Side, right side, you don't have to go back to work yet. Woo! Um, but guys, I haven't been at work an entire month yet. It's it's been freaking fantastic. <laughs> uh, 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 listeners, uh, watchers, uh, this is a very serious moment in our lives. Yeah. Um, when you know, I'll I'll admit when Ben said that uh, said this news to us, I was scared. Oh, I, think I was we worried all, for him. I think we all got the immediate notion was panic of like, yeah. how is everyone feeling? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah when I, I called. Yeah. Sorry to cut, sorry to cut you off because I mean 
there have been people joking about the coronavirus here and there. I mean, in a very, very lighthearted way. Uh, one of those people being a really close friend of mine who was supposed to be my ride to the airport on Friday night or Friday morning. And when we got the news, I called her and I told her, I was like, oh, well, you don't have to take me to the airport. She was like, why? I was like, because, well, I might have the coronavirus. Instant. Instantly, she was like, oh, my. She was like, instant. Like, I could hear the panic in her voice just about to hit. But I was like, I'm okay. My girlfriend's okay. Everyone in the house is fine. We might just be asymptomatic. I got tested. I'm waiting for those results. But we're okay. We're fine. It is very, it is very serious. Wear your damn masks when you're outside. Mm-hmm. Wash your hands. Mm-hmm. And I, I really haven't left the house at all since hell earlier this since when I came home from work. Yeah, I've left the house a few times just to go get groceries and food. That's about it. Sure. Yeah, so. I, I figured. I figured because of this, uh, Ben, you're going to be. We're going to be doing this for a much a much longer time than we had kind of hoped. It, it kind of hurts me because um, if I'm the reason that all four of us can't get together in the same room for the no, next no, no. few it's months, just, it's, it's, it wouldn't just, just be you. Yeah, it, look, yeah. it's Corona Town USA over here, buddy. It, yeah. it is. Holy shit! Um, but you and I, you and I did do a very safe, you know, very controlled uh, trade. I gave you, mm-hmm. I gave you my extra microphone so that you can, mm-hmm. uh, so that you can record uh, with better audio. Which hopefully you guys have heard, or at least when I listen back to this, my, I sound a whole lot better. Which is going to suck, because the, the Evangelion one, I'm not going to sound as good as I do now. Yeah, oh, well. that'll happen. It's okay, you're, you're, you're here with us now. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, even then, I was thinking about that today. When I dropped off um, when I dropped off your thing, I was like... When, you picked, the first... up your, when you picked up... Yeah, when I picked up, when I picked up, the, when I picked up, you're right, when I picked up my mic, uh, I was like, man, this is the first time I've seen Brandon in person. But, but it was it's been months yeah but i could only see him behind a glass wall like i stepped like i think 12 feet we, back just to be yeah. extra safe we like, were we, were, we we wore masks we wore gloves we sanitized our, our, our shit we were behind a glass door we we're like i wish i could give you a hug but i don't want to get sick i, I can't I, I wasn't i wasn't going to give you a hug even if you wanted to um when i was doing the the end of one of my film classes uh when coronavirus started, uh, we all get to see each other's like, you have to make it at home projects. And one student made one where like a friend brought toilet paper, but it was filmed like it was a drug deal. But every time before they did anything related to the deal, they'd like, you know, they'd like have a secret handshake and shit. And then they'd immediately hand sanitize themselves and hand sanitize themselves after it was a good gag. I like it. your your story's making me think of that. Yeah. Oh, but one good thing really did come out. I think I got this on Friday, I think. When did I get that? I'm pretty sure it was Friday. Yeah, but my print from uh, Geek Fine Art came in the mail. Yeah. It's got our uh, gorgeous little... It's me, Terry McGinnis. Damn it, Finger. There you go. There it is. Finger podcast. Yeah. 200 episodes and we've made it. Yeah. And of course, it has our friends Downright Nerdy Podcast and Pinky's Out Podcast. Yeah. You record. I do record with them. It's true. All of it. Yeah, I got this. I was like, yay. That's awesome. So, um, can I go first with my week? I didn't do a whole lot. No. Okay, fine. Yes, of course. Didn't want to. No. Um, I only did a couple things. Um, So, I watched uh, the new movie on Amazon Prime, My Spy, uh, Dave Bautista's film. Right. That came out finally. With the little girl. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just remember seeing like a trailer like last year. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was supposed to come out last year, 
but st- but around the same time the Stuber did, but Stuber made it put made it get pushed. Yeah. Um, and then due to Corona, it was put on online. Uh, it skipped theater distribution altogether. Um, it's cute. It's an alright movie. It's a good good way to spend an hour and a half. Uh, Batista's really funny. You know, he he's really coming into his own as a comedic actor. That's good. Um, I always but, like it when. Uh, oh, sorry to cut you off, but I always like it when wrestlers come into their own as actors, and they're actually really good actors. Yeah, I, I think like I think working I think uh, working as comedy chops mm-hmm. uh, has been really good for him. Yeah, um, it's also kind of a, a secret romantic comedy, which I didn't which I didn't uh, get from the trailers, but that was kind of a welcome surprise. It was it was nice. It was cute. Is that? I don't care. Is that between Batista and Shaw? No. Damn. That'd be funny. That's what I want. That's what a relationship. <laughs> I'm pretty no, sure it's between it's, Batista it's, and the girl's mom. Yes. It's, yeah, it's yeah. you see it coming. You see yeah. it coming from miles away. But it's kind of cute. Um you said secret, and I'm like, Batista and Shaw would be that'd be secret. <laughs> well, I, meant, I meant to say is uh the trailers only show it as a kind of an action comedy. I get you, I get you. Yeah. Um but most of the time I just end up spending watching Adventure Time. Yes. I am nice. almost I'm done with it. season. What? I'm well aware. Yeah. I appreciate I'm... it. Pretty much every day, twice a day, Brandon texts me about Adventure Time. <laughs> uh, I'm almost done with season six of Adventure Time, which is the second longest season. Um, the When I say that, season five is 51 episodes, uh, which is a step up from the usual 26 that it had been for the first, for the first four seasons. And then season six is 43 episodes. They're double-sized seasons? Yeah. Jesus. That's, I mean, that? it's, it's awesome. More episodes. It's just like, man, they gave a lot of. Lot but of season five, season five uses that time to actually create a serialized. Ben what's is, the thing? Is Santa that, visiting you? That's fucking fireworks. Sorry, sorry. First F bomb. We Jesus, we cursed throughout the topic. We oh, cursed yeah. throughout the topic. Oh my god, no, that wasn't Santa Claus. I wish it was Santa Claus. They're but nope, that, too, yeah. that was that like ten fireworks just went off in a row, and they're still going. Uh, sounds it. like yeah. It sounds like <laughs> it really um, does sound like Santa's knocking. Ben! <laughs> Christmas is canceled. I'm here now. Ho ho ho, Ben! What do you uh, give you? Uh, Ten million dollars? That'd be great. Want some Corona? <laughs> um, I'll take Corona beer. So, so as I was saying, Adventure Time season five is when the series starts to start. You start to see the gears turn towards more serialized storytelling. And it was always present. There was always kind of. Uh, there was always definite character arcs and development and, and characters learned and grew and uh, changed throughout the seasons. But season five is when you really get into um, what the series is actually is actually about. It's when it gets cosmic. It's when time travel is introduced. It's when you go to the past a thousand years uh, to see Simon and Marceline when they're, when they're younger. Um, and you see, and then season six introduces the origin of the crown now many times during season six and the reason why i bring up bring it up so much is because i have a hard time buying it as a kid's show uh it's so unlike anything i've ever seen in animation and multiple times i'm sitting there going like what did i just watch because many episodes just kind of end abruptly but you never feel cheated but then there's just the episodes where you're just kind of like okay so i definitely saw a person die uh, and they're just not going to acknowledge it. Yep. It's a wild show, a wonderful show. I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Um, Adventure Time, I think, really 
adapted into an idea that its audience was going to grow with it, mm-hmm. like poor audience. Um, whether that was, you know, teenagers who were watching Adventure Time when it started or kids who were watching Adventure Time when it started. By the time they get into season six, those kids are teenagers. Sure. Things grow and evolve and mature. Uh, did you get to the Princess Breezy episode? No, not yet. B. Wait, the B. I did get to the yeah. B. Yeah. I did get to the B. Yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, that's exactly where it goes. So adult stuff. Yeah, sure. so the episode, yeah, there's a bee who wants to bang Finn's flower. Don't spoil too much of it. No, so so, like you you do meet you know you do meet new characters and stuff that happens with the lich is really interesting and really fun, uh, and really just out there. But one episode I really want to talk about to just kind of exemplify the kind of feeling that I have watching it is an episode where that has a bunch of time travel and weird alternate realities, and then Finn explodes into a sword, and that's the end of the episode. And it's just, and I'm just sitting there going like, okay, so I definitely just saw that. And they're just not going to acknowledge it. Finn just has a sword. That was him. Keep watching. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. Every episode when when they introduce new things and they're just like, here's a comet. Here's the, Remember that ghost from season one? This is the her story. Remember this? Remember that? And I'm just like, give it to me. Give it all to me. So I don't, I, I don't consider this really a spoiler because it's something they've hinted at since the first season of the show. Um, in every different version or dream version or anything you encounter of Finn yes. as the show is progressing, you always see that Finn is missing his left arm. Yes, always his left. His, his left arm. So it kind of tells you eventually Finn loses his left arm. And when the real Finn loses his left arm in the show is a brutally emotional moment that I'm so impressed they nailed. Me too. No, I and I texted, you, I, I texted you after that moment. I texted you after the moment and I was just like, Look, I knew it was going to happen. I didn't know it like that. Right. No, I actually watched that live. Mm. Yeah. When it uh, aired on Cartoon Network, I was I was in college when that episode aired. And I remember watching it because, I mean, I'd, Adventure Time was, Cartoon Network was always on in my college dorm room. Sure. And we were just, and it, we were just like, oh, cool, Adventure Time's on. Oh, cool, Gumball's on. Oh, cool, regular show's on. But for some reason, when I'm watching that and they show Finn's arm getting chopped off, I'm like, he's going to get that back, right? Nope. Well, not no. his organic arm. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's it's gone. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, Bye. Yeah, I really, I'm I really enjoy the show. I've really hit a stride with the show. It's so easy to get through. Each episode is twelve minutes long. I anticipate I'll be done with the series probably by the end of next week. Yeah, I anticipate that as well. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I did though. I I spent most of my most of my weeks doing housework, and um, I put up some new posters, um, which you guys can't see ever apparently um and uh and watching adventure time so i'll go next sure if so yeah, so during this week before i found out that i wasn't going to be uh flying to montana um fanny and i we watched all of close enough jg quintel's new show on hbo max jelly that show is freaking fantastic that's awesome if, while while we were we, i cannot think of an episode where we did not laugh at least five times together it was it was just constant it's it, it i think fanny said it best when she said that show was made for people our age like late 30s or le- not late 30s late 20s early 30s. I'm, I'm thir- turning 30 november the secret's out you're 39 <laughs> i was late like hang 20- on then no no i meant late 20s early 30s uh people who are 
uh, some people people who are trying to start a family who are trying to make make ends meet and and they just get into hijinks and it's really funny hijinks it's really relatable and i absolutely love it if you have the time if you love regular show because because of this i went back and started watching regular show again uh, definitely give it a watch it's freaking hilarious uh it's oh one of our friends said something about how good close enough was how how well jg quintel writes as an adult uh animator for like a more adult jokes yeah every single one of those jokes hit the nail on the head i could not stop laughing that's awesome i'm really stoked to hear that i'm excited to watch it yeah so definitely give mm-hmm. close enough your time it's only eight episodes it's really short oh yeah kind of, okay. it yeah. bums me it bums me out because it's short but at the same time it's like i can't wait for more i really hope this is doing well so i will eventually get more yeah yeah, so besides um, besides watching Close Enough, I've also, thanks to HBO Max, have been watching some Miyazaki films. I've never seen it before at all. Right, the Studio I, Ghibli library is mm-hmm, on HBO I've, Max. I've been getting to the Studio Ghibli films. I finally watched <laughs> Princess Mononoke for the first time. I've never yeah. seen it before. I finally saw Kiki's Delivery Service. Cool like Witch Girl. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I also saw My Neighbor Totoro for the first time. I and the last seen that one. Yeah, and the last and the last one we watched just because it's my favorite one. I had to rewatch it. It's been years since I last saw it. Was Howl's Moving Castle, but I'm not gonna talk about that one. But uh, Mononoke, Kiki's Delivery Service, and uh, My Neighbor Totoro. Yeah, this dude is a freaking master. Every single one of those films is fantastic. They're different. I was surprised mm-hmm. at how violent uh, Princess Mononoke is. Mm-hmm. I was. Because I was thinking, oh, it's it's. I mean, yeah, there's some fighting and some action. Because let I me mean, look at Howl. But it's like, oh, you got you got a little girl, a story about a, a witch who's doing delivery service. You got a story about a giant puffball. How bad could this guy be? Oh, that dude just lost his arm and his head in one arrow shot. Holy shit! Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You should watch Grave of the Fireflies next. Uh, I don't know which one we're gonna. We haven't picked which one we were gonna watch next, but I'll I'll just let you know. Grave of the Fireflies is probably his most dramatic. I think I feel confident saying that. Okay, uh, I'd say that's true. It's it's widely considered one of the saddest anime films. Okay, made. so yeah, yeah, we were thinking either we were thinking either the Cat Returns um, or Secret World of Arietti, maybe. But I'll. Di- but I like Arietti. I really enjoyed Arietti. Yeah, but it was awesome finally watching these films all the way through for the ver- for me for the very first time, and I actually do feel like I've not been robbed, but. I should have made more of an effort to watch these movies when I could. Yeah. I mean, I was lucky enough to watch Howl's Moving Castle on Stars back in like 2006 on With Christian Bale. Yep, it was just on TV one day. And I started watching it, and then my friends were like, when I was talking to my friends in high school, they're like, "Oh my god, you need to watch these other Hayao Miyazaki films." And they weren't on Stars, and I didn't have the money to go out and buy them on DVD, so never happened. Now that they're streaming on a service that I have access to, thankfully thankfully um i'm able to watch him i'm finally able to enjoy him for the first time and i love it uh ben have you watched whisper of the heart yet no okay so watch whisper of the heart before you watch the cat returns okay they're sequential gotcha okay actually gonna write that down yeah i've seen a couple of them you know what ben you could do is you can you know in september they always do this uh, oh wait um (laughs) they used to do these uh these ghibli these Ghibli marathons every Wednesday during September, they would show us. Yeah, they, they would do film. like these film festivals where every uh, weekend Ghibli, they would do a Ghibli fest. Yes. Yeah, they would do a Ghibli fest. Unfortunately, due to my job, when I started noticing them popping up, I wasn't able to attend them. 
But also, you know, due to the coronavirus, I doubt they're doing that this year. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, it's really cool. Kiki's Delivery Service was always my favorite. Uh-huh. Uh, I've watched that one multiple times. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Kiki is so cute. I mean, the, the character herself is adorable, but the movie is just so great. A young, a young Kirsten Dunst. I know. Even when I was watching My Never Totoro and we have Elle Fanning and a very young Dakota Fanning doing the voices, I was mm-hmm. like, Tim Daly's in that movie. Yeah, I, I have not I have not watched that dub yet. Really? I saw the old dub before oh, okay. they brought in Dakota and Elle, because My Neighbor Totoro had like a really, really old dub oh, okay. uh, before that, and I that's the only one I've seen. Okay. Right. But I wow. barely remember it, so it's not like a judgment thing. I just haven't watched the new dub. What? I did not know right. that. Hmm. Okay. That was before Disney got the rights to distribute them, right? Got the rights, yes. Okay. And that's why that's why the old dub won't be distributed anymore because they recorded a new one. And same thing, like with uh, the the ADB dub for Evangelion. Gotcha. You know, it's just they don't distribute it now. Kill the past. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, every single one of those films I say are fantastic. I enjoyed watching them so much. Uh, another film I revisited this week was Princess and the Frog. Nice. I've been wanting to rewatch. I've actually been wanting to rewatch that one for quite a while, and then finally, I had. I was like, you know what? It's only an hour and a half. If I'm not going to do it now, I'm probably never going to do it. So once again, we sat down, we watched it. That movie's highly underrated. It's so good. The animation is just great. Damn Disney, why'd you have to stop doing 2D animation? I wonder. I wonder if that movie came out now, it would do better because people are more hungry for that type of animation. I would say so. I think they were hungry for it then. But I, I, I don't think people saw that movie, and, I, and it's, it's a Disney well, movie. It's because it's because like people had no faith in Disney animation at that moment in time because yeah. the last things that came out before that were things like Home on the Range, and Meet the Robinsons, and Chicken Little. Oh, yeah. uh, which just before that was Bolt, which did all right, Miley Cyrus, but didn't get enough uh, uh like clout back for Disney animation. Yeah, uh, Princess and the Frog did, but it did after its theatrical thing, which is why Tangled did so well. Yeah. 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 Which was weird because I re- actually, I remember specifically back in 2009 when they were back, I was, I was at Disneyland and I think I saw a, tr- a poster for like Bolt or something. I was like, man, how come Disney, can Disney just stop doing the 3d stuff and just go back to making 2d films a month later, first thing for princess and frog. And they straight up said a return to 2d animation. And I was hyped. I saw the movie in theaters. It was great. And then Tangled, Frozen, the rest come out. Come out. Yeah, I really like Bolt. I just want to point that out there. No, I oh, really that's, like. That's Bolt. fine. I, I really like Bolt too, but I I can acknowledge that like there's also the like unspoken Disney anime film that happened in there called Mars Needs Moms, yeah, uh, which really killed a lot of Disney animation clout, and that happened not long ago. Yeah, we don't talk about Frog Mars came out. Moms. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. Like Disney really like there's two, three animation films that Disney pretends they didn't do: Song of the South, <laughs> yeah, Mars and... Needs Moms, and The Black Cauldron. Yeah, uh, the Black I... Cauldron is on Disney Plus, so I don't think they're doing that one. That's true. That's true. But they still try to pretend they didn't do it. That's fair. Make like yeah. they'll put it on Disney yeah. Plus because it's unproblematic. The other mm. two are problematic for different. Just reasons. Just make a dope remake, and then then like everyone forget that exists, and you have a now good a good version of it. Right. Exactly. Because there's a good there's a good idea there. I will say like because I I did a tour of the animation studios a while back, and I will say that I was impressed. Just like it made sense, but I was impressed to see they have like a hall where it's one storyboard piece of art from each animated film going down chronologically, and the Black Cauldron is up there. That's That's cool. That's good. Um, And also, also, Brandon, since you like both, I'll point out I actually enjoyed uh, Meet the Robinsons. I like Meet the Robinsons, too. I think that's a fine movie. 
that, that I was a fun movie. I, I think that there were fine things, but they weren't of the like the caliber that people were th- like expecting or desiring yeah. anymore. Yeah. Uh, in a wide sense, and then Princess mm-hmm. and the Frog was, but people didn't have faith anymore. Right. right. Yeah. 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 So that's those are all. That's a lot of the stuff I um I absorbed this week. I was watching a whole lot of um I finished close enough. I'm watching rewatching regular show. I'm trying to catch up. I had never finished the series, so I'm going to try and finish the series all the whole way through. Miyazaki is a master of filmmaking. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's all I got. Cool. Nice. Oh, I went and got tested for coronavirus. That's another thing I did. And I, negative. Yeah. <sighs> right. We'll see. Um, so let's see. Um, I spent the first half of this week cramming for our topic. So yeah. I watched in three days. I watched all of Evangelion and end of Evangelion and Death, Death True squared. squared. So I, I'm glad we spent so much time on that topic because I feel like if it was only 30 minutes, that research would have went to nothing. So I'm glad we did that. I had so much fun talking about it, which you'll see, which is the first time we've done this before with the topics pre-recorded. So it's weird. <laughs> okay. Um, so I did that. I started playing The Last of Us 2 finally. That game's very good. I'm not going to talk about any spoiler stuff because I know you're going to play it soon. Sure. But man, um, you recently played the Uncharted games, Brandon, so you know the quality <laughs> of that of of Naughty Dog. Um, mm-hmm. It's like that, but you know, just like a horror version of that. And and the character stuff is so strong. And like this is every game they keep topping themselves, much like um, um, Rockstar with like Grand Theft Auto, Red Dead Redemption. And no joke, I was on a horse uh, just walking through like a forest, and the foliage looks so real. I was like this how do you get better than this and i realized there's a new console coming soon i'm like man it really can't always get better but for real like the foliage man it is it is like so good it's so impressive i just stopped and i just turned the camera right i was just like holy shit holy shit this is so it's like when you look at god of war and you see like the giant thing you're like oh yeah. right video games can do this sometimes when you have can five I, to make a game can i tell them what you tweeted yes because <laughs> you so you tweeted out on, on twitter you were like can't, i'm gonna play last of us two now and then, like, moments later, man, fuck video games. No, not moments later, five hours later. Five hours later, yeah. Because I I played, and I played more today before this podcast, but I, I um, the first game was broken up in, like, seasons, and this game is broken up in days. So I beat the first day, so I'm over six hours into the game. Um, and that game's brutal. It is very, it is brutal in the way everyone is right about. Um, not just in the way that it looks really realistic. It's, it's, it's the way that it makes you empathize with everyone you're killing, because it makes it makes every character feel like a real character. So when you shoot someone, the person next to them goes, "Oh my god, they got Daniel!" And you're like, "Oh my god, no games don't do that. They don't make you feel for the people that you're killing." And it does something really cool with. If you've seen the trailers, you know there's other characters that we introduced to. You get you get to know your villains, or excuse me, not even villains, your antagonists, because I don't know if they're villains. You get to know your antagonists very well. So when you're having to kill them, you really feel bad because you don't know their whole story yet. And it's really fascinating. And I can see why this game is so conflicting for so many people. Uh, and I'm still very early. So I cannot wait for you to play it. Uh, I cannot wait to get farther. Um, it is, now that I'm in, I'm like, okay, I'm glad I started it. Um, uh, I'm at the dog stuff and it's not cool. I'm not, it's, it, you got to do it. You know what? You, you can't, it's hard there's to avoid one, There's one you got to do. It's and the hard. rest you can work your ass off to avoid. It's really, really hard without I've dying. I've heard. And, I, and I'm, I've had to kill a couple dogs because I don't want to die not to avoid it. And like, you know, I'm not, it's, it's okay. Like I, it's not as bad as I imagine. But man, I don't know how they get dog screams to sound as good as they do, but it's not cool. Um, so I've been playing that. It's really, it's a great game. Uh, yeah. Sadness ensues. Uh, 
counter that, I started watching JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. You did. Boy, howdy, guys. That's an anime. Um, <laughs> you thought it was me. But, you thought it was something else, but it was me, Dio. It, it might be the most anime I've ever seen. And I mean, like, the most in the way, like, Spider-Man says, like, man, that's the most. Like, it is it is 110% <laughs> all the time. When characters turn, they always pose, and words come out, like, wow. And I'm like, this is so good. And it's like about 19th century rich people, rich English people. And I'm like, I don't care about rich English people. But then you realize like they're good hearted and like some of them are evil and want to steal fortunes. And it's it's so fun. Um, I thought it was really long. Apparently there's only a couple seasons, so I'm getting through it. Um, it's just a blast. And if you want to watch something that's really fun, that just has fun action, fun characters, the dub is great. Like the characters. Are you, are you aware of the like the gimmick of how the seasons work? No. Uh, so each season of the show is generational. Okay. So the next episode you're going to be following like his grandson. Okay. And then you get where I'm saying. I will yeah. say the thing. So I've watched four episodes, and the amount of plot that happens in each episode is like a season's worth of plot for other animes. It's like it moves so fast. Like the second episode, it's like, and then seven years pass, and I'm like, excuse me, hold on, I just met you. Uh, it, it throws so much at you, and I I love it. It just it just it just nonstop going. Yeah. So the the so it's the next season is his son. Okay. And then after that is his grandson. And the Man. thing is, when you get to his grandson, is like the the most iconic, the most famous, the most memed part of the show. Yeah. Is the part with his grandson, which is called a uh, uh, Stardust Crusaders. Okay. And the only thing that like people kind of criticize the show for is that it decides to just totally change the rules of how the power system of things okay. works in the show, which is where they invent stands. Yeah, I know. But you're aware of. Yeah. Okay, stands don't exist before the third the third set of the show. Yeah. And they're never explained how they transition from Hamon to stands. That's funny. It's just, it's just uh, we decided this was cool. Is, is there a is there an explanation in the manga or it's just no, like, this no, is just what we do no, now? No, this is just what they do now. Cool. So uh, that's an anime that just does shit for no reason. And this uh, is, a, I'm glad you said that you like the dub because that's why I insisted, like, you really got to watch the dub because I've looked at both and I've watched what I've watched in the dub. Yeah. Uh, I dropped the Japanese pretty quickly because that show relies on you hearing the emphasis yeah. of what the characters are saying. And unless you really can got an ear for the Japanese, you're not going to pick up on, like, the intent behind the deliveries. Yeah. And you need to hear the dub and because it's like their whole thing is that their normal is a 12 per is like a 12 out of 10 mm -hmm. and then sometimes things escalate to 18 out of 10 and that's how it is it's and so all of, good. all the names of the characters are like are like are like rio speedwagon which is a band name and dio brando Rod rodney james dio and yes. marlon brando and it's like it's clearly very like american inspired <laughs> Be two vampires in the second one called AC and DC. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Please tell me, Sparks, please tell me at least one of them starts yelling high voltage or high voltage. I'm, sure. I'm sure not. Uh, I don't think no, so. No. no. Oh, it's damn. just that he really likes these bands, so he names characters after them, which is really funny because the manga is like much older. Yeah, and oh. he's named all these them after all these bands and everything. It's very very silly. Uh, JoJo is truly an anime soap opera. Yeah, and it's very funny. Yeah, it's it's. I can, I, I was audibly laughing out loud a lot just because of how absurd it is. So like sometimes anime can get absurd, but when you're starting at the most absurd that most animes go. Uh, it's just, it's every, uh, every reaction is hilarious. Kind, I mean, kind of tying into you talking about last of us part two, once you get uh, certain ways into the show, you're going to notice that for whatever reason, the creator has a really weird interest in 
graphically killing dogs. Oh, um, okay. It doesn't happen a bunch, but when it happens, it's like, that's really more detailed than yeah. I need it to be. And, Why'd you uh, do that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. You're talking about how the you prefer to watch the dub for, for JoJo. Um, yes. I feel the same way about Helsing. I don't really like the Japanese audio. And it's because everyone in, Je- in Japan is trying to speak with a British accent. But you can't pick up on that if you're already... Sure. Sure. If you're already listening to the Japanese, I'm sure you could some, if you were Japanese. Some some things, uh, like I've seen it the reverse, where like some things don't translate to the dub well, and you're losing the the humor yeah. or whatever the intent is by watching the dub. And I've had to stick to the subtitles. But JoJo is definitely one where I'm like, if you if you do not have an ear for Japanese, you should be watching the dub um, because you need to be getting the flavor of what they're saying. Yeah. Um. I played some Dead by Daylight with with y'all. Hell yeah, you guys. Um, Those were some great matches. I feel like I did something else, but I don't remember. I, oh, I, bu- I built a robot. I spent three hours building a a uh, Bandai model kit of Ava Two. That was real cool. That took yeah, a long time. Downright, ner- downright annoyed. Thank you. I always forget something. Yes, I did. Downright annoyed. We talked about Cowboys and Aliens. That's a movie that came out. <laughs> uh, you read you read some comics too. You want to talk about any of them? I read some. Did you read the beginning of Empire? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So Empire started, <clears> and um, I think the first issue, it reminds me a lot of War of the Realms start. The start of War of the Realms was kind of sub. It felt kind of subdued for what I, what the entire event was promised, and it kind of it, it does a subversion of who the villain is in issue one, and it didn't have the impact I thought it's supposed to have. But I also really trust Al Ewing, and I think there's going to be something more. There's deeper to this plot. I also want to reveal it in issue one. Sure. Um, I was just kind of thrown off. So uh, that's a that's also a book that came out. <laughs> Future book club boys. Cool. I can read it in three minutes because there's no dialogue. <laughs> um, For audio listeners, I held up dinosaurs versus aliens, which uh, was mentioned arc- on his on his. Uh, yeah, the the arc is cool yeah. on that book. Um, that was going to be a movie by Barry Sonnenfeld, weird <laughs> black director. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, um, so I read that comic in Empire. Yeah, I think it's going to be good because I totally trust Al Ewing. Um, and I read a couple of the tie-in books. Um, I did read uh, uh, Death Metal. Uh, I thought that was a, a bad book. I thought it wasn't a good book. I'm not, I'm not there on it because I read it as well. Um, it's pretty much the only thing that came out this week that I, I made time for. I think the single issue is bad, not the, the entire book. I think no, it's I a you. bad single I hear issue. You. I hear you. I kind of, I'm not 100% on that point, but what I will say is that I'm all, I am fearing that thing where I, that I talked about where I'm like, I, I opened it as we were like halfway through this issue. I felt like I was missing something. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they're talking about details about things they've already done that I'm like, did I, did I miss something? I didn't realize that the Batman who laughs, uh, spoiler alert from issue one, died. No, 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 don't spoil it. No, no it's a man. It's, one. It, it literally happens in issue oh, one. That's why okay. I'm surprised. Like I didn't realize that the Wonder Woman attack is what kills him. And then this, what happens in issue two, it, 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 it it just really feels like bad fan fiction. Like it, like just what's what what the what the plot of the, of the Batman who laughs. What his plot was. I'm like, I, this does not feel like what should be happening in our big book. This feels like what a 16 year old fan fiction writer. I'm not. Write. I'm not there at that. What's bothering me is them talking about these details of things. Like it, it, I feel like I've been thrown into the deep end of a whole bunch of language being used about yeah. things that I I have to go look up on Wikipedia. Yeah. Because I'm like. Are there tie-ins yet? Uh, I, I don't tie-ins know. Tie-ins are out next month. Ba- Batman's referring to some battle they had against 
Perpetua that utilized Dr. Manhattan's energy. And I'm like, when, is that from Justice League? When did that happen? It's, it, it, so as as I understand it, there, you know, that there is some time between the end of Justice League and the beginning of Death Metal. Um, that whatever that battle is, whatever leads to Death Metal 1, we haven't found it found out that's, yet. That's what I looked up. I looked that up. And that's my point. That's my problem is that I'm reading this now and I feel like I can't understand it unless I know those like they're just because it's information that they're not expanding on they're just breezing past it to tell this story and that's a problem if i have don't even have access to that information you see what i'm saying mm -hmm. yeah that's that's the only thing that's really putting me off death metal right now is that it feels very much like uh i i'm i have to cliff notes and compare later to understand what's happening in the story because i sure. can't follow it the art's still beautiful of course oh uh, yeah yeah 100 percent I love this one. I'm not, I'm not like out on it or anything. I just, I feel lost. Uh, yeah. And that sucks. It sucks to feel lost. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, Ryan, is that everything? Or did you? Have um, I, there was a couple free comic book day issues that were not free, but that's okay. I like supporting my comic book store. Um, the X-Men one is hella dope and it's, it sets up X of Swords very well. Um, and there was a cool uh, teaser for what's coming up in uh, Ten of Swords, X of Swords, whatever, uh, later this year. So I'm excited about that. That is my week. Go ahead. Tom Taylor's Spot. new book was uh, was teased, his Marvel book, the Iron Man one. Tom Taylor? Tom oh, Taylor. yeah. Dark Ages. Dark Ages, right, right. The uh, uh, Spider-Man Spider Venom Black Cat one comes out next week. Oh. So nice. uh, just like Ryan, I'll say there was a bunch of Dead by Daylight. Uh, there was also a whole lot of Neon Genesis Evangelion. Um, a whole lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> Consumed for this, both uh, in listening to people talk about it and watching it. Um, uh, we watched Doom Patrol, uh, the most recent episode. Show continues to rock. Uh, I have I have no idea what where where it's going right now. Yeah. With some of the stuff it's doing, but I'm excited. Um, yeah, super enjoy Doom Patrol. Obviously, I'm just going to touch on it every week until it's not airing, and then I'll be sad and I'll talk about how I wish Doom Patrol was on every week. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we watched Eurovision last night, oh, Netflix oh, film. Oh, oh, we did. Uh, what did you think? I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, it's definitely Rachel McAdams' movie, which I didn't have a problem with. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, like it's it's her movie, and I'm glad that the movie knew it was her movie. It would have bothered me if they were trying to make it Will Ferrell's movie, but it was clearly hers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but they, they clearly she knew shines. it yeah. was for her. Yeah. So uh, I was fine with it. Will Ferrell's character, like, occasionally to me feels like he gets in the way of what the movie's doing, but it didn't ruin anything for me. I still thoroughly yeah. enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. uh, music they, is, the music so, is great. Yeah. I think my favorite thing about it is that if there is really an antagonist to the movie, the antagonist is kind of Will Ferrell. Yeah. And I and I didn't expect that because the trailer makes you think it's Dan Stevens, but it's not. Yeah, he really is like kind of just supportive, and it's like you need he's to just be a the, nice. Bro. You just need to be a superstar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's really he not seems doing anything sinister, but not really or anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, yeah, I enjoy I, I enjoy it more the more I think about it. I've been listening to the soundtrack on loop. I think those songs are great. That uh, yes. that final song that she sings is like legitimately a really good song. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Here's Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan is great in it. Oh yeah, 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 ding dong. Yeah, 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 ding dong. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 ding dong. I love that. It's the guy. only thing that makes him happy. That's so good. Um, that, You'll that's get it. When he when he walk when he walks out of the thing, he's like, "Hey, play yeah, yeah, ding dong." It's like, no, we already played it. Play it again. To to not be spoilery, the gag with the door shutting 
I think you know what I'm talking about. Yes. It's very good. Yes. Uh, very good. Exactly. Yeah, what the, I wanted. The, the running gag that has a good payoff. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Megan and I completely caught up on Glow, the Netflix series, Gorgeous which ladies. still has one season to come out sometime next year, thanks to coronavirus. Um, that show's awesome. Uh, really good. What an incredible cast of mostly unknown actors. Uh, and they're all doing a great job. It is what I think I like the most about it is it really is an ensemble show. It's not Allison Bree's show. Yeah. She's prominent in it and a lead, but it's not only about her. It's not focused on her. There are episodes where she's barely in it and you're focused on other characters. Um, it's a really good cast. There's some really awesome performances. They tackle a lot of really good stuff, uh, really topical stuff um, in a strong way because it, each each character, and it's not happening all at once, uh, each character who is ethnic is exploring the fact that in wrestling, you're basically a stereotype yeah. and not usually a flattering one. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't all happen at once. It's not all of them then have a discussion about... Like, it hits them in different ways at different points throughout the show. Something happens and they go, oh, dang. Yeah. Um, like, for one of them, it took until much, much later into the run that they realized what they looked like when they were doing it. Uh, whereas one of them, like, the moment they were given the stereotype character, they knew and they didn't really want to do it anymore. Um, so I, I like the way that they tackle a lot of that stuff. It's a solid watch. I highly, highly encourage people to check it out. Nice. Um, and the last thing I'll bring up is I also watched some Adventure Time. I watched the <laughs> Evo special. Yeah. Oh, I thought I heard his voice. Yes. I, I heard it, but then I saw, uh, I was look, I looked, and there was nothing Adventure Timey. And I was like, maybe just the same voice actor. It's Bimo. So that's a fun, cool little adventure. It's 47 minutes. Um, totally enjoyed it. I have to watch it again because something happens at the end that changes my perspective of everything that was happening before that. Like the, I whole, don't, the whole movie, oh, maybe. the whole special. And I, I won't say what that is because I think the, the payoff is kind of intended for that. Uh, but it's, it's very much a, I'm going along and I'm enjoying it. It's a fun little adventure time thing and i didn't realize how much extra world building i was receiving until the very end right. and then because of something they show me at the end i go oh oh this is telling me so much more about the world i love that uh uh so it uh, i really enjoyed it it was really cool nice. um yeah that's uh that's it for me all right uh guys happy episode 200 Happy 200! Happy 200! Bowsers. That's it. All right, everybody go home. You are home. We have some news to get through then. So let's get into our bread and butter. B&Bs. bread and butter. <clears throat> okay, actually, I'm going to start with this one because... Um, um, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing this, but it, it, the Attack on Titan voice actor... Um, no, not voice actor. No. Uh, he is the the, the live guy action who played actor. Aaron in the live action films. Oh, he is not those, the those are, actor. Those are by the Evangelion guy. Yes, they're not good. Yes. Oh, are they not? Oh, I saw them in theaters. They're not good. I've never seen them. Uh, yeah. So, uh, actor uh, Haruma Miura. Miura. I think it's Miura. Miura. Um, has passed away at the age of uh, thirty. That's too young. His uh, his manager checked in on him because he was he didn't show up to work and it's yeah. uh, it's a possible suicide. Yes, it's yeah. currently suspected suicide. Yeah, that's uh, awful. He was famous for a lot of other things. Uh, I think just, just the most iconic nerd thing I could see him attached to was yeah. uh, 
was Attack, Attack on Titan. Titan. Um, right. It's just sad to hear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Someone so young. Yes, I feel. I feel it's our age, honestly, yeah. uh, and I feel. I feel for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, more tragic uh, news happened this week as Grant uh, Imahara passed away as well. Man, this was a really rough week for for young celebrities, dude. Yeah. Oh my mm-hmm. god. Um, he was obviously a former MythBusters host. Um, yeah. Actually worked on ILM before that. Worked on Star Wars prequels and Galaxy Quest as a model maker. Um, but he passed away suddenly from a brain aneurysm at the age of forty nine. Awful. Yeah, dude. Awful. Yeah. Uh, he he, man. Uh, he influenced so many people, and apparently, like uh, on Twitter, like so he, people have so many stories of not just how smart he was, but just how nice of a person he was. And that's like that's the thing everyone keeps saying is like he was a truly like one of the nicest people. And he cared so much about all of his friends. And like, it's always, it's always the nicest people who go. It's, and mm-hmm. it's, it's so unfortunate. Cause I know, I'm pretty sure I, I, I watched, I think we all watched Mythbusters at some point or something. I watched, oh, of course, yeah. I watched a lot of Mythbusters. And like, yeah. that dude's like, 49 is, is still really young too, man. And like, just out of nowhere, man, it's, it's, it sucks. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was, Naya, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I was not thrilled to hear of uh, when Grant passed away because he is, he was super young. And even though, like, when we just talk about Mesbers, we talk about um, Adam Savage and Jamie Heineman, but his team, at some episodes, they had, like, it was Grant, uh, Kari, and um, Tori. Mm-hmm. Those guys, those three, sometimes had the, the funner miss, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously, you, they, because. I remember watching later episodes of Mistbusters. It was the show was split in two. It was half was for uh, Jamie and Adam, the other half was the other three, and sometimes they would all all five would come together. Yeah. But just watching just watching them just do all their stuff together, all the hijinks they would get into, it sucks to hear that he passed away from from something like this. That's something actually that a close friend of mine, her mom, just survived a brain aneurysm. Mm-hmm. She's recovering from one. So to hear that he fell to it is like, damn. Yeah, it sucks. It hurts. Yeah. Yep. Um, as well as this week, uh, the body of Naya Rivera, best known for her role on Glee, uh, was found in Lake Piru in Ventura County. She was 33. Uh, supposedly she was saving her four-year-old child from drowning. And she uh, drowned herself. She, she did save her four-year-old child because he reported uh, that was the last thing that he saw was his mom putting him back up on the boat. Yeah. And that's really well, tragic. I, I, say, I say supposedly because I quoted the Oh yeah, no no yeah of course I just want to like like she saved her son's life and like that's mm-hmm. that's 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 like the small miracle if you can think of one in this terrible situation um yeah. it's so sad uh again yeah. like another young really talented really nice person yeah. thank you for us um Joanna Cole passed away this week uh you know, she is not so young but she passed away at seventy five uh, she was the author of the Magic School Bus oh yeah okay definitely. I watched all those. Oh yeah, yeah. I actually read those books. I read those books quite a bit when I was in elementary school. I loved the Magic School Bus books. Oh yeah, I, I love those. I love those short, uh, th- those little films. They yeah. played. Um, you know, they just brought it back with uh, Kate McKinnon as the that's new Miss right. Frizzle. That's right. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's that sucks. So she yeah. wrote over two hundred books. Yeah, Magic that's School incredible. Bus. Wow. Uh, and and best part is, all of them were to help educate kids. Yeah. They took dog. And uh, so last but certainly not least, uh, Representative John Lewis passed yeah. away this week at the age of 80 uh, from stage four pancreatic cancer. He, he is obviously a United States representative, uh, and, but he also wrote a former book club of ours, March, about his time in the civil rights movement. And that, yes. that was a really great book. He was mm-hmm. a really great guy. Was, was at least 
like there's been no word on the in development but like he was at least working on if not finished run which was his follow-up trilogy of mm-hmm. graphic yeah. novels to march yeah uh, yeah we'll we'll find out what will happen with that eventually he was uh, a great he was a great voice uh for the civil rights he was a great voice in, in our in our congress um, one of our most important yeah. for sure uh was... john, john lewis uh, i i remember a while back uh i don't remember exactly what year this was but during during the trump administration when uh he was he was pushing for uh whatever it was he was doing he was pushing to like send everyone home he wasn't gonna have the senate like closed and everything and john lewis led the sit-in do you guys oh, remember yeah, that yeah. sit-in yes. with all yeah. the congress like sitting in john lewis was the one who led that um I remember that as a big moment when he just went in and he sat right on the floor and just stayed there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Great guy. One, one thing I, I was going to talk about John Lewis that actually, when we first read the book club, all those, I don't know, how long was it? Like a year or so ago when we read March? It was a while. It was a while. I'm not it was a while ago. Yeah. When, because normally when you hear about senators or any big politician write a book, you're thinking it's just going to be that, oh, this is their memoir. This is their this is their big giant book. You're going to see it plastered all over Barnes Noble. It's like a traditional book in a sense, but to hear that a Senator chose the comic medium to tell his story of the civil rights movement. To me that I was blown away that a Congressman, a United States Congressman said, I'm not going to just write a book. I'm going to write a comic book about me being with Dr. King, about me being the civil rights movement. I mean, for, for me, that's just because I, I feel like, and once again, this is obviously this isn't, pertaining to representative lewis but some of those senators or some of those congressmen are just like so uptight that if they even are given a comic book they'd be like what is this trash this is some bullshit don't give me that i'm kitty stuff yeah yeah this is this is for kids and yet reading march and reading how he um like i love how the way of march is told we talked about earlier but for those of you who don't know march is told as it's on the day of uh, President Barack Obama's inauguration, and Representative Lewis is talking, is essentially doing an interview with um, a young person about his time in the civil rights movement, about how, when t- during a time when black people were segregated, some where they didn't, people didn't want them to vote, there still wasn't any equal rights up until our first African American president. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, he inspired he inspired george takei to do that himself and george takei wrote his own memoir about his time being in the japanese determined Mm -hmm. games so just the fact that a congressman decided to write a comic book and he even went to comic-con there was uh during twitter after he died i was scrolling through he actually was dressed in the the same trench coat that he wore on the bridge in selma and um he was walking through the halls of comic-con people saw him and talked to him and he was walking through the halls of comic-con just like he did back in the 60s Yes, John Lewis. Uh, go ahead, Ben. No, I mean, I know I'm talking. I can't talk about the great things that John Lewis has done because I mean, he's John Lewis. He's uh, he's the conscience of Congress, as people have been calling him. But for some, for for me, just the fact that he decided to tell his story through a comic book form and the story is just fantastic. It really spoke to me. I know that shouldn't be what does speak to me, but it does. It's, it's well, just, that's, that was that was his intent. Exactly, John, he's reaching an audience that that all the other congressmen they don't even try to reach. Right, right. That was that was John Lewis's belief was that he's like he knows that the civil rights movement isn't taught well in our schools, and he wanted there to be a resource to show young people to show everyone who was ignorant, not by means of their own, but ignorant mm-hmm. of what what that history was like. He wanted them to not only be able to learn about it, but he wanted them to be able to see it, to see mm-hmm. what it looked. 
um, to see the kind of hate that was there when right. it was happening, and also the kind of like uh, the the bravery that was that was present for the people in the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, he was unique for that reason. I think we all kind of felt like John Lewis was on the same level as Ruth Bader Ginsburg, where we all knew uh, they were up they're up in their age, but we don't want them to go. We want them to stick around for as many years as possible. Yes. Yeah. it's sad that John Lewis she's in the hospital is gone, right even though eighty is a uh, no, she was discharged. Oh, she's okay. Uh, uh, she's uh, yeah, her cancer, her cancer came back though. She's yeah. fighting it. Um, but she was discharged. Uh, yeah, it's, it's sad to, uh, see John Lewis pass, even though it's a, a solid legacy and the age of 80 is not, there's nothing to, you know, be ashamed about in that no. or anything. But, and he's, uh, he spent his entire life fighting for it, for people. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that's like, like, the man, the man deserves his rest, frankly. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, I certainly wish he could have been around. I wish he could have been around to see something after Trump's presidency. Yeah. I think it's a real damn shame John Lewis died in the midst of this shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sucks. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's, should we get into some happier news, I guess? Comic yeah. books, baby. We have tons of comic book news as the pre, as the solicitations start to start to roll around. We're getting a lot of cool comic book news. One of the only industries that can still work pretty much the exact same because everyone yeah. just works at home. Um, DC Comics, we're going to start with them. They've announced a couple of books for the Black Label. Uh, the, the first one is Batman White Knight Presents Harley Quinn. Um, this is a spinoff of Curse of the White Knight and the White Knight books. Um, it's going to be written by Katana Collins, who is a novelist and also Sean Gordon Murphy's wife. Oh. Um, with art by Matteo Scalera from Black Science. Woo! It's going to look so good! Uh, Sean Gordon Murphy is co-plotting the story and he's going to handle the cover art. It's going to be a six-year miniseries. Um, I believe Curse of the White Knight is like eight or something like that. Yeah, I think so. Um, and the story will focus on Joker's former sidekick in the aftermath of Batman Curse of the White Knight. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. And that's all yeah, I can good. tell you without spoiling Curse of the White Knight. <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah, um, I, I like I, I, I saw like the cover. Oh. I, I saw a cover for Curse uh, for uh, for this story. So I think I know what happens, but at the same time, I st please don't spoil it for me. I because I, I want to read Curse of the White I'll Knight. I'll say the cover because I haven't finished Curse of the White Knight. I have them, I just haven't read them uh, or finished it. Uh, the cover for the Harley Quinn book has Harley Quinn with some babies. I don't know what that means for the, the for the series, but it looks cute. Harley yeah. Quinn being a mommy, maybe who knows? Getting rid of crime, who knows? Yeah, so it, lo it looks really interesting. Um, we we read White Knight for a book club. Um, yep. That was really great. Uh, been waiting for Curse of the Curse of the White Knight trade to pick that one up. Oh, it's still not mm -hmm. out yet. The hardcover is coming soon, but the okay. trade will be after that. Yeah, I like I like this um this alternate Elseworld universe. That's cool that like DC's allowing like hey you're you get a universe and you get a universe. Yeah, yeah it's they're nice. like Oprah of giving people universes. <laughs> exactly. And uh, American Vampire is coming back for one final time. This is Scott Snyder and Raphael Albuquerque's long running uh, Vertigo book, now Black Label. Mm -hmm. um, oh wow, yeah. Sometimes written by uh, Stephen King. Yeah, my friend. Um. This is coming back as American Vampire 1976, the final chapter of their long-running horror saga set in 1976. Who knew? Uh, the series follows the formerly undead protagonist Skinner Sweet as he deals with mortality and reunites with Pearl Jones one, one last time to stop the day trader from unleashing its final plans for humanity. That's going to be nine issues. Heck yeah. I read that first volume many, many, many years ago. Um, Skinner Sweet's a bad, uh, uh, bad boy you, love, you, you hate to love. You love to hate, however that phrase goes. It's a cool book. Yeah, I, I haven't read that one, but I've always been interested in it. It's good. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Then the final book that was announced for the Black Label was Rorschach. 
Yeah. Uh, this is written by Tom King with art by Jorge uh, Fornes. Fornes? Fornes, probably. Um, set 35 years after the events of the original comic, the series opens with a mysterious new Rorschach and his partner attempting to assassinate a political challenge, a political challenger uh, to President Robert Redford. Though they fail and appear to be killed in the process, the series follows a detective's quest to retrace the assassin's steps, uncover their identities, and learn the truth behind their mission. 12 right. issues. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is... This is uh, we heard rumblings that, uh, that Tom King was doing something possibly Watchmen-related yeah, for a while. Yeah, it's been going on for a while. And uh, if he's been writing... If this is a 12 issues and it's coming out soon, he's been writing it for a while then. So, yeah, um, so yeah this, is, this is it. Here we go. Um, it's a little unclear because, like, you know, they I talk know about what 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 the story is or who the character. Like, I don't right, know. Right? They talk about these new Rorschach, and the way Tom King talks about it is like it, it's it's if you want to take for what he's saying at heart, he's what he's saying is that uh, the story is about how people kind of internalize Walter Kovacs and and idealize the the Rorschach character. Um, but if this is set after Doomsday Clock, isn't there a new Rorschach? So. So okay, so uh, d- besides the fact that we have more war- ma- Watchmen books, like that's dead and gone. It's going to happen. I have to get over that. Okay, the fact that the first book is Warshak is immediately a problem for me because Warshak is not a hero. He's not supposed to be a hero. You're not supposed to root for him. There's a reason mm-hmm. he's the villain of the season of the of the of the show, right? Mm-hmm. He's not a character you aspire to be. The angle that the the solicit says were like a new Rorschach tries to kill the president and gets killed. And it's a detective, his journey about uh, discovering all this stuff, right? Why? I don't, I truly don't believe that DC is going to make a book that Rorschach is a villain and a murderer. I do not think that's the intent. I never, I do not think that they'll ever put a book out like that. I'm sorry. I don't believe that they're going to degrade one of their highest selling uh, characters because that's who he really is. You know what? Like they made the before Watchmen stuff and they turned him into a hero when he's, he's not. So I, I'm just more mad about what the story is because this is, I, I need to know what happened to Reggie. That's not fair to Jeff Johns and Reggie at the Rorschach from Doomsday Clock, right? Yeah. Are we ignoring that? Is this a separate universe that's a sequel to the book? Like, it's not giving me any information or anything for me to really care. The, 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 the interview, the interview that, that so I'm, I, we talked about the Doomsday, I talked about the Doomsday Clock episode that I'm well open to new stories yeah. set within the Watchmen universe. I do think there's something worth exploring there. A Rorschach maxi series was not exactly what i thought would be a good idea and when tom king talked about it he worried me by saying like we're all so we're all so mad right now and we're it's all called, yes and, and he 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 basically talks about it as if he's identifying rorschach with what's going on with the black lives matter movement as well as the i don't want to wear a mask movement um which is what i call those doofuses um yes and so like i don't know if that's the right angle to go with attributing rorschach to righteous anger yeah, I, I I thought I took a picture of the quote, but like he's he it sounds like he's turning Rorschach and his his right wing conspiracy fueled anger into into modern day uh, left views of like oh Rorschach is for everyone. Rorschach's not for everyone. He's a, he's a misogynist and he's he's racist. So I just don't understand how they can turn Rorschach into a character. Well, I mean, like because I, I, in this, it's going to be that Rorschach is you know someone else yeah so it's it's just following off that imagery which means yeah his what he represents especially 35 years after the journal is released in the event can doesn't have to mean the same thing as what rorschach in watchman means okay Mm -hmm. um and i I, i'm more interested 
once I knew that it was about a detective learning about him than yeah. about us following this character. I, me too, yes. Uh, does anyone remember how long after Watchmen Doomsday Clock is supposed to be? Only it's 10. It's only 10, only right? 10 years, yeah. So this would this would be the Rorschach that comes after Reggie. They could acknowledge that. They might not. I don't know. Yeah. Um, in my mind, uh, it's not hard for me to believe that if the journal was shared around, this is something we were anticipating when the Watchmen show was coming. Mm-hmm. That, um, and in a way, it kind of happens because the Rorschach masks are ado- adopted by the new version of the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah, that's what I mean. They're, um, yes. Right, right. So that was more on the line. In this, in this version, it seems more like uh, different people will take on that persona for whatever they feel it belongs to. Okay. Uh, which I think means that just he became an icon and an image that anyone can transpose their ideals on. It's too early to say, obviously, because it's not out what that's going to mean. But I think there is potential here for that to, to be explored of like how one person can take that kind of thing and twist it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that, sure. I, I, I don't like know that, that that's what this is. I, I don't know that that's that, what this that is, is a best case scenario. But again, at the end of the day, when you have people using Rorschach's likeness or what they think his mantra is to do good or bad things, Rorschach is still a bad person. And he's, and people sure. are going to, it's like, I, I don't know. It just, it, I, the, think, I just don't the, think this is the right character to I, do it with. I get you. In the, in watch, the DC comics. In the Doomsday Clock Watchmen universe. Yeah. So what we have to believe is the Watchmen canon. Future, That's what I, also I don't. Which is, which, but I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, Rorschach is somewhat heroic for no other reason than he wrote the journal that exposed Ozymandias' lie. Yes. And mm-hmm. everybody in Watchmen found out about that. Mm-hmm. So they're going to hold him to a higher standard than others yeah. will. Now, um, so so they, they definitely talk about it. Um, the, the the actual thing, the set 35 years later, the President Redford, it's like they, they talk about it as if Doomsday Clock uh, didn't happen and it's, the, it's kind of bouncing off the TV show. The fact that it is 35 years later, which makes it 25 years after doomsday clock does it give it time to kind of be like, okay, we let's, you know, things are changing, but it is curious to me and sparks totally on board for what you said, but it is curious to me if the whole point of doomsday clock was that Reggie was going to, well, not the point, but if Reggie was going to make it so that the Rorschach imagery was more heroic, how do we get here? Right. Well, uh, and I think like, we're going to have to, 12 issues we're gonna have to wait to see what this this story exactly is but let's hypothetically tom king takes his time hypothetically if reggie did that let's just say if this is following doomsday clock logic right Mm -hmm. hypothetically if reggie did that uh if robert redford was considered bad enough there's an argument to be made that like what rorschach is trying to do is a type of heroic thing for the people sure but uh you know I, I think it's going to be more complicated than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's just too many variables. I'm, my only point in what I was saying was to say there is a possibility for this to be good. Oh, of course. And I don't mean like I mean like specifically what what we're just hearing from the solicit. There is a possibility for this to be something where he is working on an angle of like even to uh, even to the minds of the people who would who would in I'm talking like the people who idealize Rorschach from Watchmen in our world for yeah. the wrong reasons. Yes to show in the comic don't uh you know be careful who you idolize be careful who you make an icon like that there's a possibility for this story to be that because what could happen is that the people actually hate redford that this assassination attempt is is very public that uh rorschach tried to do it and was murdered people are upset about it because they consider him a hero and the detective covers you know not so much Mm -hmm. i i 
and again, I, everything you're saying is awesome. I don't believe DC Comics will publish a comic that that, that makes Rorschach look that bad because they still have to make him be a hero in some aspects. I don't think they'll do that to the character. I, I hear you, but uh, my only question is, would Tom King? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. why, And that's why I'm like, if yeah. Tom King's doing it for a reason. And so I'd like to believe that there's some reason to say something, even if he's smart enough to say it in a way where, like, if you're paying attention, you get it. And yeah. if you're not paying attention, you don't get it. Yeah. I just want, I always want to be wrong in this case. Yeah. Let's hope. We're going to only wait and see. Uh, but this is, yes, this is. Rorschach, yes or no? Not really. I, I mean, don't get, okay. Tom King, amazing writer. We can, we can all acknowledge that. But I, I, I'm kind of done with Watchmen stuff. I mean, Doomsday Clock, hell yeah. Uh, the TV show Watchmen, hell yeah. I'm done. Hey, I got, just, I got Those three Dark Knights Metal, you're going to get plenty more of it. Don't worry. Oh boy. Yeah. 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 Um, I, 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 I don't know. This, I mean, this is a testing, this is a testing ground more so than Doomsday Clock. Like a crossover was always going to do well, but if this does really well, then we'll get more of these. But if this does really badly. Again, much like uh, Wolverine number one being the first solo X-Men book, there's a reason Rorschach is your number one guy because he sells a lot more than a he's the uh, most popular one solo series would because he's way too interpersonal and introspective than Rorschach. Yeah. I mean, when I first saw the cover, I th- actually when I first saw the cover, I thought this took place in the 1970s before Watchmen, like before the actual book. Yeah. So they did that. Called before Watchmen. Yeah, it's called. Yeah, that book exists. They made a yeah. bunch of them. Half yeah, more. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know. But this was like a different type of before watch. This is like just one Rorschach, or wow, that's just Rorschach on a case in the 1970s doing his own thing. That sounds like the Brian Ezrael Lieberman series. Damn it! All right, <laughs> I got all before. I got, <laughs> I got nothing. Uh, no, look, you know what? We'll just gotta wait and see. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then, um, I, I'll, I'll just, I just want. Final button on it, which is that uh, I think I think of the Watchmen icon imagery characters like Night Owl, Rorschach, all that. I think he is the only one who there's anything interesting to explore about his effect on the world post the Watchmen story, and that's potentially not why this Manhattan a god. Not not after what they did with Doomsday Clock. That's what I mean. Well, but remember, there's a kid, Doctor Manhattan. Universe now. Uh, yeah, there's Clark, but um, but what I mean is Doctor Manhattan himself is gone and i think the best version of exploring what he would have done has already happened on the tv show so rorschach his effect on on people especially in a world where his journal made them realize about ozymandias which isn't what happened in the tv show Mm -hmm. uh there is room to explore that in the most interesting way the only other like post watchman comics i'd be interested in are things about new characters living in the world Mm -hmm. that watchman created sure um so I mean, at the end of Doomsday Clock, we get the hints of Clark and nostalgia, and I would like to see some of them. You'll get them, don't worry. Um, okay, so uh, as we know, Wonder Woman 1984 has been pushed back, but DC Comics is going to release a uh, comic book tie-in called Wonder Woman 1984. It should be called 83. <laughs> it is only going to be one issue, so it's a one-shot issue that's going to contain two short stories. Uh, a a two-story one-shot, yeah. Um, in the first tale, the heroic goddess must save hostages after burglars take control of the Smithsonian Museum of Natural History. Does that uh, everything she does? She just saves people from museums. That's happened at the beginning of Justice League. Um, writer, I don't care. Um, <laughs> written by Wonder Woman 1984 associate producer Anna Abrapta. So she's actually a producer on the movie. 
Cool. Um, and comic book writer Louise Sim- Simonson. Louise Simonson, yo, yeah. that's cl- she's classic. Wheezy, we call her Wheezy in the X House. <laughs> and art by the art will be handled by Brett Blevins. Cool, cool, cool. Um, the second story. Uh, a reckless mastermind has made the ultimate power move by sealing Wonder Woman's golden lasso of truth. And it's up to Diana and Steve Trevor to get it back before the worst happens. Steve Trevor, I didn't read that Steve part. Steve Trevor? Is this a prequel? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Is it a prequel that takes place back in World War One? Let's hope. <laughs> um, Steve Pugh, uh, who has been an artist for both Marvel and DC, oh, uh, has, has written this story. Um, Mar- Margar- Marguerite Savage, Savage, um, did the art, and she um, she's the main artist on the DC Bombshell series. Okay, so cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, it'll, it'll be released in Walmart on September twentieth, okay. and then comic shops on September 29th. Okay. Oh, that seems really early for that movie. Yeah, that in October. Okay. All right. I probably won't read it to be honest. No, probably not. I don't. I don't expect much from movie tie-in comics because they rarely put in the effort I want them to. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, by the way, since we're on the note of it, uh, because I told you guys I recently rewatched Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the first time I'd seen it since the 1984 trailers were coming out, and let me tell you that that prologue and epilogue about looking at Steve Trevor's photo don't really hit the same if you know that she sees him in 1984. Uh. <laughs> uh. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens at the end of 1984. Oh my god, what if he's just like an illusion the whole I mean, time? I mean, That'd my be point so being cool. like, even if he's gone at the end of 1984, it's still the, the intent impact. and the impact of the ending of that movie is meant to make you feel like that was the last memory she had of him. Here's how I'll, here's how I'll justify it. The prologue and epilogue of the original take place within the Snyder verse, the agree. Snyder DC universe. I agree. Uh, but that no longer exists. Right. Because Robert Pattinson is Batman now. Hell yeah. Ding dong, the witch is dead. <laughs> yeah. Remember he killed Dick Grayson? Anyway, Boom Studios. I'm trying yeah. to forget. <laughs> um, Boom Studios has announced a new initiative with their Power Rangers comics. Um, they will conclude the current Power Rangers comics. The main title, One Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, will conclude with issue 55 and will debut a new Green Ranger. Um, this starts up the new initiative that I have. Nope. Okay. It It is the ultimate power initiative. Um, it'll start with the first series, Mighty Morphin, written by Ryan Parrot. Parrot, I think. With art by Marco Renna. Um, this one reads, a new Mighty Morphin team has assembled to take on the deadliest threats to Earth. But who is the all-new Green Ranger by their side? The new Mighty Morphin team is on a collision course with an even deadlier Lord Zed, who has a new mission and a new motivation, one that will change everything you thought you knew about our heroes. Ooh. Everything you knew is wrong? But even if the Mighty Morphin team can find a way to survive Zed and their mysterious new enemies, they may discover the greatest threat to their future is the shocking secret of Zordon's past. A new Mighty Morphin epic begins here, perfect for longtime fans and new readers alike. Hey, hey guys, guys, everything you do is wrong. Zord, yep. Z- Zordon and Zed are brothers. That's the twist. That might have been the twist of the movie that it kept going. Oh, that would have been cool. I'm into it. And the second series will be called Power Rangers, also written by Ryan Parrott, with Ooh. art by Francesco Mart- Martorino. 
Uh, Power Rangers number one reveals a new cosmic threat that only the original Power Rangers, now known as the Omega Rangers, Jason, Trini, and Zack, can hope to defeat. But their secret weapon is the villainous Lord Draken. Zordon forbids the Omega Rangers from contacting Draken, so if they want to save the universe, then they'll have to go rogue and go up against their mighty Morphin allies. So two new teams, two new comics. That's cool. I mean, I've, I haven't read Power Rangers in a while, but that sounds cool. Yeah, yeah, sounds cool too. I've always uh, been interested in the books. Uh, uh, it's sad Kyle Higgins is, is off the Power Rangers franchise because he was doing great things with it for these past couple years. He introduced Lord Draken. Yeah. Which is an alternate universe version of Jason, who is both the green uh, and Tommy. white ranger. Tommy. Uh, Tommy. No, Jason. Yeah, it, it, no, Tommy. It's Tommy. I, I am not Tommy's a green ranger. I, maybe one day I'll read this. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, Honestly, if you you don't have to have much knowledge of Power Rangers, but that Kyle Higgins like battle for the grid stuff is like really really good. Yeah. You don't have to have any knowledge. Sure. Yeah. Um, it'll be my next. It'll be my again my next pick for the book club cycle. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna uh, tangent just real fast because I just realized that I can prove that Brandon doesn't actually hate that everything you knew you thought you knew was wrong trope. He just hates when they say it because Adventure <laughs> Time is nothing if not everything you thought you knew was wrong over and over they don't and just, over again. But they don't oh, tell you They don't punch that. you in the face with Oh, it. that's true. That's true. You don't hate it as long as they're not trying to sell you on it and they do it well. See, when it's like Evangelion, which we'll talk about where, oh, maybe they, maybe these things aren't what we think they are. Everything we knew is wrong. They're not punching in the face with, guess what? Everything you know is wrong. Just wait for it. So like, you know, don't yeah, tell them. If, if it's treated as a reveal and not as a, well, we can't do anything. Let's erase that. Yes. Right. Um, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Good point. I just I just thought about it because you watch so much Adventure Time. I'm like that show constantly does that. <laughs> um, okay, then next from Boom Studios is Berserker. 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 Uh, written by none the one and only Keanu Reeves. Also, Ooh. also, and so Matt Kent. Yes, and if written by we're being honest. Probably mostly written by Matt Kent because that's mostly. how most of the projects go. Well, even even um, Keanu Reeves was like, "Oh, he was yeah." Matt Matt's writing is my my idea. I'm kind of we're, we're skyping every day. Donny Cates was originally gonna he had met with Keanu Reeves about this book. Oh, he's too busy, I bet. Um, so, but yes, Matt Kent uh, with art by Alessandro Vitti. It's gonna be a 12 issue limited series coming out October 7th. Centers on a warrior who looks a lot like a certain beloved actor and has walked a blood-soaked path across the world for centuries. In present day, the Berserker does dangerous jobs for the U.S. government in exchange for the truth about his existence. Hmm. I'm into it. Uh, I think this, this artist has has worked on another comic called uh, Exter- uh, ex- extra, ex- ex- Something About Your Limbs Getting Cut Off. It's a really cool comic that's really bloody. Extremities. Extremity. Thank you, Ben. There you go. That's a cool comic. Um, I think that's the same artist, but if it is, um, it's going to be some really great action stuff. So yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited. This is a this cool is... way for Keanu Reeves to go about pitching his next movie franchise. Now, Boom Studios <laughs> has a first look deal with Netflix. Yeah, uh, Hondo percent. Happened. Not surprised. Um, the character was. This is what Keanu had to say about the about the titles. Like the character was born eighty thousand years ago, half man. His father was a war god. It's a little fantasy and reality. I'm good I'm with that. Cool. I'm into Whatever. that. It's a little bit of old guard, a little bit of John Wick, a little <laughs> bit of God of War. What do you want? Yeah. I'm Keanu. I'm, I'll um, take it. Hey, and look, he was even asked like if they make a movie out of this. Is like, you know what? It would just be cool if they did. I don't care who would play it. And I'm just—he's—he's he's so humble. Yeah, but he's it would so be humble bad. about this. Yeah. 
I'm just glad that he straight up saying it's like it's my it's just my idea. So and so's writing it. We're just yeah, talking I, about I it. Super appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, obviously his name is gonna be on the book, and that's gonna be like the big draw is like holy crap, Keanu Reeves did something with this book. So I was, that's gonna I, be one big draw. I'll own the Keanu Reeves number one comic book. Oh yeah, yeah. of course. I'll I'll take it as well. But just the fact that he's straight up saying is like, look, this is the guy. You give him all your praise. I I just like throw ideas, he makes it happen. I had a dream about a war god. That's all I did. Yeah, he's a, he's a he's a really cool dude, and he's always been really creative. Uh, so it's cool to see this. Ready this for Cyberpunk out. later this year, where he is the dude inside your head for the entire uh, game. We got a city to burn. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Also coming from Boom Studios is a new imprint from Universal Studios. What? <sighs> I hate this. It's like a Fast and the Furious uh, comic. Is this what's happening? Is it Fast and Furious? No. So Grant Morrison has been hired by Universal Studios UCP, which is called uh, Universal Content Productions. Mm-hmm. Grant Morrison. Grant Morrison has been hired to launch a new imprint called UCP Graphic for Universal Studios that will, be, that will have books published through Boom Studios. Dinosaur and Alien Zone, Grant Morrison. UCP's goal is to make new IP for movies and TV shows. That was complete. That was that was. They've, there's a new division at Universal Studios whose main goal is to create IP to be adapted into movies and TV shows. Oh, wow. Cool. Um, they know comics already exist, right? <laughs> so so this is what the the producer, the head of UCP had to say. Our goal is for UCP to be ho- be a home for great storytelling no matter the medium. Now, you might be wondering what Grant Morris has to do with this. Well, he is writing the first comic called Protector Valley Road. Um, it's going to be written by Grant Morrison and Alex Child. Art was not revealed. It's going to be a five-issue miniseries. The story of a group of teenage girls suspected in the disappearance of several teen boys in a 1964 California t- beach town. Oh, all right. That's, okay. that's not what I expected. Okay. No. Oh. So not that quite sounds, Menace of Aliens. That sounds like perfectly ripe for like an adaptation for a TV show or something. Yeah. Or like a movie. Yeah. Okay. You know, because the legendary, the legendary comics... Uh, arm does very well yeah i mean they put those books out for sure <laughs> they have indeed put books out um, i have a question if universal right. just wants a whole lot of new ip why don't they just like i don't know look at a whole lot of diverse screenwriters who are trying to get into the business right now and elevate black and trans and lgbtq voices and because grant morrison's grant morrison makes money I don't oh know. yeah okay i don't know dog i just seems- well seems weird because grant morrison he's always he's definitely a company man like he might be like he does crazy stuff but that dude like sells sells out like hardcore and i respect him for doing both for being artsy and making millions um this just seems like selling out they gave me a lot of money to make a thing that could be a show and i went and the comic okay. the comic's probably going to be just fine and the movie's probably going to be just fine and grant morrison's going to be making millions off of all of it matt fraction and his wife uh, did a had, had a had a deal with Universal Studios to create new content for them. They so apparently all that stuff's still in the works. It's just coronavirus really messed it up. But they have multiple TV shows in development, whether it's scripting or pre-production stages. That like they've been gone from comics for except for Matt Fraction, and they they're still running comics, but not as much as they used to because yeah. they are focusing on doing a lot of TV stuff that just is not out yet. But they are they are they have been working hard on TV shit. Yeah, I, don't I know, have a question. Buy a comic book company, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. What's up, Ben? Yeah. So, okay. You hire Grant Morrison. He's an acclaimed comic book writer. He knows his stuff. That's cool. Why don't you have him just be like head of the department? Give him a bunch of screenplays and uh, stuff. I'm by sure he doesn't want to do that. Up. Probably not. I don't know. Um, I don't think they 
would want him to because he's he's not a business type guy. They just right. they want to get a big name to write their first yeah. big movie comic adaptation thing. And then they're like, Grant, here's a million dollars. Give us a five issue miniseries. He's like, okay. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's not the first time this type of things happen. Like, you know what? Universal, in order to get a new IP, Universal should have just bought Dynamite. <laughs> I'm just, no, I'm just saying, like, I mean, if you're creating an, like, I have nothing against this comic thing or anything, but if you're creating an initiative specifically to create, like, new big film IPs, I'm like, why don't you, like, go for the diversity plug and, like, Get a whole lot of branding and marketability off of specifically doing that. Yeah, I don't know because they don't know what they're doing. Right. Well, that's because they hired Grant Morrison to to make a comic movie. Because they once asked uh, Alex Kurtzman to direct a movie. Mm. <laughs> I'm also going to bet that a lot of the heads. I'm also going to bet that a lot of the heads at Universal are still really old white guys, so they're like, uh, "This guy makes a whole lot of money. Yeah, get him. This Grant Morrison fellow. Yeah, he writes comics. Let's let's do that." It had to have been a good deal because for him to, yeah. to say yes. Yeah. Oh, bye, Blink. All right. Anyway, Image Comics had some announcements this week. Uh, for example, they announced uh, what Donny Cates' next creator-owned series will be. We don't know what it is. We've been hearing rumblings about it for a while. It was we we as a collective as a cult of the Devil's Advocates, as it's, as it's actually called, um, have been calling it uh, "God Hates Masks" because of protests in front of comic book shops with those uh, those signs. Uh, but it is in fact called Crossover. It is by the same team of God Country, the same God Country team of Donny Cates and Jeff Shaw. Uh, it's going to be out in November. And all we know is that Donny Cates has, has said it's an anti-event for the ages. So, uh, right. yeah, don't know anything about it, so I can't say anything. But like, I'm glad they're back together making cool shit. Yeah, Cult of Cates, Cult of Cates, Cult of Cates. Um, um, yet to read something from Donny Cates I didn't like, so I'll just read everything he makes. It's true. I'll yeah, it. pretty much. And then, in shocking news, Robert Kirkman had this to say about The Walking Dead. They're going to be re-releasing all 193 issues yep. in color. Yep. Are they doing it in single issue again? Yes. Single oh, issue. I they were just twice a month. Single issue, all in color. Full price? Yeah. Yep. That's cool. That's a that's a lot of money. That's so cool, they, but... they are releasing all 193 issues. Um, the first issue will be out October 7th, with two issues in in November, and then two issues from then on. Um, it will um, it'll feature new variants from people like David Finch, Tony Moore, Julianne Totino, uh, Tedesco, and Arthur Adams. But the big draw that I think Kirkman, outside of the colorization, is that he's hoping for uh, the back the back supplementary material called the cutting room floor, which will have Kirkman original handwritten plots along with commentary on the band of storylines and plot points that may have changed along the way. Aliens. The aliens thing. Yeah. Let's think of that. <laughs> I mean, this is cool. I mean, I, it's, I, I, I can't get mad at it because like it's... Marvel DC put out like uh, re re, what are they called? Um, director's cuts. Director's cuts, but also they put out like true believer issues where they re put out stuff. Oh, yeah. that too. But those are yeah. only, a dollar. but those are only a dollar. Yeah. yeah. But like, this is like also transformation. Also, uh, uh, Ryan, um, this isn't the this has this this is the sort of things happened before. Scott Pilgrim originally came out black and white, then they had the color editions. Uh, it's not Scott Pilgrim is not a hundred and ninety three issues true. long. Very true, very true. And but and Kirkman specifically, like he hit this hard in it. He's like, we're not collecting this in in anything anytime soon. So if you want to see it, 
you got to get the single issues yeah. anytime soon. But yeah, yeah. With the well, amount of money no, no, like yeah. in like eight years or so. Yeah. Yes. But he there, he's like specifically saying, I want people to go buy these issues at comic stores. Yeah. So we are not making collected editions for a long time. I mean, I have, yeah. I have, there's no reason for me to be have like any negative feelings towards this. Like no, I'm for sure. I'm not going to buy it. Yeah. I think it's cool. Like, especially cause they're not just doing that. They're putting this, the, the supplemental stuff in the back. Yeah. That's I don't cool. think it, I don't think it's a bad idea. I just was shocked that they decided yeah. to do it. Yeah. Um, who's read The Walking Dead? Like any of it? Uh, yeah, I've read almost all of it. Okay, uh, couple issues. I'm like halfway I, through Compendium Two. I question how much of the art is going to benefit from being in color. It's not because it was made a, to be a, black and white. A whole lot of it is so specifically designed for black and white. Yeah, I don't know that color is going to make it better. Yeah. That was actually going to be say, one of my. Qu- I forgot to say who the colorist is. The colorist is Dave McCaig. That's important Dave. because he's doing all the 193. Oh man, that's that's funny. Um, so I I I tweeted him because he said I've been working on something for four years and I have not been able to tell anyone about it. I can't wait to announce it. And I was like, Yo, dude, four years—that's nuts! Can't wait to hear it. This is what it is, Dave. This is it. <laughs> He's not listening, but that's so cool, man. I'm, I can't imagine because I tweeted him. I can't imagine working on something for four years and you can't tell a soul about it. That that the pressure would kill me. Uh, so that's that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe they've been doing that for four years though. Holy shit. Yeah, but getting back to the black, I was going to ask: Doesn't it being color kind of take away from the specialness of The Walking Dead? Because that book is all black and white. I don't, that I, was. I don't think like every page will suffer from being turned to color. They released some preview pages, mm-hmm. and I'm like, those look those look good. Yeah. I'm not going to lie; mm-hmm. like they look good. But I can think of some specific pages that I read in The Walking Dead where I'm like, seeing that in color might not be as good specifically like because when they started it was like it was a small indie book which is one of the reasons they started in black and white but then when it was the biggest comic in the world 150 issues in it was still black and white they were making it so the black and white was more was pretty and it was like it actually was like noir and like black and white was more important um so maybe the maybe the earlier issues uh won't matter as much or excuse me they will they'll benefit it more but the later issues where they're like yo we are black and white we always will be uh it'll, it won't matter as much right you know what i mean so i mean yeah. almost almost detriment to what they yes. intended yes it's like yeah. coloring black and white movies like they kind of some are like that for a reason yeah because that was one of the things that i actually was really enjoying when i was reading the walking dead was the fact that it was in black and white it was an old it was a horror film i was reading a horror film yeah an old sure. scary ass horror film and it Back worked living dead yeah and it was actually working. So, I mean, it's cool that things in color. I'm not against it being in color, but still, it's like Walking Dead. It's it's kind of special being staying in black and white. Yeah, if you want to see I, it in color, you watch the show. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> True. I mean, I, this is probably going to get people in the comic book stores, which is always good. And of course, I'm really happy that they are putting these out in single issues. So it's going to make people want to come in. And, and they're the comic- not. Sorry, go ahead, sorry. No, and and I'm. Uh, damn it, I lost my train of thought. Go for it, Ryan. Oh, sorry, uh, the the comic it's still good. Like like I yeah. I didn't finish it. Like I I'm a couple years removed, but like the the, the hundred and something issues I read were all good. Yeah. So like mm-hmm. like this is not again this is not like a bad comic coming out again. Like there's people who've never read it who don't want to buy the trades who are like oh this is a cool way for me to have a number one Walking Dead and have yeah. a full collection of something. So like uh, I might buy the number one just to have it because that's cool. Yeah, um, I might too. Yeah. yeah, but but at the same time it I'm. Uh, because part of me is like it kind of takes away from the art, but at the same time, it's, it gets people back into it at the yeah. same time. It's not like, so, the, but it's not like the Walking Dead needs an audience. Yeah, which is weird because I'm not a huge Walking Dead fan. It's really yeah. weird that I have a huge that I have these feelings about this because I'm not that big of a fan of it. So it's like, I guess it's cool. I might buy that number one. Who knows? I, I might, like, and then they I all like 193 issues, seven volumes. No, you won't. No, I won't. 
Um, no, I won't. I have it. I'm still. I still can see no, my I bookmark on. Justify that. <laughs> I can still see my bookmark on Compendium Two, and that's been there for four years. So you're right. I'm not. 190. 193 episodes uh, issues, probably at 4.99. That's a lot. Yeah. No. I don't no. think. I don't think they'll be. I, I think they'll be 3.99. I don't think 4.99 is like when you get extra page shit. Like, I. But I, you I are getting extra pages. Page no, I mean, but like, I don't think that's true. I don't. I cannot see them doing 193 499s. I can't. I can't imagine them doing that. That is bad. At the same, at the same conference, uh, they announced the cast for the upcoming Invincible animated series from Seth Rogen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, This is also a Robert Kirkman uh, long-running series. Um, Stephen Yun, which we heard about, um, is going is in fact going to play Mark Grayson slash Invincible, the title character. Heck yeah, you. J.K. Simmons will play Nolan Grayson or Omni-Man. Oh, my God. Uh, That's so good because he's so dramatic. Oh, it's so good. Sorry. Uh, Sandra Oh will play Debbie Grayson. Mark Hamill will play Art Rosebaum. Uh, Seth Rogen will play Alan the Alien. uh Gillian Jacobs will play Samantha Eve Wilkins slash Adam Eve. Uh, Andrew uh, Rannells will play William Clockwell. Zazie Beetz will play Amber Bennett. Walton Goggins will play Cecile Stedman. Jason Manzoukas will play Rex Sloan, a.k.a. Rex Splode. Uh, Chris, Chris, Chris Diam, nope, I'm sorry, buddy, but no. Um, Donald will play Donald Ferguson and Doc Seismic. Carrie Payton will play Black Samson. Zachary Quinto as Robot. Malish Zhao as Kate Cha slash Duplicate. Uh, Kevin Michael Richardson as, Mal, as the Mahler Twins and Monster Girl's Monster, and Gray Griffin will play Shrinking Ray and Monster Girl. Man, they're really dancing the entire cast. That's crazy. Um, yeah. That's really exciting. Uh, I think I'm the only person who's read Invincible, yeah? Yeah. Read- yeah okay, that comic's awesome, and that is um, very much a, like, a like uh, not a satire, but it's like a, a, a view on superhero comics, like, kind of like the way The Walking Dead's a view on zombie stuff. Like, it's, it, it's very introspective on what, like, the tropes of superhero stuff are. Um, but it's really great, and the character stuff's really good. Um, I'm very excited. Uh, uh, I never, again, much like The Walking Dead, because it ran forever. I didn't finish Invincible because it ran forever, both over ten mm-hmm. years. Um, but I'm very excited that this that this show's coming out, and it's animated because because Invincible is one of the bloodiest, most violent, awesome action-packed superhero uh, comics ever made. So the fact that it's going to be able to be what it is is very cool. Very. Yeah, this cool. is an incredible cast. Yeah, for real. Uh, I'm I'm very excited for this one. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna make it a book club thing. Nope. Um, Samurai Rabbit the Yusagi Chronicles was announced. Netflix will be adapting the Yusagi Ojimbo comic series into a comedy action CGI adventure uh, animated series. Sorry. Uh, Stan Sakai, the creator of the series, the long running series, uh, will serve as, exe- as an executive producer. Uh, and then the animation house Galmond is doing the animation, which I, I looked about, but I haven't seen too much of their work. But... I'm unfamiliar. I know it, but I haven't read it. Uh, yeah, Yusagi Jimbo. I, I haven't read um, it either, but I'm, I am very familiar with its popularity. Yes, um, and and a lot of people who do know it, uh, like on Twitter, were very excited that the creators involved because mm-hmm. I think this is one of those things where like, please don't adapt it with with, with anyone else but the creator because like you won't do it justice. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really cool. Uh, can't wait. I'm glad it's animated. Yeah. I'm interested yeah. in this. I've always been interested in the series. It's been a long running IDW series for as long as I've been in comics, and far longer than that. Oh, Dark Horse. It's Dark Horse. For a long time. Yeah, I'll watch it. Yeah. Cool. And then Black Adam 
had a casting announcement for the first time since Dwayne The Rock Johnson was cast as Black Adam in Shazam. Yeah, um, this is a weird one. Noah Centino has been cast as Adam Smasher, the JSA member. Okay, cool. the JSA member, Adam Smasher. Yeah. That's I'm just for the Black Adam movie. It's it's just interesting. Well, so I looked it up and apparently Adam Smasher and Black Adam have a long history together. Okay. Uh, he Black Adam was part of the JSA for a number of years. And uh, and that was when Adam Smasher was inducted. He was inducted around the same time as Stargirl. So he's one of the second gen JSA members. So they actually have a history and they both defected the JSA and freaked Kandak, which was Black Adam's um, home. Yeah. So I did, after doing a bit of research on Adam Smasher, which I wasn't totally familiar with him, I did kind of see how they could find the connection there. Okay. Uh, this kid okay. is a is a young like Netflix heartthrob type of guy, so yeah. that's why I'm I'm interesting about the casting because like I my familiarity with Adam Smasher is like the Justice League cartoons, but he's a dude who smashes shit. So like I guess mm-hmm. what character I guess he could be literally any character. I'm just like, oh right, they're still making this movie. Yeah, he was the first person cast in the DCEU. I caramba, I love it. Well, after they officially announced it as the DCEU, because we already had Ben Affleck. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. hey man, uh, I Adam Smasher, sure. Okay, yeah. all right, all right, moving on. Uh, the Russo brothers have finally announced what their next directorial movie will be, and it's called The Gray Man for Netflix. Um, it's going to be based on Gray Man and Court Gentry book, the book series. Um, it's going to have Netflix's biggest budget yet with 200 million dollars. That's a that's that's a that's Avengers money, baby. Yeah, Joe Shrapnel and a- and Anna Waterhouse wrote the script with Marcus and McFeely apparently coming in to help. Um, this now this movie will star Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans. Uh, with the description reads, the globe-trotting movie feature focuses on two killers, Gentry Gosling and his former companion Lloyd Evans, as they hunt each other down. That's all we got. That's all we got. They're hoping it will start a, a new franchise, though. Man, two hundred million dollar. Uh, assassination movie. All right, that's a that's a, they, they, they even said the Russo brothers were like, we hope to keep this every in subsequent in subsequent movies. If we get there, uh, we hope to keep the budgets high and the stakes high. I'm like, you want to keep the budgets high? I mean, good luck. I, I'm a big fan of like big blockbuster stuff. I'm just like, man, like because like 200 million dollars is more than your average summer blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm just like, man, like how I don't. It sounds like Metal Gear. Like, all you're telling me is these two people try to kill each other. Like, what? why does that cost $200 million? Guess we'll find out. Yeah. All the globe trotting. All the globe trotting. I'm excited for the day we see a Russo-directed film that's not written by Marcus and McFeely. One day. Mm-hmm. It'll happen someday. Well, not this um, day. Well, it's not just them, though. So we have this hope. Yeah. 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 Uh, the, the the two main writers on the, on the movie wrote Seaberg um, and another film that I really enjoyed that I forgot the name of. Which came out recently. I apologize, but yeah, they they seem like have a good record. Cool. All right, Monsterland is a Nef- is a Hulu. Sorry, is a Hulu, Hulu. anthology series coming out. Uh, it is based on, on North American Lake Monsters by Nathan uh, Ballingrud. Kelly Marie Tran has been cast in the series uh, for one episode. Uh, she will play Lauren in the episode Iron River, Michigan. Am I right? MI is in Michigan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, her character returns to her small Michigan hometown for her wedding. While she managed to build a good life for herself, the disappearance of her best friend Elena still haunts her. Um, 
I, I wanted to point this out because I was just happy to see Claire Marie Tran in the news again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Girl deserves a lead role. Yes, she does. Yep. Not a one episode, but whatever. Loch Ness Monster. Made by Tree Fitty. That's in Scotland. <clears throat> Ooh, my computer wasn't plugged in. I just wanted to say a monster thing, Ben. Do you know any uh, other famous lake monsters, Ben? Name them. Name the, them. The monster in uh, Lake Tahoe? That's fake. That's not a name. <laughs> the Megalodon. Jason Statham. That's not a lake monster. Could be. Um, other actors it. in the series, apparently they've already cast Caitlin Dever, Taylor Schilling, and Mike Coulter for the, for the series. The I'm familiar series. with one of those people, and it's Luke Gage. Caitlin Dever? Booksmart? Oh, I see one redhead. No, I got you. Now, now I, that's the one thing I know her from. Okay, gotcha. Uh, yeah, and uh, the formerly good uh, Tim Allen show. What's it called? Uh, Mansplaining? Man on the uh, House? Oh, Last Man Standing? Yeah. Last Man Standing. Yeah, Caitlin Devers in that. Right. She's good. Talk about him being surrounded by talented actresses who have to deal with a lot of misogyny. Tim <laughs> Allen? Oh, no, in Last yeah. Man Oh, like, there's a lot of talented actresses on that show. Oh. Some All right. but good. Uh, and then Michael Douse, who directed uh, last year's Stuber, uh, will direct the video game adaptation Just Cause. Okay. I didn't oh, see that's Stuber. Cool. Just Cause is a cool um it's about um oh man, he's got a great name. Um Rico Rodriguez. He's got like a really cool like alliteration name, but he's basically a revolutionary and he just goes to like all these different countries and just like wrecks a bunch of uh bad guys. Just he's, cause. Just cause. Literally just cause because he's a, he's a he's a bad boy. Um and then the probably one of the biggest news items that happened this week was uh, Lucasfilm has announced their next animated series, taking a lot of people by surprise with Star Wars The Bad Batch. Um, which is going yeah. to be a spin-off of the Clone Wars centered on the first four episodes. You know, it's based on the first four episodes of the season uh, with the Bad Batch, Echo, Crosshairs, Heavy Dude. It's good oh, dude. I don't know. Them foil. They're all D. Bradley Baker, so yeah. whatever. <laughs> um, the series will take place shortly after the end of the Clone Wars with the quartet eking out a living as mercenaries and struggling to find a new purpose. Um, executive producers include Dave Filoni, obviously, Athena Portet- Portillo, uh, Brad Rao, and Jennifer Corber- Corbett. Corbet? Corbett. Uh, co-executive producer Carrie Beck and producer Josh Rimes. All of those have worked on Star Wars before. This is not new to them. And Rao uh, will also serve as supervising director and Cobert will be head writer on the series. So I don't think Dave Filoni has a lot of influence on this one. We'll see. I think much like we saw with Resistance, he's probably more involved in Mandalorian and not and too busy to do something like this. That sounds about right. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, like um, this was a, this was definitely a surprise. This is not what I yeah. thought any, uh, the next show would be, uh, and I'm I'm cool with it. Um, I doubt I doubt this sounds like it's going to be like an eight eight season epic or anything. Like maybe this could just be like a cool like one or two season. Like hey, it's just about the Bad Batch. Like I don't see it running like Clone Wars length. Um, so it's cool. Like I like those characters. I'd like to see. What happens afterwards? After all yeah, the we've been, bye-bye. We've been hearing about we've been hearing a lot of rumors about the whatever the Rebel sequel series would be. Um so I, I fully anticipated the next animated show to be that. I was, I really hope I was I'm waiting. <laughs> um so I was not expecting this this series. Uh and it's supposed to come out next year, which means it's almost done. Yeah. And it makes me think that like even before all the like 
when the Bad Batch came out, everyone's like, yo, these characters are dope. I feel like Disney saw like, oh, these characters are dope. We need to utilize this now. Yeah. Uh, so they they got on that immediately. So cool. It was a surprise, but a welcome one for me. Yeah. So uh, I hope the animation style is the same as the last season of Clone Wars, that they don't change it and they yeah. keep that budget that high. Because that animation mm-hmm. looked really good. Yeah, it did. It did. Yeah. I don't want it to uh, look like it to mention. Yeah, it's it's important to mention this is Disney Plus, so yeah, yep, because everything, uh, yeah. So whatever, we'll see what happens there. Cool. All right, some trailers now. Trailer time. Uh, TikTok. So they announced a new TBS reality series for The Sims called The Sims Sparked. This kind of reminds me a little bit of that reality game show that they had a while ago called King of the Nerds. Do you guys ever remember watching that? Vaguely. Yeah, it ca- it reminds me it reminds me of that a little bit, except this is just all about the Sims. So, okay, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that they actually made they found a way to turn the Sims into a storytelling reality show competition. Yeah, I'm 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 all for video games getting more exposure and mm-hmm. and getting shows or whatever. Um, this one seems a little too like fake reality TV for me. Oh yeah. Because um, like it, I'm not not <laughs> taking away any uh, dramatic stuff anyone's gone through in their lives, but like what you showed me is people like making houses in The Sims and then talking about like like all your family members who've passed away and how The Sims. It's like I got to make something that was really personal. Yeah, and like I'm sure it, it could be, and I'm sure it is, but like just the way it was presented, like I didn't I didn't I didn't buy it from the judges. I'm sure it's real to the contestants or whatever, but like yeah. It's, uh, it seems all right or whatever. It's the Sims. I, I always judge nerd. I always judge nerd. Uh, uh, what's it called? Nerd reality show, reality game shows on Lego Masters now because that was so good. Yeah. So you know the floor is lava now. This so is like how good is this compared to Lego Masters? Yeah. Yeah. This doesn't look as good as Lego Masters. And it's like the Sims, especially like the newest edition of the Sims. Like I do know a lot of people who play the Sims, and like they re- it is really great for customizing and like creating your perfect world and i think that is a cool aspect of the show where like they're giving you two hours to create this like format of this prompt that's a cool idea it's the reality aspect of like you have to make it dramatic and you have to care about these people because of this i'm like i didn't need that i want to see the cool stuff they build in the game like yeah it's it's their whole thing is like you have to create a story in the sims it's like well no the sims is creating whatever the hell you want that's well, why it's called The Sims. You do build stories because, like, you can get anyone married and have know. kids, whoever. Stuff, but I mean, that's the stuff I'm interested in. It's the fake reality stuff that I'm just like, I don't care about reality shows for this reason. Yeah. Talk your children in a four by four room with no door until they get until they get good grades, or the Reaper comes, which I, which I did. <laughs> oh Lord. Um, Sims story. <laughs> Project Power, a new Netflix movie, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and. Um, Oh my God! I'm so sorry. Don't Jamie Fox. Oh, Jamie Fox. Thank you. I can't believe I forgot Jamie Fox's name. This looks like a really cool sequel to The Dark Knight Rises. Let me tell Doesn't you. Doesn't it? <laughs> I think this looks pretty good, though. I'm I'm interested. Yeah. Um. I think uh uh it's given the budget to make all the effects look really good, like people on fire going invisible. Um. I think it looks really cool. I really like Joseph Gordon-Levitt a lot. Uh. I don't yeah. think that dude. He doesn't just choose any movie role, so I think there might be. I think this might be a good one because he doesn't just like you know he doesn't just uh, uh, get a paycheck. He's not that one of those actors. Um, mm-hmm. Jimmy Fox kind of is. No offense. Um, so we'll see if, if this is good. Like it, 
I it had the same gen- uh, almost generic plot where I saw like of Artemis Tower, like they got my sister, we have to get her back. I'm like, I hope it's not a generic like just whatever plot. Um, but if it is, at least the action looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. Powers look rad. Um, I'll watch it. Yeah, powers look cool. Uh, this is a new video game coming out. I just caught my eye. I don't know if you guys were interested, but under. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a boat trailer. Yeah. Yeah, so you're you're in a sinking ship trying to escape, and it's haunted. Yeah, I thought that looked uh, interesting. If it's up before October, Ben, and the world's not on fire, guess what? Oh, I bet. <laughs> Actually, when I was watch when I was watching this, I kind of get the vibe that this is this takes place. This game takes place during like the early 19, like 1910, 1911. Because the the way the or both, I or I was it's thinking it's haunted, or it's haunted. Yeah, and that's haunted. why it looks like that because it's haunted. Yeah, the previous resident. It could. It could. Either way, a haunted. I mean, the haunted. Uh, the haunted ship has been done, but I don't think a game on a haunted ship has been done like this. No, I don't think so. Hmm. The ending of Resident Evil Seven takes place on a boat, but the ending but of Uncharted Four. But it's not like what the games. No, because boats aren't that big to have a whole game in there. Yeah. Well, also there are le- there are also there's also levels with haunted ships, but they're really they're quick, so. Having the whole game be on a sinking a sinking ship. I can't. Nonetheless. I can't imagine this being thirty hours. It's probably like no. Uh, it's probably not. Yeah. It's probably like a, ten... like a six hour like Blair Witch Link. Yeah, probably. probably. Yeah. Either way, it still looks good though. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely survival games. I like. We're like, oh, it's I'm got... defenseless and I gotta hide. I'm always happy to spook Ben. Yeah, I know you are. All right, um, New Mutants had a quick trailer. <laughs> I didn't we didn't watch it. Oh, uh, this is the, the announcement for the Comic Con at Home I panel. Wanna, I don't want to see anything anymore. I just want to see the movie. <laughs> I I was watching it and I just thought it was funny that it's just like I saw the first trailer for this in like 2017. They gotta announce something with it at the panel. They gotta. They gotta. It's, it it is. It would have to go to HBO Max or theaters. It can't go anywhere else. But we'll see. Max, just do it. Just kill it already. Just let <laughs> us watch this movie for Showtime. Did you also Dude. notice that the 20th Century Fox logo said 20th Century Fox Studios now? It always yeah, they changed the name to 20th Century Studios. Now the Fox is they took the Fox yeah. out. Get the Fox, Fox out. Fox. Poor out. Jamie. Poor Jamie. <laughs> oh. Um right. see this movie already. And there was a there was a safer at home quarantine teaser trailer for the Muppets Now coming July thirty first. That show comes out in like two weeks, but it didn't show us what the show is. No, it What's didn't. What kind of show is it? What am I doing? Is it the is it like the Office? Is it like a regular? It's unscripted. Show? This one's unscripted. What does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? Like the Muppets. How do the how how do you do like improv Muppets? I mean, I get it, but like, I don't know how you make a whole show, a weekly show about like. I guess we got to find out. I wish yeah. I knew. I'm excited to watch it though. Astro's going crazy. Yeah. We see her in the background. And then mm-hmm. Snowpiercer season two. And really, I only put this on there because I'm like, there was already a teaser trailer for Snowpiercer season two. The first season just ended. Well, I'll tell you why because the trailer we watched was the credits to season one. And the credits to season one have the teaser for season two. So that show nice. was way in development already. That's crazy. Yeah. It looks good. I wish I, I, wish I could watch it easily. Sean Bean's in it. I'm me. I'm a bad guy. I'm a bad boy. I built this train. Oh, no. I would love to know what happened 15 years before Chris Evans derailed the train. Yeah. David's in anyway. it. I got it. I got it. Now I really yeah. want to watch it. Yeah. 
that's it. That's all the news. There's no more news unless you guys want to bring something up. Nah, dog. That's it. That, that's all, all she right, wrote. So, as we said, uh, we do have a pre-recorded topic. So right now we are going to plug that in. Uh, it is our topic on Neon Genesis Evangelion. It's long. This is our 200th, this is our 200th episode. So we're sorry we're going so long, but indulge us for this one week. Uh, or you uh, can time jump and watch the topic separately or do whatever you want. Because maybe you yeah. don't know anything about Evangelion, in which case y- you don't need to listen. <laughs> All right. Okay, so future Travel us. Put, the past. Future us, put past us in the video now. Three days ago. Ooh. All right, here we are. This is our 200th topic. Uh, ben has joined us for this because we pre-recorded this to get Ben involved. Uh, yep. Ben, you're currently off, off I'm in off faraway in, land. I'm off in a uh, in lands unknown. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so uh, we Hopefully we definitely not getting sick. Not getting yeah. sick. Hopefully, not getting sick. You may be off, but there's still a quarantine, guys. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So we are we are here to talk about Neon Genesis Evangelion uh, for our major big. Mondo 200th topic. We decided to tackle something huge, something epic, something that we all just recently kind of got into, Ben and I specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, something that is having its 25th anniversary this year. Based yeah. on Netflix, yeah. um, the show for most of America is unwatchable. You can't find it. The DVDs are out of print. Um, you can't. You just can't find it. It's really hard. I mean, everybody has internet for anime the same way you know what I mean. any other anime. You know what I mean. Though. I know, but I mean like everybody watches a lot of anime yes. online. If you're cares. a layman who doesn't pirate stuff, you cannot watch Neon Genesis Evangelion regularly. Right. So thanks to Netflix, the entire world is now available to watch the show that a lot of people haven't, unless you're a pirate. Uh, that's just how it is. So, arg. Uh, arg? Is that what you said? Arg. Oh, arg, yes. I mean, I was definitely one of those people when I was young. Yeah. So we all, we, all, we all change. Uh, now, Sparks... Uh, you should do a content warning. Yeah, okay. So first off, we're spoiling everything because we're yeah. talking about the entire 26-episode uh, original anime series and, uh, to an extent, Death and Rebirth or Death True Squared, as it is on Netflix, Yes. and End of Evangelion. Uh, we're talking about all of that in deep detail. So if you have any interest in this series, bail out. Or if you just want to listen to enough of us to know what's up, right before we get to, like, the big ending, we're going to tell you, like, bail out, uh, because you really shouldn't know. There are some it things... Ruins, it ruins the experience if you know yeah. the ending of the show and the end movie. Just bail out before then. If you really want to stick around, please, just for your own sake, bail out. Um, and the other thing is that this show and this film involves a whole lot of talk about depression. It involves a whole lot of talk about suicide and sexual assault and a lot of that having to do with minors. Yep. Uh, and we're going to be talking about all the angles of, of that and kind of what that means for liking the show and a lot of stuff there so there's just a huge content warning there's some really unsavory things that we have to discuss because it's what happens in the series yes yep all right uh <laughs> so uh real quick let's go around the horn i'll start uh with our history with Evangelion, which is that <clears throat> for me personally i saw the show uh i don't know if it was its first run i think it only had like two or three uh runs on toonami but i saw it during a run on toonami uh this this must have been around 2004 you said yeah uh, which makes sense because it would have been just before I moved away from Morgan Hill. Um, and uh, that that would pl- make sense in my life that that's when I saw it. So I didn't really talk to a lot of people about it because I didn't have a lot of people that I knew that were watching it. So I just kind of kept it to myself. And back then, uh, it was very much just a, uh, a lot of what the show was trying to do went over my head. 
Um, and it wasn't until like Evangelion was coming to Netflix that I was thinking, I'd already been thinking I wanted to watch the dub I saw again. Uh, but then the Netflix one dropped and I still kind of wanted to do the original. So I, I found and bought and spent the money and got a DVD set of the ADV dub that had Death and Rebirth, that had End of Evangelion, because I wanted to revisit what I saw when I was younger uh, before I dove into the Netflix one, because I knew there were some differences and I just wanted to revisit what I already knew. Um, and so that, that uh, I wanted that context for myself. And I knew if I just watched Netflix one, I'd probably never go back. Uh, so that's why I did that. I did that about two months ago. And then I found out that the version that I watched, cause I watched it straight through and uh, on the DVDs, it has the original broadcast versions of the episodes, which means non-director's cut versions. And I didn't know there were director's cuts. So I started Googling right after I finished. And I found out that there were director's cut versions, which are actually scenes taken out of Death and Rebirth, which at that point I had watched Death and Rebirth. So I was then recontextualizing that. But what that is, what that did is that there were things in there I'd never seen before. And they, there are some moments, and I'll talk about them later, that totally changed the context of what's happening in the show. Mm -hmm. um, but you guys did automatically see the director's cut ones because those are the versions that are on Netflix. Right. Uh, and so that's been my experience. And then just this last week, I rewatched the entire thing on Netflix, except for Death True Squared. Um, and in the Evangelion, I watched that. Uh, and that's that's my history with Evangelion. Yeah, mine is pretty much the exact same thing. Uh, uh, doing the research, they they originally aired two just two episodes in 2002 for some reason. And then they aired the entire season once in 2004. And we both watched that. Uh, again, I was also quite young. All that shit went over my head. I saw cool robots fighting uh, cool people, right? That's all I saw. Um, it always stuck with me, though, because even though, you know, I was a little too young to understand it, I'm not I'm not a complete idiot when I'm 12, right? I it, it, Some of it goes good. Uh, I just remembered an important point. So I did not see End of Evangelion until two months ago. Same. Because I, er, saw, earlier, yeah. I saw the show, but the movie never aired on Toonami or anything like that. So the ending was the show's ending for me. I did not know about End of Galleon and what that was until two months ago is when I first experienced yeah. that, uh, uh, which totally changes a lot of things. Yeah, so the Netflix dub of the uh, original show also comes with uh, uh, True Squared and a End of Galleon. So last year was the first time I saw End of Ava, which completely recontextualizes the end of that show in such a major way. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I always liked the show because like, I thought it looked really cool. And just as I got older, I grew to appreciate it more, but there was no real way for me to watch it. So it kind of just lingered on the back of my mind. Um, like a lot of the shows as, as, as a youth, you know, you don't always go back to it. But then last year, Netflix brought it back uh, with its own dub. And I watched it and I was like, oh, right, the show is dope. And also I connect with it in a lot of ways uh, that are way too insane. And, uh, and animes don't come out like this anymore, or they don't come out as often as they should. And the show is almost, is over 20 years old now. Um, so yeah, that's my history. I'm, I'm, I've been a fan, and then I, I'm a double fan now. I got a tattoo of it. I think I like it a little bit. You're wearing, you got a shirt. You got a tattoo. I got well. Shirts are a lot easier to get than <laughs> tattoos. <laughs> tattoos ben, require commitment. Yes. Ben, why don't you go next? Uh, I don't have a history with Neon Genesis Evangelion. I didn't actually realize about. I mean, I've seen images of Evangelion. I've seen like a promo arts for it when I would go to like my, my anime store. I probably saw a few figures here and there. But I had no idea what Neon Justice Evangelion was until essentially my late 20s when I was really starting trying to get into more anime. And then I was talking to some anime, some friends of mine who watch anime. He's like, oh, yeah, have you seen? Oh, yeah, it's like that thing in, in uh, Evangelion. I'm like, what's that? I'm like, you never seen Neon Justice Evangelion? I'm like, no. And it wasn't until my friends kept telling me, like, oh, my God, you have to watch Evangelion. That show is like one of the best things ever. 
And there are times where I'm at, at Comic-Cons or I'm at uh, stores and I see the, the manga volumes and I almost bought them, but I, I didn't. And then finally, when the Netflix announced that they were putting Evangelion on there, like, oh, I heard that I have to watch the show. This is like, it's kind of like what those hardcore anime fans, it's like mandatory viewing. It's like you cannot call yourself, an, there, are times, there, there are times where it feels like you cannot call yourself an anime fan if you've not never seen Evangelion, Evangelion which of course isn't true. But that's how I felt like the show was. is wrong. Yeah, gatekeeping is wrong. <laughs> but it's one of those things, like, everyone talks about this anime. Everyone loves this anime. Everyone constantly everyone t- constantly praises this anime. I need to watch it. So it wasn't until a few months ago when I finally sat down and started watching it in earnest. And I, I really dig it. I mean, there are parts of it that I'm like, what the hell just happened? Because I sh- showed up thinking, oh, this is about giant fired robots. I love giant fired robots. Who does? I'm wearing a freaking Mechagodzilla Gundam t-shirt for crying out loud. It's like, I'm here for the giant robots. And then it's like, oh, this is this is not about giant robots. There's other Sorry, stuff. Ben. You got existentialism instead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> There's like whole other feelings to it. So I'm a new Ava fan. So now when I, I see a nerve sticker or when I see Ryan's uh, Lilith tattoo, I'm like, ah, I know that now. Man, I cannot wait to tell you everything that you don't know about this franchise yet. It's going to be yeah. so juicy. And, uh, uh, I was watching a bunch of videos about it last night. It felt like I was taking a college course on Evangelion. Yeah, right. It's like, man, if this is, this could probably could be a college course. Someone could pro- There's probably some student out there in this beautiful world of ours who wrote their college thesis on the uh, Unjustice Evangelion. Cruel, cruel you know Angels this, thesis? That's actually, that actually forms for a great analogy, which I'll say that like I know a lot of friends who watch a a whole lot more anime than I do. Way more anime. And I was surprised how many of them either have never revisited or never even seen Evangelion. Um, and they've watched so much anime. And the thing is that, like, for for people who are, and especially I think in Japan this is very true, for people who are super steeped into it, you can almost think of Evangelion as a Citizen Kane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is where there's a lot of anime fans who are just, like, put off by it because it, it because of became, its legacy because of its legacy but also because like um it is viewed as also just experimental filmmaking in a sense it, for anime in the same mm-hmm. way and there's a lot of people who that they know now kind of what they'd be getting into and they're not interested in getting into that right i mean i, I knew the show was somewhat depressing i know it had a lot of heavy themes to it but i mean what Brandon did didn't, watch? I think. No, sure. I, my, my only point was like it's it, it's a it's surprising how many modern anime fans yeah. mm-hmm. uh actually actively just don't choose to engage with anime. Okay. Yeah, I uh mine so I do have a history with Evangelion, but it's it's kind of a <clears throat> kind of a side history. Like Ava Ava's always kind of been like a side timeline, would you say? Yeah. Oh. It's always kind of been on my periphery. Shave impact. And I've been kind of, I've been, I've been, I was surprised watching it, how it's always kind of been there, but it's never been, I've never been told what it's about. The closest I ever got to it was my roommate at the time said, oh, Pacific Rim is just, he wanted to make an Evangelion movie. And by the way, watching the show, no. (laughs) Pacific Rim's dope. Uh, Pacific Rim is Neon Genesis Evangelion uh, light. I wouldn't even say that sometimes. Yeah. Because Jesus. Um, so I kind of had, I kind of always knew it was about, I've seen some of the imagery of the first couple of episodes of the, the, the fighting and things, but I never really kind of like Spark said, it's, it's very much kind of the Citizen Kane 
thing anime so i never really i was like okay I'll, maybe eventually i'll get to it netflix kind of gave me the excuse that i don't have i don't have an excuse anymore i should watch it yeah and then netflix- i watched and then i watched uh shin godzilla right yeah and that kind of like spearheaded me to to be like well shit this is by the same guy i should check it out because i really like shin godzilla and just like shin godzilla watching it i watching it i was confused i was I, I sat there oftentimes wondering, like, what the hell am I watching? Is this good? I think it is. Um, the person next to me was asleep. Um, <laughs> actually, it happened to Shin Godzilla. And, and, much li- and then much like Shin Godzilla, as I've gotten further away from it, uh, it's been a couple of months since I've seen it, but I've, and I've only grown to like it more. Yeah. As it's kind of festered in my mind. There's, there's something that Hideki Anno does with this in Shin Godzilla that I haven't because also I'm not a, I'm not an anime expert. I've seen a lot of anime, but I'm not you know I can't I read a lot more comics than I do anything else, right? <laughs> he does something with bureaucracy that is inherently boring, but he makes it very interesting. Yes. And I don't know how I don't know. It's just maybe it's just the phrasing and like and how quick and, and like he's like always throwing out jargon left and right, but it always feels like impactful. It feels like it's real, especially in Shin Godzilla. There's just 15 minutes of people just going from boardroom to boardroom, and I'm like, this is <laughs> this is amazing. And that's what a lot of sh- that's a lot of this show is too. You I, think, ha- I, I think uh, his trick with it, both in Shin Godzilla and Evangelion, I'll say it's a little stronger in Shin Godzilla. Is if you're actually paying attention, it's satire. Yeah, and uh, and it's not just like rote and boring. It's like no, he's actually making fun of the political systems at play. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and uh, it takes a little bit to see that, and that again, like that's really much more on display in Shin mm-hmm. uh, than here. But yes, yeah. you're you're absolutely right. Like he does that in a way that. Most anime doesn't. <clears throat> Most television shows don't. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's that's basically what what happened with me was just that uh, I've always had people who told me how good it was, told me that I should see it, and just never watched it until yeah. Netflix mm. finally put it on. And well, I had an excuse. Well, like uh, Ryan and uh, Spark said, that Neon Genesis Evangelion, as as praised as it is, it's hard to get a hard copy now. Thanks to Netflix, a lot of people you have to like pirate it or finding an actual true um official officially lights dvd box set or even vhs box set will cost you as uh a one youtuber giga said it your entire life savings and your firstborn son yeah yeah that that uh that youtube video uh, the basically the netflix the netflix evangelion was so funny to me Neon jellyfish. Neon jellyfish. <laughs> I thought that was so great. He's like, in the AVD dub, he says, basically, it means I love you. In the Netflix dub, it says, basically, I want to ride your dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no homo. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there for sure. Um, so, Brandon, since we're already on you, why don't you talk about just first impressions of it at this at this stage where we're at now? But you watched it about two months ago? Just about, yeah. Yeah. I, start, I started it between Ben starting it and finishing it. I started and finished it between that and, moment. And all of that, was, all of that was kind of in quarantine. So this has all happened like just post-March. Yeah. And yeah oh my like, God, the quarantine's been going on so long. Yeah. <laughs> and I did it because, you know, I, I, I kind of had this whole thing. Like, if I was going into quarantine, I want to catch up on some things. And one of the things, one of my whole things was I finish a show I started or I start a new show. And sure. I, I alternate. And so Evangelion was just one of those. I should start a new show. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, If we're talking about my first impressions, it was a lot of confusion. Now I'm having a hard time putting what I understand because I do understand a lot of it now, having thought about it, having watched many, many videos on it. I'm having a hard time putting what I understand into words. I tried to talk to my girlfriend about it and try to, 
try to explain it to her kind of she's just kind of a, a good sounding board sometimes she even right. she doesn't understand what i'm saying um so even now like i'm struggling to kind of say what exactly i know about it you know does, does that make sense yes 100 yes. and the great thing this isn't like a um like a there's a true or false narr- uh true or false answer to the show uh, you, you watch that hour-long video, Hideki yeah. has a quote, or like, Neon and Genesis Evangelion is a puzzle. Everyone could bring their own thing into it. They could bring their own experiences. Like, there is not a real definitive ending because I didn't want to have it that way. So, honestly, there is no right answer. Um, there are definitely more concrete versions of what we think the truth is, but there is no real answer like like a regular movie. So anything you think is not wrong, Brandon, because yeah. honestly, he has never fully explained it himself. So there's no way to fully know it. Much like a David Lynch with the Twin Peaks, I'm never going to know everything about the show and I don't need to know everything about sure. the show. That's what sure. makes it awesome. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I will say like, uh, I know, I believe Ryan's in the same boat, but like I, I told him off, off air that I had like a very the third time going through, which was just over the course of this last week, maybe even just five days, I went through the entire Netflix show. I finished it last night again. But that was my third viewing of the whole show and my second viewing of End of Ava. And pieces that had never connected before started to connect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like that, that, that kind of value. And then just like thinking about it beyond that, I will say that like, um, you know, we're doing, we're doing our own take, our own conversation about it. There are numerous sources you can find where they do much more deep dives, much more intricate things. One of the ones I listened to was Waypoint's radio, uh, their podcast where they did a, a whole chunk of episodes. I think it's six podcasts. They have like that are about three to four hours. They have long. 15 hours yeah. of Neon Genesis Evangelion podcasting. It's like, th- that's what both and I have been listening to all week while uh, watching the show. That's where a lot yeah. of our information is coming from. And, and I will say that like, a lot of what they say, uh, some of it I'm echoing. I'm If I'm echoing it, I'm echoing it because it resonated with me and I agree. There's plenty of it where I don't necessarily form the same opinion, but I certainly observe some of the things that they're talking about. So they're a good source for a deep dive, but there's a lot of deep dive material out there for Evangelion. Um, but that's just one source that I was absorbing while doing this. And it yeah. helped to kind of, it did help to do what uh, you're saying. Like I, I can kind of, by the time we're done, I think I will have colored much more like what I know and what I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, but but like uh, overall, you were enjoying it. You enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, it's good. Right. Okay. Um, Not at you, all what I expected. You know what? I'll ask it later. I'll ask it later when we get to end of Ava. Uh, did you have any more you wanted to say about that, or should we go down to huh? to Ben? I'm good. Okay, Ben. Uh, I mean, because I this is the first time I've watched Evangelion at, at all, and when I first watched it, there were times where I was. Because there was the when I saw the first two episodes and took a little break for I took I haven't watched it and then I went back into it in profession and because a I wanted to finish it because I wanted to finally finish it and also when we were talking about doing this, but at first when I was watching I was, I was still kind of confused like this I, is this about giant robots are though are they just calling them angels or are they actually angels sent from God, and just all these questions and then finally we get to like the slice of life stuff and then like when Asuka first shows up I'm like okay there she is there's like that famous waifu I see everyone talk about, or I, or I see every at least one cosplayer at a convention is yeah, dressed up as Asuka. One of the most famous anime characters, literally of all time. Mm-hmm. Like, like now that oh, I yeah. like now that I have like the history and knowledge and like where I've seen her, like YouTube and like Comic Cons uh-huh. everywhere, it's like wow, she really has an influence. Like, she does severe influence on people. It's crazy. She does. But even just watching Shinji go through the motions, because I want to say it was like when Asuka shows up, that what I started to see is like, okay, this isn't just about giant robots fighting these giant angels. It's about it's about Shinji coming to terms with um, 
or it's about Shinji trying to impress his dad. Like the episode when they're all four of them, Shinji, Ray, Asuka, Miss Masato, they're all at that noodle shop and Shinji says, I want, I'm doing this. I piloted Ava so I can make my dad proud. I'm like, ah, he has daddy issues. Which was obvious, but seeing how, why Asuka does what she does, seeing what happened to her, I was like, that's effed up. So when I first started watching the show and when I got to the ending of both the show and of the film End of Evangelion, I was still kind of confused. I was still trying to figure out what the pieces of the puzzle were. Like, I'm still trying to figure out what exactly Adam was, who exactly, what the hell is this giant white purple-faced six, seven-eye thing doing crucified with half you. of the bottom or half of the portion. now, even I, can, even I can point that to that because the uh, I want to just real quickly say watching it and even doing this research for this episode the fandom wikipedia site for evangelion uh is a wonderful i this is so wonderful mm-hmm. oh, yeah because yeah, i went into evangelion 100 percent blind the only thing that i did know and i actually bought the theme song last night is cruel angel thesis which is an absolute bop and i totally agree that if you hit that skip intro button it should be a war crime i've listened to that song i can't tell you how many times because i've never once skipped it right i I, can I, I can I can I real quickly let's skip see. if you want. What is a bop? Oh, it's, uh, it's it's a banger. It's a slap. It's a really hot song. No, no, no. It means it slaps. It's a banger that slaps. Thank you. I hate all of this. Look, I, I <laughs> did you guys did you guys it's see my a really good song? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you guys see my tweet today earlier today? No. Oh no, okay. I did not. So I so we were we were t- go, we were driving away from the vet, and I asked Zara, "Can you map quest me something?" Oh, I did see that. Oh, no, it happened. <laughs> Guys, oh. I'm old. <laughs> 30, 30 years young, baby. Hey, I was watching close enough last night, um, right before I started doing my deep dive in Evangelion again, and I got I got to the second episode where Alex is like, I remember Blockbuster video, and he's mentioning all these things like, oh god, that's me. Yeah. yeah. Uh now then I, I want to contextualize something. Uh, just compared to the rest of our experiences. Brandon, I believe when you watched it, you took maybe like a, a four to day to a week break between the show and end of Evangelion. Yes. And that's it, right? But yeah. Ben, you took a much longer break. Yeah, I did. Uh, uh, how did that, just how did that feel without saying anything about end of Evangelion? But just how did did that, did you feel like you missed a beat going into that? Uh, going into Ava, end of Evangelion, no. Cause I, I helped, I talked to Brandon a little bit after I finished watching the show, after the end of like the, the congratulations part. And then while I was talking to you guys about how Evangelion is essentially the end of the show, but through a different perspective, as I was watching this, I'm like, okay, it still feels, when I first watched it, it felt like there were, I saw two completely different endings. And even some of the videos I watched, they said that there are still two completely different endings. The first ending, which is the ending of the television show, or the, the ending of the anime really, is Shinji which is what I, I believe somehow how I first interpreted the ending is Shinji finally accepting that he, he uh, accepting that he needs to fix himself and he wants to love himself. And that's where everyone pops up and says, congratulations. It's him accepting people into his life. It's him actually accepting the, essentially the human instrumentality project. And yes. then I got into end of Evangelion. And when he's him and Asuka, who I thought was like dead, dead on the beach and then when he strangles her and he stops and she says disgusting and then it ends, I'm like, I'm just sitting there going, okay, so did he not accept the human instrumentality project? And you're, did he, what's, you're what's going on here? You're 100% on the, on the right path. You're, everything you're saying is right, Ben, but let's not talk too much about Anna Veva, but you're on right, the right, right path, 100%. Yeah. 
But what going into the movie, I felt like I did get more context, exactly what was going on. Like I saw, um, like seeing, like we said, spoilers, seeing Masato and Risiko finally die. Because we only get like quick little scenes of their bodies, like Risiko face down in the in the water, uh, Ritz, uh, Masato with the blood on the wall, which it's hurt me because Masato is one of my favorite characters in the entire show. But finally seeing some context as to what happened to get to that point, I'm like, oh, okay, this actually does help my understanding. It's it's one of those things where like, okay, all of this takes place, dur- like, the thing when Shinji's going through takes place in one spot, and then everything else, that's end of Eva. I mean, I know it's, it's hard for me to, to try and describe what's going on. No, you're, you're right, but again, let's... Let's stop. Yeah, yeah, let's stop, stop there. Kind of talking about the and I think I think what Sparks was trying to ask was um, you didn't you didn't miss anything with that long break in between. No. It still felt seamless going from one yeah. to the other, and it, it, you weren't lost. No. Yeah, I mean, I'll even admit, like I only took a week off because I needed it. Um, yeah. I was a little lost in the beginning because I forgot where episode twenty four ended. I remember where episode 26 ended, but I forgot where episode 24 ended. So having that, I was just kind of like, I think I should have probably refreshed. Sure. Yeah. But also, like, I I imagine for fans, like, if you watch the anime that finished in 1996, and then the movie came out in 1997, I'm sure not everyone went and rewatched that anime. Yeah. So I'm sure they're also like, oh, wait. Oh, we're starting over. We're starting here? What is this? Like, I'm sure they, I mean... We'll talk about it, but there's the controversy surrounding the movie is insane. And the yeah. end of the show, like it's just controversies left and right. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, your overall feelings oh, on the I show. I mean, watching it series. again. Um, I watched so yeah, I watched the original one way back when, don't really remember it much, and then I watched the Netflix dub. Uh, and I think I think both dubs are really great. Like I I think the Netflix one for what it is, like it still gets across uh, most of the emotional beats that, that are important. I think uh, I think the saddest thing, I'll just say this about the dubs real quick. I think the saddest thing is that Somewhere between blending the two is the perfect dub. 100%. And both have flaws. Yeah. And both have uh, pretty pretty strong flaws for different, in, in like exactly different areas. And it's frustrating. Yeah. It's a little frustrating to have watched both and see like, if only this great part was in this one and this great part were in that, like, it's 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 a little infuriating to see like there's almost something perfect here and it's not quite there. The Netflix one has has some serious detractors that that, bum me out um and then there i can also say having watched the netflix one now after the adv dub that like there's definitely some pluses to it Mm -hmm. uh overall i think i lean towards preferring the adv dub even as i prefer certain characters performances more in in i will say uh, as a a translation i think adv is probably stronger yeah i will say because we've talked about a little bit um there are uh oh oh i lost it I'll get back to it in a second. Oh, it was right there. I'll get back to it. Don't worry. Uh, I tried I, I, for this because I heard you guys talking about how the voice actors are different. I tried looking up some voice actor um, comparisons from the ADV and the Netflix dub. I mean, now, the Netflix dub is the only dub that I've seen. Right. So, since it's the, I'm a very, like, if that's the first, if that's the time I've seen it, if that's the first thing I've seen it, that's what I latch towards. Sure. Yes. But I would love to watch the ADV dub well, I someday. prefer the dubs of uh, Dragon Ball. Yeah. Dubs. Mm-hmm. So I'm totally fine with watching the ADV dubs and, see, and hearing like the differences of it. Oh, yeah. so, I watched a couple of the, I watched a couple of the comparisons and in just the clips I saw. I'm not passing judgment on the entire ADV dub. That'd be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the clips I saw, I did find the Netflix one to be better acted in some places. 
um, sure. only because voice acting 20 years later has kind of has progressed and people have gotten better at it. Well, also I, even I, dubbing has gotten better. And, and yeah. dubbing has gotten better, just the technology. I, I, I would agree with that on a whole. Like, I do think like certain performances are, are just brought out better. Yeah. Even yeah. Uh, not saying like the voice actors aren't right for the role, but the performances are catered better. Um, I will still, like I, I said it off air, I'll still stand by it right now. I will just say, I think ADV Gendo is far superior to the Netflix Gendo. I do not find the Netflix Gendo to be as menacing as the ADV one comes across naturally sinister. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, that that is my strongest uh, one. But as far as like the other way around, um, Netflix Shinji is far more pitch perfect to Shinji than the ADV one. Yeah. Um, I agree much, much better. Much better. Yeah, he brings yeah. so much more emotion to a character who's supposed to be really emotional. Um, the the original dub, Shinji's very much more reserved. So he is supposed to be a character with wild emotional like ranges, right? So like when this when the original mm. Shinji goes like to a ten, it doesn't feel like a ten, right? Because he's already he's already so middle. The Shinji in the Netflix one, that dude's like he feels like a modern anime character. He is he is emotional like crazy, and that could be a that could be a bad thing, but it's not. I think. Specifically, there's a blood-curdling scream in episode two. Uh, in a Netflix one, it, it haunted me to my core how, how, how much that scream affected me. And in, in the original one, it's like a, ah! Yeah. No, I and agree. I'm like, there are certain things that just work better. I will say mm -hmm. the one thing that the Netflix one overall does not do as well. It does not, I guess it depends on what you want. It, it takes away a lot of the ambiguity of a lot of things. And it just directly says words instead of like, oh, it could be this. It just is this. Um, specifically, there are certain scenes where um, it's like, oh, it might be doing this. I'm like, no, it's just doing this. And it takes away a lot of the mystery um, that I think the original show had, a lot of the ambiguity that makes it a lot more interesting and a lot of fans to dive into. Whereas the Netflix one's just like, no, just here's the answer, which is still satisfying, but it doesn't it doesn't make you like reach for the answer. It's just like, here it is. Yeah. And I'm like, that's fine. And, and in some ways, I would even argue that I think the ADV one can be vague to the point of unintentionally vague like it doesn't it they themselves in translate don't know the answer mm -hmm. um and and the netflix one is superior for those aspects so there are times where it's it's a mixed bag of yeah. both um let's just talk about the the dub comparison stuff because i kind of want to leave it behind to talk about just the story yeah and stuff uh but uh i'll say i'll say some stuff about that the netflix one is much better um in as far as like how you can get away from what the show has written into it uh about sexism um, specifically, a specific example is very early on. There's a there's a thing where in the ADB dub, Misato tells Shinji to um, to uh, just be be a man about it. Mm -hmm. uh, and in the in the Netflix dub, her dialogue is more like um, "You're a boy, you can deal with it." You know, it's 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 less targeted of like toxic masculinity mm -hmm. and more saying like "You're a boy, don't be gross about it. It's fine." Um, it, it's, it just skews that line a little better. Yeah. However, I will kind of say that the show itself is writing a story of toxic masculinity and sexism being a part of the narrative of the show. So it is almost better to have that kind of thing built into the show. To confront it. But I don't think Misato is the person who should be saying things like that to Shinji because that's not her character. So I appreciate that translation difference. Mm -hmm. uh, that's just like a minor example, but it's what I wanted to take note of just to give you an idea of like where there are improvements uh, on the Netflix one and things like that. Yeah, um, I, mean, I know that. I know that a lot of people. Well, not a lot of people, but I know that there are some um, professional translators who who feel that the Netflix dub is probably more literal translation than the ADV dub. Uh, um, 
I, I know the I've heard that children. argument. That's that's a big one. Is the yeah. uh, calling them the third children, uh, all that kind of stuff in the ADV dub. It's you know he's the third child, she's the second child. That is the intention of it to be interpreted in Japanese, but the literal translation to English is children. Mm-hmm. So they kept it literal, but when they did the ADV dub and they've kind of talked about this, they've said that like, well, we we thought that would sound stupid. Yeah. So <laughs> so they translated it to what the intent is rather than literal it does and and i think in the netflix one that does it irks me but i'm familiar with the adb dub so that does irk me when they'll say like well he, the third children and i'm like he's the third child just say he's the third child oh that's interesting because that actually didn't bother me it kind of like kind of put me a little bit better into the world like that's just a terminology they have it, yeah. it's like yeah they're using children sure. differently than we than than we would and that's not you as know, a plural like, that that's yeah. that's certainly a case of like different exposures i've known yeah. one way. i will say i think one that we can all kind of universally agree on is what i think the a to b dub has 100 percent over the netflix one is that they decided what the name of the corporation is and stuck to it the entire dub hey guys Which what's is, the name of the organization real quick what is the name Nerf. of the evil organization Nerf. no 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 no, no, no. The, the one oh that's is it Sile or, or is it zela is it zela because they say they say different versions of it throughout the Netflix dub, sometimes in the same episode. It's like Lee, Yutsuki, it's like Leah and Leia. Yutsuki oh. constantly calls it Zila. Zila. Uh, mm-hmm. Which I'm like, I don't know where he's getting that X or Z There's from. a Zele, there's a uh, Sele. So in, in the ADB dub, it's just, they decided Sele, and it's that the whole time. Uh, whereas the Netflix dub, they constantly are changing its name. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's things like that where I'm like, that's just... I don't mind if it's not the same. Like if it's a different pronunciation from the ADV one. Consistent. I just want it to be consistent throughout the show, and it's not even consistent throughout the show. And that kind of stuff is the kind of thing where I'm like, you, you, you should just dialogue track better. And there's a couple yeah. of instances of similar things in the I Netflix dub where I'm like, just track that better. I guess I didn't notice that, but to to go back I, to like the children thing, um, I wanted to say for me it's a lot like when Gurren Logan translated Simon's name to Simon. Sure. You know, it, it, it's not, that's not how you pronounce that name in American, right. in, in English, but they kept it that way because that's, that's what sounded kind of better for that show. Exactly. Exactly. Because they, they translated literally, which is, that's actually kind of agreeing with what, what I mean is that like, if you're, if you spoke Japanese and you were hearing what they say when they're talking about the third children, the third child, mm-hmm. interpretation would bring you to the third child. I see. Not the literal translation from Japanese to English when you're just looking at it on paper, which becomes the third children, which is why I'm saying they should have stuck to the intent rather than the literal translation. Because going to Simon would be literal translation. Right. With what, mm-hmm. you, with what you mean. It still, but, but it still I, does work in like a weird like science fiction world building. Right. right. It doesn't yeah. really matter. It just, it's a matter of preference, especially when you've heard one before the other or you've heard both. And yeah. you kind of go, well, I, I lean this way, I lean that way. Um, I will say Asuka and Misato are pretty much pitch perfect in both. Yeah. Uh, both voice actors for those characters are fantastic in both. I, I really have no complaints about either. And I have no preference. I really like both of them a lot. So it's I can't say I prefer either over the other. Yeah. Um, which is nice because they're personally my favorite characters. Yeah. Um, the voice actor for Ray and Yui is the same in both dubs, which makes sense. Uh, but I think the Netflix one does a better job of sounding like an almost different person, even though it's the same voice actor. Yeah. It's very clearly the same voice actor, uh, in the original. sounding very similar in the ADB. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, anything else you guys want to add about the dub or should we? Oh, uh, Kaji. Yeah. So I, I'm actually conflicted the more I think about it because specifically the carrot 
character himself is really flawed. Yes. So I'm trying. So in the original dub, he sounds so much more sleazy and so much more like a dirtbag than in the new in the Netflix one. In the Netflix one, he's a lot more suave, I think. A lot more like I be- I believe the Netflix Kaji is is admired by all the children and all the women want to sleep with him, blah blah blah. The mm-hmm. Netflix one, I'm like, why does anyone like this guy? He is a dirtbag. Um, but Masato apparently likes dirtbags. Um You mean reverse that? The A to B dub is the sleazy one? Sorry, what did I say? You you said the Netflix one is the sleazy one. Sorry, sorry, yeah. The Netflix one is the is the um the Swab James Bond cool, cool guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The original one is very dirtbaggy, but the character is a dirtbag. He is a dirtbag. He tries to he tries to molest multiple characters in the show. So it's hard for me to want him to be the cool James Bond guy when he is inherently an asshole. Yes. So I like him to sound like an asshole if he is an asshole. Yeah, I kind of... But it's like, again, preference. I kind of lean towards the ADV one because I, I really don't like Kaji. And we're kind of going to talk about it as we talk about the show. I, I really hate Kaji. I hate Kaji because the show acts like he is supposed to be cool. And, like, I, I'm talking, like, third-person observation of watching the show. You're supposed to think he's a cool All guy. All the kids While think he's he does yeah. shitty things. And that really bothers me. And uh, on a level where, like, I've never cared for Kaji's character, I still don't care for Kaji's character. Uh, if I had to pick, like, between him sounding like a cool dude or a sleazebag, I'd rather he sound like a sleazebag because I don't like him. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of entirely going to color it. And we'll get into why Ka- Kaji super duper sucks uh, later. Melon farming. <laughs> okay, okay, so nothing pisses me off more. Okay, in the ADB dub, here's the thing. In the ADB dub, uh, when he leaves the voicemail for Misato, and he says, I've got, I've got a melon patch I'd like for you to go water for me. Shinji will tell you where it is. In the Netflix dub, he says, I have a flower garden. I'd like for you to go water for me. Like it's supposed to be some fucking gag on her when she goes and finds out it's just a bunch of melons because boobs. And I hate it. I hate it so much. Anyway, Kaji's the worst. Let's talk about the show. Uh, Let's only keep ourselves completely locked into episodes one through 24. Yeah. That's a lot of room to bounce around, but let's not get into the 25, 26 stuff yet. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, uh, So there's angels and Ava's. And Shinji can just uh, automatically pilot Ava Unit 1. Um, we are not going to recap the show. We're going to bounce around a lot. Um, well, shit. I thought we, I thought I we were. I was, we, I can start, we can start at the beginning of like yes. how the show starts. Like, yes. It is about the first angel attack in like 15 years, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. The, the, a, a giant kaiju comes, and in the, the Japanese military has this organization called Nerve, and they have a bunch of uh, kaiju fighting robots called Avas. Yes. Um, and Shinji is going to go tell his dad off because his dad sucks and he hates his dad and they have a bad relationship. But spoiler alert, he's got to pilot the robot or else the world's going to end. And he doesn't mm-hmm. want to do it. He cries about it. And he does it. Well, originally he does it because he sees Ray getting carted off because she was in uh, Ava Unit Zero. And she's already she, messed she, up. Yeah. yeah, she's already – she got her ass kicked. Well, she didn't get her ass kicked. The, the Ava rejected her. Mm-hmm. So, so, so Shinji, Shinji immediately assigns some sense of obligation of I must do it so she doesn't have to. Yes. Yeah. From the from the very beginning of the show, you re, you kind of you realize there's something off about the Avas. They're not, they can't just be mechs. Uh, if if you didn't get it by it being able to put its hand up and protect him in the first episode, you get it by the end of the second episode when a giant eyeball shows up. Yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, which is which is pretty much the moment where everyone goes, oh, oh. this is a different show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I love every like every episode or every couple episodes, something really messed up or something really weird happens. And all of the nerve characters just treat it like it's normal. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, okay, of course it's going to happen. And we're, the audience is like, excuse me? 
Can you explain that real quick? And literally for like 15 episodes, that keeps happening and nothing's explained until oh, yeah. she hits the fan. After like, we see like, the after the eyeball thing, after the eyeball reveal, they're just like, oh yeah, the the Ava went rogue and they're just like, can we talk about the eyeball? Yeah, actually, <laughs> actually, because at first when I saw, because I mean, I had no idea. I thought they were just giant robots like Gundams or or gunmen or or just yeah. mech. And then when like the first Ava is like just like kicking Shinji's ass, like it has um its fist on its head, and it's like <laughs> yeah, it's doing like the elbow rocket thing. And then it just pierces the head of the Ava and blood starts spewing out. Like, I had to convince myself. Robots have blood, excuse me? (laughs) Yeah, when I first saw that, I'm like, either that is 100% blood or they decided to make their oil red and it's spewing a lot. No, that's blood. This robot's got blood. Why does this robot have blood? When Shinji is, like, passed out, right, and the Ava wakes up and defends itself... What do you think was happening? Do you think it was Shinji doing that, or like at, at I that have moment? No idea. I was okay. like, so, so, and, so watching. Oh, actually, I can, no, I can no. answer that. I can answer that. So watching mech anime for as long as humanly possible. Yeah. You you were led to believe that even in Pacific, let's say specific rim rules, your mind's connected. That's what happened. His mind went berserk and made the robot go berserk. It's That's in what you're thinking. Yeah. It's exactly in unlimited willpower. Yeah. And it's yeah, crazy. I, it's crazy to kind of just be like, nope. Yeah. Like when, like when the Ava, you know, one's mouth opens and it has like that teeth that start roaring. I'm like, okay, there's something else in this machine. That this, this, this isn't a, just a robot. What's going on here? It's, what an, armor, it's an armor-plated thing. I'll, an armor-plated I'll, angel. I'll spotlight two things just from the first Not two an episodes uh, that that have always rung true for me which is that um, regardless of, of what I'm going to say about what works about the show and what really doesn't work about the show, um, when we get to that, uh, there's undeniably really, really creative filmmaking at play here. Um, this is clear at the beginning of episode two when Shinji's in the middle of the battle and his uh, head has been pierced and it's looking really bad and he's screaming and then it just cuts to him in the hospital bed. And it doesn't explain to you what happened. You don't get uh, a cut back to it until the end of the episode. Um it, it just makes you sit in that feeling. Uh, and I think that's really just that, that totally sets you up for what the show is, which is like really spacing. It is just not what people are used to watching at the time. It's not even something most people expect in anime these days. Yeah. yeah. Um, even prestige anime, uh, if you want to call it that. Uh, and uh, uh, Japan is in a, in eternal summer. So cicadas are, are going off all the time. So you always hear bugs and it is always... Every episode has just beautiful, just still images of just what the city looks like, and it's bugs creaking, and it's just yeah, so, so, the, it's so. So the world has been, so the world has been the fifty percent of the population has been destroyed, uh, killed because of the second impact. That's what we're yes. told in, in the first episode. Whatever the second impact was, which we don't learn about for a while. There's a school uh, teacher who keeps in, trying to tell the kids, but we keep going away in, from the teacher. In the year two thousand, which in the context of the show was five years from when the show came out. Yes. But for you guys having watched it now, and even for us, when we watched it was a while back. Um, Yeah, that's wild. Uh, uh, The other thing I was going to say is that I can still remember the first time I, the most uh, distinct memory I think I have of watching Evangelion the first time is the first time the eyeball showed up Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and Shinji screamed. And even though it wasn't the blood curling scream we have the Netflix one, it was still effective enough for me at oh, the time yeah. that I went. I'm not taking away from it. What the crap yeah. is happening? Uh, and that's uh, that's really formative uh, of of my time with the show for mm-hmm. sure. Um, 
yeah, we don't know what happened in the second impact, except we do, but we don't. Uh, do we, we learn about it a little. Yeah. We, we learned, learned about, about it. I mean, like, we know, we know. I know we know we know. Yeah. Uh, and again, if you watch the, the Death True Squared movie, the very first scene is the second impact in Antarctica. They restructure the entire show so it makes sense chronologically, which mm-hmm. takes away a lot of the mystery, but, like, you immediately always know what's going on, that, which is very cool. And the scene he's referring to is the scene that is in the director's cut of the first episode of, uh, of episode 21, uh, where Masada? they show the footage of Antarctica uh the the like surveillance footage yeah and it's the only time in the show now that it's a director's cut episode it's the only time in the show where it starts with a scene rather than the intro yeah there's no intro yeah and they're like full length episodes. and then that, that's the episode where they do like Fuyutsuki's history with uh <laughs> what a, with, with everything and what show you that for the first time man yeah 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 so yeah um shinji's part of the, he's part of the team and then like angels keep showing up and um uh like, we meet Asuka, like, a couple episodes go by, and we meet our new well, Ava pilot. Also, I mean, not only that, actually, long before we meet Asuka, we get one of the first Shinji bailouts, too. Mm-hmm. Like, Shinji doesn't want to do it anymore. He's sick and tired of it. He leaves Nerve, and then... Honestly, don't blame him. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't blame him either, because he's the only one out there fighting. He's trying to connect with Ray. Ray is super emotionally distant. Yep. And then he keep, and he's trying to... He's Honestly, at this point, when Shinji leaves first... I'm like, yeah, I, I don't blame him. But then, and then I'm like, Misato's t- telling him, like, only oh, you can do this. You're the only one who can help us. And then finally he digs deep and he goes back to Nerva and Pazieva to save the city. Which, I, how many times does he leave in the show? Because I feel like he leaves like, like three times. Three. Like, I want to say yeah. it's three. Yeah. I want to say one is like super truncated and not, not really mm-hmm. a leaving. Um, but at least two times he like really almost does it. Like the first uh, there's one, there's one point where he gets essentially like fired. Uh, he Gen- quits. He quits. Uh, uh, Gendo also arrests his own son and yeah. throws him in the brig. Great father. Great right. dad. He, oh, yeah. he arrests him and, and Shinji says, I quit. I'm done. And he's leaving. And he was going to leave until uh, Asuka's head comes flying through a building. Her oh, Ava's head yeah. comes flying through a building. That's right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that a little later. Um, I want to talk about Misato real quick. Misato... In the context of the show, and I'm totally ignoring End of Evangelion, and we'll get into why uh, I'm ignoring it with this fact later, but uh, Misato in the show is probably one of the most fleshed out, well-realized, complex female leads in anime ever. She's a millennial queen. And I love the crap out of her. Dude, she, there's oh, a yeah. reason so many people identified with her like in the 90s and then watched this. I'm like, oh my god, yeah, 100%. She's totally so many young people trying to do like a hard-ass job, just living day-to-day, drinking a bunch of beer, like... She's so uh, relatable. The, the amount of times, like uh, the only the only linchpin in her whole story, and it only bothers me in one specific episode, is Kaji. Yeah, because Kaji's garbage, and I wish Misato would treat Kaji like he's garbage, but she doesn't. She's got times, dad issues. There I are know. times that you feel like she does treat Kaji like garbage. Like every time Ritsuko mentions, "Oh, oh, Kaji's coming back," she's like, she's like sneers, is like, "Ah, f that guy." Kaji's like his boyfriend who just always yeah. she he has a way of always coming back into her life, and and like she just accepts it. Which sucks. That's that's why I'm saying like most of the time I I even like how she handles the Kaji stuff because it's it's realistic, it's complex, it's it's uh, you know not everybody makes fantastic decisions. Misato can be my my role model hero in this series for all her decisions and yet still make bad decisions as they are related to Kaji. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's one specific episode where it's it's the one where they they end up sleeping together where just like the dialogue handed to her, the context of the situation for her oh, the pill scene? is gross. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's weird. It's gross <laughs> and, and doesn't align with the character I like so much uh, as her, as she has been shown to treat Kaji, but it's 
it is what it is, and we'll talk about that. Uh, yeah, Kaji but, needs to bring Adam to Gendy. Yes, that happens early, fairly, fairly early. Yeah, yeah. yeah it uh, does. I like, did yeah. not, I did not catch uh, until I was watching it, the rewatch, yeah. really close together. That Adam, the embryo, is what is in Gendo's yeah. hand mm -hmm. uh, in the in the director's cut later episode again. Uh, that scene is not in the original broadcast version. There yeah. is no part where Gendo's standing, talking to the Ava, uh, and Holt having an eyeball in his hand. That didn't happen, so that totally changed my depiction uh, of like what was going on in the show again compared to like what we originally saw. Yeah, we didn't see that. When we another were another one of those scenes that like that's like, oh, what's the show about? Uh, uh, Gendo gets Adam's like, this is Adam, the first human, and it's a little embryo angel looking thing, and I'm just like. Uh, excuse me, can we come back to this? Not for a while. Don't even worry yeah. about it. Well, well, that's, what I, that's what I wanted to say to Ben. Ben, I, I corrected you. The Avas aren't angels. Right. Every, every, yeah, Avas are humans. Angels are humans. Everything is, is a prodigy of, of an alien that makes humans. We're all the yeah. same. Different yeah. forms. Yeah. Uh, born, born of two different beings, Adam yes. and Lilith. Yes. yes. Yeah, because like when they first brought in Adam, and I'm like, like Adam, like Adam and Eve, Adam. What that guy? Ben, 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 Ben. Adam and Eve. Adam yeah, and Eve. Adam, Adam creates Eva. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because uh, of that. There's it, this plays in a lot of like uh, uh, biblical wordplay, but sometimes not really with context behind. No, it. just cool. Uh, oh, no. Some like like uh, uh, I don't want to talk about the movie, but like just the use of six 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 is yeah. just just for fun it doesn't actually have contextual meaning in how well, they're using it i, I um, watched a video it sorry sparks uh but it, it i lost it go ahead no cut no because um uh, it was i started picking up on the like obviously the religious imagery like angels uh the names of the computer uh, the names of the magi uh um balthazar caspar and malky's something Malchior? those uh, are, yeah so Angels very early on when they when they like flash lights down they throw up cross lights yeah there are the explosions yeah. that are like yeah, and also the name of the major computers those are the name of the three wise men who visited baby Jesus yes they're the three they, wise men guiding the Evangelians to prosperity mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. and even because I I watched the video I watched the video uh, wisecrack video about like the philosophy of Evangelion and they did mention all the religious context to it like that um. Uh, I know, uh, like that's that uh, symbol we see in the very beginning of the opening, the like the blue one with the, the wings, and yes. we eventually see that near the end of the show. That is actually a real uh, Hindu, um, not Hindu, um, Judaism thing. Yes. Yeah, not. I don't know why I said Hindu. I'm sorry. My, 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 really... only, my only point, what I was saying is that like there, there are things that have religious context that are actually used, and there are some things that just they have no religious context. They're just further extrapolating just, on like what already is there and yeah. saying like oh well we'll throw that piece in here yeah. but it doesn't actually mean deeper things to right. the religious uh symbolism that's yeah. going on and like the whole intent like we'll, we'll just cover this real quick like the angels are are designed to be more like what angels were talked about being like in the bible before no. oh yeah yeah before paintings were oh, read yeah, them as like more humanoid images, they were supposed to be much scarier. Watch, uh, um, watch, um, more, uh, watch that Noah movie with Russell Crowe. You'll see some crazy ass monsters in there. Oh no, I was actually about Sparks. Good thing you mentioned because I was about to mention that too. Because when because in the Bible, angels are not depicted with human like humans with wings. Rock they monsters. are these. Oh, <laughs> they are these. Yeah, I think I'm the only person who's going to get that right. They are these monsters-looking things that are like. What? 
Yes. And then you look at Renaissance paintings, uh, paintings. You look at Renaissance paintings, and then they, the angels, like you look at uh, Michelangelo or, or some of their paintings with the angels in them, it's like they're actual human beings. Yeah. With, uh, uh, they look like people, but. Real quickly, Ben, uh, just for, just to, to contextualize you, the, uh, the movie Noah by Darren Aronofsky has mm-hmm. angels and they're rock monsters. That's oh, what I'm referencing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. It, I really appreciate the uniqueness in the designs of all the angels. I think they that some of them look absolutely scary, um, oh. and others and others in a way look beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I appreciate how diverse they are. I think it's a really cool how they realized all of the angels. Despite turning into like a, a monster of the week like where there's a new monster they find mm-hmm. every week, they, mm-hmm. every design is so unique and they never, it's never the same challenge. Uh, yeah, it's always, uh, there's it's always, always different, different way they have to deal with it. One of them is a, is a microscopic, like, uh, uh, like, uh, cyber cyber angel that attacks mm-hmm. Nerf from the inside. Another is a mm-hmm. orbital bombardment thing. Another is one that lives in, in the bottom of a volcano. Like they're yeah. all so vastly different. They're, they're, I love monsters like kaiju. Like kaiju's are cool, but like these are are beyond that. These are like these are that was that God. was that was what I was thankful for the fandom uh, Wikipedia for Evangelion. The idea that that the progenity of Adam were meant to be able to take whatever form they wanted, mm-hmm. and that's why the that's why when the that's why the all the angels end up differently is because they can they are taking the form that they want to take, and it doesn't matter. They're not stuck in a form like human like the progeny of Lilith. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, and I, I really, uh, I like that they have things that are alluding to, I, I love the choices when they do choose to use like music written to uh, exemplify like God or angels, like using Hallelujah, using Ode to Joy, but specifically oh, yeah. the use of Hallelujah, which I was nervous for some reason the Netflix version would change. I'm like, it's not a rights issue. Everyone can use yeah. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. It's so old. But um uh, I was just concerned that they would recontextualize that since we lost Fly Me to the Moon. That's that the was Asuka, a right issue. Asuka thing? That's Asuka. Man, like that, that, is... that angel is probably one of my favorite moments because it's an angel that they can't reach blasting down a, def- uh, a, a, a light upon Asuka that defiles her mind yeah. um, and uh, basically faces her against her sins is, is the idea. And I think uh, as that blasts Hallelujah when it does it is so evocative and powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought something was wrong with Netflix when I when it started blasting Hallelujah. Even Fanny, when <laughs> Fanny perked up, she's like, "Are they playing how is something it's, wrong with Netflix?" It's very jarring, but it's also very strong because of that mm-hmm. choice. Yeah. Oh yeah. So we got one of the things that. Uh, sorry, Ryan, go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna continue on, but you you go oh, like. Well, yeah. one of the, one of the things that I was going to say is his music. Uh, the Ano Ano, right? Yeah. Yes. His uh, his, his uh, music choices. Have always been kind of eclectic. If you watch Shin Godzilla, uh, the music in that movie is almost completely composed originally, except for the 1954 recorded in 1954 yeah. uh, original Godzilla theme song. It just appears, and it doesn't fit tonally with the music of that movie. But it's and, a Godzilla uh, theme, so it needs to be there. And the decisive battle remix from Evangelion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, which is itself kind of a riff on an old James Bond piece. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, he he makes some some bold choices with with the music for sure. Um, Fly me to the moon. Uh, I I want to talk about it because you guys didn't have the exposure to Fly Me to the Moon um, uh, that we we did. And uh, I, I I this is another reason why I think overall I end up favoring the A to B version is because Fly Me to the Moon isn't just the end credit sequence; it's also instrumentally 
put throughout the show. And in a lot of places where it was put throughout the show, Netflix decided to just not have music. And I think that was a, that's more a detriment to that adaptation yeah. than, uh, than uh, a help. I would rather they had either used different music from the show or composed new music from the show. Also, the music from the show is fantastic. Yeah. I just want to mm -hmm. acknowledge that. All the original it. pieces are, are so good. Rewatching um, the original one. Um, yeah, like, because again, I watched the Netflix one. So like the Five Minute Moon stuff was out of my brain. Rewatching the original. Yeah, Five Minute of the Moon is instrumentally used in many of the episodes. Uh, verses from the song are used for dialogue. Yes. Uh, every single episode ending has a different version of Fly Me to the Moon. Uh, some of them are used multiple times, but there's at least 15 different versions of that right. song for the credits. And it's astounding. And they're, and they're not chosen randomly. They are chosen to kind of counter-pitch where you ended the episode. It's meant to leave you with kind of a, a feeling of either reflection or alleviation, yeah. um, but they are chosen specifically to either be somber or more uplifting, whatever. And I think just having the one uh, theme that belongs to Ray yeah. uh, be the ending, which the Netflix version chose to do. It doesn't yeah. leave you on the same note yeah. when mm -hmm. you're exiting the show in the way that the original version of the show and the A to B dub uh, is intended to i, gotta I think tell that's you. that's a bummer yeah like watching like the the later episodes uh uh like when it gets to the really heavy shit and you have somebody die and then it cuts to fly me to the moon and i'm like oh my god like <laughs> he's messing with you right yeah and it's, it's like it's, it's, it's very effective. purposeful to like jar your emotions yeah. up. um and i i find that overall purposeful and better uh, and it's a, it's a, I'm sorry that you guys couldn't experience that through the Netflix. Version. I've never, I've never had credits, at least not in a while. They're like, that actually impact the show. Yes. It's like, it really is like, they really did think of everything. It's nice. Yeah. 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 yeah, I, I, I'm kind of bummed. yeah I'm about to say, cause I'm kind of bummed. I never went through that. I mean, I, I only watched the Netflix stuff. So once I hit the credits, I just click the next episode button. For sure. And in all, a lot of other anime that I have seen, um, the, the end credits song is just the end credits song and I'm just like sitting there trying to skip through it so I can get to like the next episode preview or just get to the next episode entirely. So the fact that Fly Me to the Mood in the original ADV dubs actually meant something kind and, of bums me up that I well, that was robbed of that experience. And, and just to be clear, like Fly Me to the Moon is part of the original Japanese broadcast. Like it is not right. just uh, the American, because some people think that it's just the A to B show when people are talking about, oh, do you have Fly Me to the Moon? That was a choice by Ano. That yeah. is mm -hmm. part of having it in the Japanese version. Japanese artists um, saying that song, doing yeah. Fly Me in to English. the Moon. Yeah. That, was, that was purposeful, and so yeah. you're you're missing some of the vision by not having it. And so that that is a bummer. I understand why. It's just kind of a bummer. Yeah. yeah. Good news is it's on the uh, soundtrack, so that's good. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so let's, uh, let's, let's meet Asuka. Let's meet Asuka. So yeah, there's um, a couple angel fights that are super dope with, with, um, with you Shinji know what? Ray. Hold on. Yeah. Let's put a pause on Asuka. Let's talk about Ray yeah. before we get to Asuka. Let's talk oh, about Lord, Ray. Ray. Uh, Ray and, uh, uh, who we now know is Ray too. Uh, most of the time that we're watching her in the show. Yes. Um, Ray squared. Ray squared. Death true squared. Um, when do we find out? When do we meet Ray one? What episode? Not not until uh, episode twenty one, which is the one where we're going through Fuyutsuki's history, and it ends up uh, spinning off and showing us Ritsuko's mother uh, and now her, uh, yeah, and uh, and her murder of Ray. Ooh, Poppy, uh, that was messed up. Oh, yeah. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. fly me to that, that episode. <laughs> that episode, I think that episode was the one that. Re like when the show started to really hit me was yeah. when she ki she kills Ray one the, chi the a child she strangles um, a child 
in cold blood. And then shoots herself. Yes. No, she jumped. Well, she does she shoot herself? I thought she, she just jumped yeah, off. She shoots herself and she falls off. Yeah. Oh, okay. There, there's a gunshot. Yeah. yeah there's, oh, a, okay. there's, there's a gunshot, which is why. There's, a lot, of, uh, there's a lot of debate in the fandom about if she shot herself or Gendo shot her. Um, oh. I don't think Gendo most would people, shoot her. Most people have, yeah. have fallen towards the no, Gendo didn't shoot her because it doesn't make sense for him to have shot her. And, and like it, it was unnecessary yeah. from Gendo's perspective, and he would have done it differently. Um, but I understand where that impetus comes yeah. from. Yeah, uh, um, that that was the episode where I, where that that one really messed me up. That was the first one that I was like, I need a minute. See, I was... that, episode, that screwed me up too. See, I'm me... watching. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. You got that. Sorry. I'm watching this and I see a young Ray. I'm like, oh, cool. Because at this point, I didn't catch on that Ray was a clone. I don't yeah. think well, we're supposed not, to catch. You're not supposed. I mean, well, you're not supposed to know until like later. You're but, really not supposed to get that Ray is is a clone until that episode, and you should have gotten it a little earlier. Well, at least been thinking about it a little before you see Ray as a child, because you see Yui, and yeah. Yui and Ray look alike. Yeah. Uh, and that's when you're supposed to kind of be clued in, like, wait a minute, because they don't tell you flat out before that that Ray looks like Shinji's mom. Like, mm-hmm. I had a feeling Ray was always a little off. Just that yes. how, I mean, credit to her voice actress, how she always delivered her lines in a very uh, monotone way. Even when Shinji and um, his buddy starts with a T, I can't think of it right now. Uh, do, we find she, out, do we find out why in the series or in End of Evangelion? Because I want to mention something about that. But yeah, you find out why, which? Why, why she's so monotone, why she hasn't. Oh, I see. It's because she's soulless. I think that's I think that's in the show because that's we yeah. learn about all the clones and all that shit with yeah them. yeah so if yeah. it's in the show then I don't mind saying it but like yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ritsuko yeah. says that they they can't hold a soul because they are clones yes mm-hmm. uh, it's important to understand that Ray one did yes but Ray mm-hmm. two does not yeah. and none of the Rays following do but yeah. Ray one did ho- hold part of a soul she held part of Yui's soul yes yes Shinji mm-hmm. Shinji's mother yeah <laughs> and which but Yuri's soul is in Ava, Ava one. Uh, he, most of her soul. Yes. A part of her soul was in Ray one, which then mm-hmm. became Ray one's soul, which is then Ava unit zero. Right. This is very keen and partsy getting getting yeah. souls. <laughs> um, no, what no, I no, it's, like, it's like how Asuke's part of Asuke's mom's soul is in her Ava. Yeah. All, not, not a yeah. full soul. All, all of the Avas, with the exception of Ray's, are their moms. Toji's yeah. mother. Uh, Toji, is in, that's him. That's Toji's, Toji's mother is in Ava Unit Four. See, that's that's where the show really started to get me. Once the episode that focuses on Toji and and um, I forget the lady's name. Uh, that like who has like the, uh, I- Ikari. Ikari, who was like, oh, I have some extra lunch for my family. Like, do you want? I was like, yeah, I'll eat your leftovers. Like, Toji's kind of been kind of like a jerk, and he's slowly becoming like a character. And this was his character episode, and his character episode ends with him playing basketball, and then he's gone, and then Shinji has to fight somebody, and he doesn't know who he's fighting. And but everybody then, else does. But everybody else you. does. And everyone keeps trying to tell Shinji, but it just keeps getting cut off. And then mm-hmm. Shinji beats the shit out of his good friend, and then he opens that casket, uh, and then you see Toji's broken, mangled body in there. He crushes that, because because yeah. because Ava One takes the core out and crushes it. Yes, yep. that is messed up. And I know Toji's in there, and it mess it still messes me up. Yeah. Yes. Because even though he's not super involved in the show, that just one episode of him becoming a better person was enough for me to see like, oh. They did. They did a Walking Dead on me. They they introduced his character and made him cool just to mess him up, and they sure yeah. did. Oh man, yeah. that's messed up. And then what but, happens to him with the Ava is so gruesome. 
Yeah. 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 Like, because when I was talking, that's who I was trying to mention. Because when um, Toji and um, Shinji go to Ray's apartment, there's nothing in there mm-hmm. besides like some laundry and a fridge. I'm like, and something is up. Specifically, Gendo's glasses. And Gendo's glasses, yeah. Gendo. So I'm like, something is up. Like, I knew something was up with Ray the whole time, but then Gendo. finally. Like, yeah. <laughs> Damn you, Gendo. But oh god, that scene that scene with Toji just broke me. Like when the when him when the class rep was slowly trying to like, yeah, I have feelings for Toji, because the whole time you think the class rep hated Toji and and the buddy with the glasses. And then she starts falling for him and Toji almost dies. I'm like, so can't anyone in the show be happy for like ten goddamn minutes? Is, does everyone have to be sad? I will tell you that in the in the manga adaptation, which the anime is not based on the manga. Let's just be clear about that up front. Manga is based on the anime. The manga did start releasing before the anime by 10 months. The anime was already far into pre-production. And uh, the manga f- took a very long time to finish releasing after up until 2016. It's only 20 years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, for 14 volumes. Um, so they spend a lot of time doing that. It is its own version of the story. Uh, what I will say is that in that version, Toji dies when the plug is destroyed. He's oh, not okay. saved. Um, and to be to be clear, knowing that, I kind of wish the anime had done the same. I agree. Because I don't think Toji serves any purpose in being alive yeah. mm-hmm. after that. It's not even like Shinji sees him after. Right. Um, yeah. After I, I both like of Shinji's friends disappear after that episode. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they, they, they end up moving away. Shinji acknowledges that Toji moves away, but like, there's no... He served nothing to the story by staying alive. I think his death would have would have been so much more impactful. Because, uh, like, I mean, Shinji basically thinks he does do that. So, like, the impact's there and taking away that death kind of feels like, oh, then, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, okay. So, you know, it reminds me of, there's an episode of Battlestar Galactica towards the end of the third season. Uh, I'm not going to spoil a lot of it because I know some people may want to watch it. Um, but it was it is an episode that ends on a happy note. And this character is very happy. And we've known this character for a while, but we really got to know her, know, know them in this Oh, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. And and this character is very happy, goes to the locker, looking in the mirror, happy, shoots herself in the head. Yep. Because she knew she would never be happy again. Mm. That's sad. <laughs> that that episode messed me up as a kid. I watched Battle Scott when I was a kid. Oh that yeah. Episode, I, we, that came out too young. We watched it too young, Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> that show, that episode messed me up. Yeah, and very similarly, that episode of Toji, I just had to. Yeah, I just had to. And that, and and I can actually reference that, but like, I think the the thing with Toji, I, I can say like when I watched it the first time, it didn't re- stick with me in the way I think it would have if Toji had died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. uh, I I knew because I saw it when I was younger and Toji lived it doesn't leave the same impact when I was an adult and revisiting it that I even recall First that, impact. that Toji uh, didn't die or survived. Yeah. You know, it didn't, it didn't even connect with me anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think it, it is a stronger just point to have had Gendo kill Toji. Yeah. Um, so that just, just chatting about that. Anyway, we just went over what the Avas are. Ray. Uh, we talked about Ray one. So no, Ray two. Uh, yeah. Ray two is, is less of what Ray one was. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. She slowly, she's, she's kind of hollow. She slowly starts getting more attached to Shinji um, because she starts seeing a lot of Gendo in him, yeah. realistically. Uh, Man, everyone loves Gendo. Why? <laughs> what a goober bad man. He's, he must be really pretty. Um, yeah. I think you could make a similar 
case. Fukaji? <laughs> uh, no, I was going to say to compare uh, why everyone keeps caring for Shinji. Yeah. And just see Gendo as the further down the line version of that. If Shinji, like, like Gendo does, hid his problems more. Yes. Yeah. Because, uh, as we know, Gendo is in many ways just an adult version of Shinji, it turns uh, out. Yeah. Uh, and that's really gross. He's willing um, to do what end of Evangelion is just to see his dead wife again. So yeah. I will, I, I, I want to use Rei and Shinji to spotlight something. Um, when Shinji first goes to Rei's room, there's this whole moment where he trips and he falls on her. He does the boob thing and he sees her exposed and all this kind of stuff. That's an anime trope. There's been a lot of things where people are saying like Evangelion is so cool because it's satirizing these moments and everything. And I'm like, that's kind of true. But here's the thing. Um, it's doing that moment, but it's not doing it in the way where it's saying 100% uh, that there's, that there's a stance on this being wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, whereas it's making it a moment where it's not comedy, which is what it usually is in anime when something like that happens. It's a common, common bit. Um, it's still not leaving a moment where that's acknowledged as inappropriate or, uh, uh, you know, like because Ray has no feelings about it, it's left to be ambiguous rather than state this is an inappropriate thing. And this is kind of just a good example of like, the troubling interpretation of like at the same time, and I, I respect that this is a product of 1995, and especially like what anime culture is and continues to be. I was to gonna this say day, real, real uh, quick, like I like anime, but one of the real reasons that I've never fully jumped in because a lot of it continues to be the sexualization of young women, and it's and I'm not that's not all of it. I know it's not right, but a lot of the times when there's a lot of young women, they're totally just doing a lot of gross and adult stuff. And I'm like, that's just something that's culturally just different between us, but that doesn't make it right. Even even in like some of the longest running and some of my favorite anime Look shows. Look at Chi-Chi. Um, yeah. And I think, you know what's a fantastic example of this uh, against each other is you won't see anything like this ever in Full Metal Alchemist. And there's a key reason why. Oh, yeah. It's because Full Metal Alchemist is written by a woman. <laughs> and that creates an entirely different perspective on what is appropriate to do related to like sexualizing comedy yeah. uh, in anime. And that's just, that, that just is an anime problem. What's unfortunate in Evangelion is that Evangelion is painting a particular picture about how sexism is handled, but while it's saying things and trying to do things with its characters to counter it, the third eye perspective of the camera is actively working against it by sexualizing characters with where it'll place their bodies. Mm -hmm. And that sucks. It sucks that it's still living in that trope. And I, I'm a more adult now, and I'm able to more critically analyze and recognize these things and just go, man, this, I wish that you weren't like in one way trying to say this is sexism and it's gross, but also objectify the woman in the exact same shot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Again, it's the problem that I was talking about, like um, realizing now, I sent you guys a text of how much Neon Genesis Evangelion is in Metal Gear? Because all of my favorite things, Metal Gear, uh, Evangelion, and Twin Peaks, they're all satires of the genre. And they're taking the genre and flipping it on its head to, su uh, to subvert everything you think you know about the genre. The problem is both Metal Gear and Twin Peaks still do the tropes and, and, and Neon Genesis. They still do those tropes and they're still shitty and they're not actually saying anything about them. They're still doing them thinking because it's satire, it's okay. But you're not, it's still bad. You're not doing anything about it. And it sucks. And even today, people like every every genre still does this shit and i'm like are we just never really gonna get away from that yeah it's so sucks. i just wanted to spotlight the shinji ray thing is like that's the like i think that's the first very strong example of like trying to say something about the sexism that happens in anime while also at the same time objectifying ray which mm -hmm. is a bummer especially because god do i wish that they would leave 
Ray and not unobjectified throughout this show um, because it, it, it creates this confusing and unfortunate focus where uh, it, like there's, I wish the show had narrowed its scope of what Shinji considers uh, like sexual interactions to be further away from Ray. I wish that they were narrowed down to Asuka. You can make an argument about Misato, yeah, no, uh, but I, I wish I it was there for Asuka and then Karo, and I wish that was it. Yeah, um, but but putting Ray into the mix feels really, really weird and gross, and especially as you come to know Ray better, especially with Gendo, because yes. they have such an I'm not uh, they have such a weird relationship, and I doubt I I'm not it, I don't think it's sexual, but there's definitely stuff that is like oh you guys are closer than you really need to be. Well, Whether... I mean, and there's there's an argument to be made, like, for where Gendo stands on that. Like, I mean, it's still gross. I'm not trying to say it's not gross. No, but gross. what I'm saying is, like, Gendo uh, sees you, you, his wife, yeah, in her, and yeah. that's that's weird yeah. and unfortunate. Yeah. Well, it's like it's like I can't say until we talk about End of Evangelion. Yeah, but there's a really good example of End of Evangelion when Gendo, you know, yes, like, you, know you don't have to do that. No, exactly. Gendo That's is. what I mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get there. You know what Gendo is? He's Warren Ellis. He's just grooming Ray. Ah, no. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Topical. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Constant so, warning. I just I briefly wanted to talk about, like, you know, just it, this is another reason why Kaji is so problematic because at the same time that it's it's having Misato most of the time stand up for herself and say like the things Kaji does for sexual objectification are gross. Um, I specifically noted a line that I really hate. From Kaji, I gotta find it though. Um, there's, do, do, do. there's a uh, 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 he's talking to a totally different woman before Misato yeah, comes into the Maya, oh, yeah, yeah, and uh, he's talking to her and he says, "I guess I'll have to keep your mouth busy." Right before Misato comes into the room, and, he's and then he starts immediately flirting with Misato, and I'm like, Kaji is the worst, and I wish the show would just treat him like he's the worst. I agree. Uh, Not just that. I, oh God, I remember to jump on the, the hate Kaji train. <laughs> like, Misato was talking shit about uh, Kaji the whole time in Ritsuko. He shows up, she's giving him the stink eye, and I want to say, like, the second episode he shows up, there's a quick snippet of them in the elevator, and he's just full-on making out with her. I'm like, what the f*** is going on? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I'm like, Kaji, you... And then right. he starts hitting on um that, what's her name? I can't, uh, man. Ibuki. Yeah. Ibuki. He, he, he starts hitting on Ibuki, I'm like, but, but, oh, you're just a Screw this guy. Yeah. Uh, right. I mean, look, in fairness, in fairness, I don't actually, you know, our, our main character is kind of insufferable too. Oh, no, Shinji? no, true. But he's you not. Mean, you mean Shinji? Yeah. No, but there's no. a difference between insufferable and sexually molesting multiple women. Uh, well, I'm, I'm saying, I'm just saying mostly, I'm not trying to, I'm not, I'm definitely not going to defend him. But no, yeah. what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is that I think a lot of characters are just the worst. And they're meant to be. It's part of the story is that we're I, following I, these I agree terrible people. Yeah. I agree with you. What what's what's a bummer about it is that um, nobody ever takes the stance to say that like you know Misato never she she inevitably not only does she eventually end up sleeping with Kaji in the show, uh, but then later has to reflect on it and say I I just want to I just want to feel dirty I want to be soiled I she says these things about herself in the context of having slept with Kaji yeah. and that's that's a really gross perspective to put on women like it's slut shaming is what it is yeah. it's slut shaming that is shoved on Misato which it shouldn't be because Misato is frankly the most strong and independent woman character and they kind of 
retroactively alter the perspective of her right. towards the end of the show. And that's the problem I have with it. Kaji can be a sleazebag all he wants, as long as they're trying to say something with that and say, look, Kaji's a sleazebag and we all can acknowledge it. But they don't. They end up kind of saying, well, Misato also is a slut for sleeping with him. And it's like, whoa, it's kind of it's, it's almost rewarding his bad behavior because yes. they're not showing that it's bad because mm -hmm. she he still sleeps with Misato. Definitely. And he ends up kind of being a hero at the end. So it's like, oh, you're supposed to root for him. I'm like, but I don't want to. Right, yeah, he's <laughs> supposed to be like the debonair James Bond spy. Kaji is, in my opinion, like the weakest link of the show because he works so actively against a strong female arc and ultimately dismantles it. Sure. Um, and that's that's the bummer, is that there's, there's, uh, there's such cool things that could have been said about, like, perspective on sexism and like uh, so many examples of are made of misato being able to show herself prove herself amongst sexist men uh the strongest one is in the jet alone episode oh i love it uh where all the men are like hysterical women <laughs> and ritsuko has her own plan so she's just letting it slide but misato's like no fuck that and so she goes and she proves that 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 her command is better than theirs mm -hmm. and that she's braver than all of them and smarter than all of them um and that's really cool and it just sucks when you pull back on that character and then shame her for sleeping with a man so who do we think shot him who, uh someone from from zele like I, I'm. I, I, know, I don't think it matters. I know the answer. It do, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But I, I, I know that there's been like talk about like who could it be. So I wanted to know what you guys thought. If you guys thought of anyone, it could be any. Well, no, because it, it's he definitely recognizes them or whatever. Yeah. It's like oh, it took you so long. Yes. So it has to be someone that he probably had a meeting with. So it has to be someone higher up. Mm -hmm. So it could have been any one of those. Uh, Anno Anno has said that it it's. It's not meant to be any like character that we know that we know any main character. Oh. We know. Oh. Yeah, um, that's what Anno has said. If I were to give my personal read, I remember the first time I was confused when I when we first watched it yeah. um, all those years ago. Uh, I I misinterpreted that it was Misato because they keep showing the gun with her so much. Oh yeah, yeah. And okay. because she put the gun to the back of his head once and then does the same motion again with Ritsuko later. Yeah. And so I thought, oh, is it Misato? Because that's really weird. And then I realized that didn't make sense. Uh, but as an adult, when I, like in these past two months, when I watched it again, my, my read is that it's Fiyutsuki. Oh, yeah, the, the second in command. Who he okay. unhandcuffs. Un yeah. Um, yeah. Like, Fiyutsuki is supposed to be in with him, but Fiyutsuki actually betrays him. Oh, okay. I can see that because Fiyutsuki definitely wants <clears throat> the, the, the project to go through. Yes. He's all about, oh, I want to see UA too, whatever, dog. He, yeah, he wants, <laughs> he wants Yuri's, uh, yeah. Yuri's whole I could, man, plan. That, I could buy that. Uh, like, I, I don't think I'd want it. I don't think I'd want to see him do it, but yeah. the idea that it was him is like super, super sad. And like I said, Ano has said that we're not really supposed, we're not supposed to recognize the character who does it. Yeah. Um, it's it's not really for us to know, but if I were to take a stab at who it is amongst the cast, I would say it's Fiyutsuki. Yeah. yeah. I either, that. For, for me, it was either him or Gendo. Yeah. I don't think it would be Gendo because I don't see Gendo personally caring enough to go shoot Kaji. Like he would send somebody to do it. That's the thing. Is like I just don't see Gendo giving enough of a shit. He's got a he's got an atom in his hand. He's got things to do. Yeah. Yeah. But 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 when when Kaji does die, I'm like, huh. I was actually kind of fine. I was like, because at first I was like, wait, who shot him though? And then I was like, actually no, I don't care. I have I have comic book logic in my head, so I'm always just kind of like, didn't see a body. He's coming back. Oh yeah 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 you're good. Yeah. I didn't feel bad for him. I felt bad for Masato because I thought I thought like. Whether he's a whether he's bad or not, like she does care for him, and they mm -hmm. did have something really, really powerful, whatever it was between them. 
Um, so I felt for her in that moment because like she she clearly needed him for whatever reason. Uh, bad issues. I, I still, in some ways, didn't even feel too much for her in that. In the in the sense that like Misato kind of knows because they're investigating her at the time when Kaji's like lead up to his death is happening, mm -hmm. which is when he's un unhandcuffing Fiyutsuki uh and and setting him free uh that i she kind of knows even before she's getting the voicemail and and all that kind of stuff she knows he's oh she yeah she sees the voicemail so she, she knows that he's he's being caught as a traitor yeah uh all that kind of shit um and in some ways i my read personally is that misato in some ways feels like she knows that she was kind of manipulated by him mm -hmm. and played yeah. by him and uh i hate that he leaves it with the stupid line of like uh uh, if I see you again, I'll be able to say the thing I couldn't say eight years ago. And it's like, dude, shut up. <laughs> if you loved her, you would have said it. You clearly did Again, that's that, stupid flirting that's, with that, Ibuki. that's that douchebag. Like, if I see you one more time, I'll tell you the exact thing he's you wanted to He's only saying hear. it because he knows he's going to die. Yeah. And he's saying it because, like, this will get me out of obligation but sound cool. <laughs> I hate Kaji so much. He's the worst. <laughs> I, would say, I, I will say, we'll, we'll, I'll say one more thing about it and we can move on. I do like, I do like the scene with him and Shinji in the garden. I do think that's a good scene where he's just like, listen, I, I can't do anything else. It's the end of the world. That's got to water these melons. You, you can save the world. You got to make I, the choice. I agree bro. up to the point where he says, uh, if I die, I'd rather die in between the, the bosom of uh, Misato. Yes. But no, I guess here I, amongst these melons is yes, good enough. Again, very <laughs> shitty line. He still has to be shitty, even in his most sincere moments. Hey, at least moments. he's consistent. I know, um, yeah. Okay. But I do think the moment of like, like, He's trying to like Shinji. Listen, it is up to you, bud. And like, yeah. I know it's hard, but like, just just make a decision. That's all I can ask. Let's boobies, uh, boobies, boobies. Let's, let's tie from Kaji into Asuka by me saying, uh, uh, I appreciate that Kaji doesn't sleep with Asuka, but he always leaves it in a gray area with her. He's just like, like he just might someday, and I hate it. It's gross. Oh, God, I it. And a fourteen-year-old girl like rolls, who gets on top of him, and he's just like, Yeah, you're a kid, though. And I'm like, get her off you! Come on, dude! Like, he's just so it's like, like a, it's like Slade in Teen Titans: The Judas Contract. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah, totally. It's um, a, it, Kaji is a man who knows. He he prefers to be able to manipulate. He prefers yeah. to be able to be in control of women, even Asuka. And it's it's sleazy and it's sick. And again, uh, it does make sense in a way because he is a spy. He is he is a double crosser from the core, but he's still a gross actual human being. Yeah. 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 I really, I really enjoy it. Asuka. Asuka? Asuka. Asuka. Yeah. She's uh, great. I, I will say that by the end of it, Asuka remains probably like my favorite character because some stuff with Misato takes her down a notch for me uh, because of the way they handle her. Yeah. But it's like her and Misato kind of doing this, but Asuka 100%. Mm. Uh, I, I love her. Um, she is, she is like the injection that the show needed uh, because otherwise like all your characters are very passive. In their in their sadness, whereas Oscar is like, "Yo, I'm sad. I'm gonna beat the shit out of you for it." And I'm like, yeah, oh, oh, yeah. Okay, cool. She's doesn't show up till episode twelve, I think, right? No, no it's, it's like a, five. It's, 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 it's five or six. It's yeah. five, yeah, because that's when the whale guy shows up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, because when Oscar no, shows up, I was so happy because I mean, because yeah. you get you get twenty Shinji, you have Ray who's completely emotionally distant, and then you have Oscar show up literally like get a shot of adrenaline in that show she is she's wild she's she's not crazy but she's she's like wild she's loud she's like all up in your face she's like at she's essentially 
going up and like if she could she could probably have make her um Ava Ava you know two just flip off everyone as she's like I'm here to kick your ass and you ain't gonna say shit about it. Yeah I always she, like uh, how simple mech anime is by the way. Um all mech anime but let's like here's two controllers here's two things that I just do like this a lot and yet all yeah. the movements yeah. you can make the make do the wiggles if you wanted hey, to it's the brain it's the brain sinks baby <laughs> um uh i i do want to touch on when asuka starts going to school with them there's a really gross thing where uh like toji and kids uh, are sharing around photos of the girls mm, uh, boy, and, and i really wish they'd allowed asuka to like deck them for it or yeah. something um uh again like it's it's the kind of thing where Asuka rides the line of being written just right for me because while she is sexualized both by the show and by characters, she's also kind of aware of it and sometimes uses it for oh, herself, yeah, but yeah. it's a part of her pain and it's a part of her character. It's a part of her desire that she feels like she cannot be loved. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that version of it can work for me almost 95% of the time. There's yeah. a couple of times where I think still the show sexualizes her in a way that, that isn't inherent to the character's arc but when but asuka kind of is able to ride that line because it is defining a part of who she is yeah everything uh, she does is, is like she is the she is attention seeking to the extreme like she just wants to be loved she wants to be she wants all attention on and her and she wants to be treated as an adult which yeah. makes sense when you realize that she finished college in germany yeah that mm -hmm. she speaks multiple languages she's shouting german phrases all the time which i love in the show yes um her name's asuka langley you heard her mom's name is zeppelin langley what a dope name for a cool mom robot. I'm just saying. Yeah. Very cool. Um, the tra the tragedy of her mom and just opening the bro, door. Mom, and... I love you, mommy. I get to be yes. a pilot, mommy. Yes. Slam. Oh, you're hanging. Oh. Now you definitely get to be a pilot. Now you're definitely. <laughs> not only that, but the time so, where... So, so I, not... what I understand of it is that they already took part of her mom's soul from her. I don't understand how that process would work. Horcrux. But... um. Which is why she's done it because she's saying I've been chosen to be a pilot. They already took it, and her mom is going crazy because of it and kills herself. Yes, because of that, yeah. uh, and that's messed up. All so yeah, all the kids that that Shin, Shinji goes to the school, mm -hmm. right? There's like it's like Project like seven oh seven or whatever, like the the, the project for Zayla it's called. But this school is not a real school. It's a school. That's for Evangelion pilots. That's why if you pay attention that every time the teacher is giving a lecture, it's literally the same lecture. Every single time. Literally the same audio lecture about the second uh, impact. Yeah. Um, it's very messed up. It's mm. very messed up once you realize that all of these kids are potential pilots. All of their parents are dead. Yeah. Or at least one of their parents. All the moms are dead. Mm. Um, and that's something none of them put together, which is, of course, you're not going to like, oh, is your mom? Oh, you're oh, we're all well, crazy. It's not something you talk about. But like the, the further you go into the show, you realize this the sinister aspect of the show just reveals itself more or like, and more. Or like not necessarily that I think all those kids' moms are dead, but uh, all those kids, like their moms could be dead. Yes. Okay. Easily. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I don't think like every single, but like most, like we know Hikari has no mom. All the pilots uh, and most of the characters that we see don't have moms. I'm right. sure yeah. there's a lot more kids we don't see, but like, yo man, five out of five dead moms. That's a lot. We know nothing about if Kinsuke's parents. We know nothing about them. That's true. We yeah. don't know if he has a mom and a dad or anything. He yeah. seems like the most like regular, regular and stable of them. So I'm I'm leaning towards he has parents, but they can be killed instantly, and then and his mom could just be gone yeah. as soon as they meet Kinsuke, who yeah. wants to be a pilot so bad. And it's like, bro, no, you don't. Yeah, <laughs> because it just looks like cool mechs, right? Yeah, um, not giant yeah. humans. Talking about the high school stuff again, like 
it's it's the high school anime tropes that some some of the school <laughs> stuff I just really don't like because it's just it just seems to be there just to be there like just like silly silly uh, uh, classroom shenanigans that don't really seem tied to the plot but then there's stuff like character stuff that seems really important so it's like you you have to have that I just don't really like it there's like yeah. there's like some period of time where Shinji and Asuka are actually getting along and Shinji seems to feel like he belongs and everything's kind of balanced yeah and then it just stops being that way. Yeah, and there's it. no, there's no like catalyst to that. They just start being more out of sync. With, yeah, with each other. Yeah, is it after their their uh, kissing session? Maybe. <laughs> yes, uh, but I mean, like, it, it's not cat. Like, that's not a catalyst yeah, yeah. to it or anything. Like, it's just they start to put them more at odds with each other. But like, there's the ep- the the episode. Uh, oh, because like Shinji gets... and Asuka are working pretty well when they go into the volcano together. Mm-hmm. Then the episode after is the one where the them and Ray work their way up the tube uh, yeah. with the eye that's dripping that might, the goop down. might be my favorite episode. Because <clears throat> Asuka falls back on Shinji and they're yeah. all just like, yeah, nice job. And yeah. they're like, they're a team. I love that episode um, so much because the entire power to the city, Tokyo 3 goes out. Oh yeah, Tokyo 3 <coughs> uh, lives on the geo front and it's an entire city that can have all of its buildings go underground uh, because for some reason, all the angels are attacking the city. So they make it super hard for the angels to destroy I wonder why all the angels keep trying to go to Tokyo 3. I guess we'll find out soon. Also, yeah. also, what's the geofront? What exactly? Lots of questions yeah. we'll find out later. Well, yeah. one of the things that also that kind of puts Asuka Shinji um, like at odds with each other is that Shinji keeps passing like these tests. Like, yeah, I remember... That's that's true. Yeah. That's true. My my point was that there's no like they were doing well and there was no catalyzing event, which is you can say that's kind of realistic. I, I would that... argue that the catalyzing event is when Shinji actually. I mean, Shinji, there's a part where they're fighting an angel where Shinji kind of, like, they're doing the same test. Shinji gets first place because Asuka's been in first place the whole time. Then Shinji gets it. He gets the praise. And then when an angel shows up, he kind of gets too cocky. And then Asuka's like, well, Shinji's the best one. Then let's handle it. And and then it falls from there. The shitty Shinji line. Because now he's full of himself. He's like, yeah, Yeah. this is a man's job. I got it, guys. And then she's like, "Uh, excuse me, boy. Uh, So, like, I feel you, but also, like, She's a, a very emotional 14-year-old girl. I could see her getting super mm-hmm. mad. Like, I was number one, and now I'm number two. Excuse me, sir. No, for Not sure. Not only that. She all, I'm saying, all I'm saying is that there's no moment where, like, even after that happens, it doesn't hard shift to them 100% at each other's throats yeah. yet. It's it's a gradual incline thing. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Okay. That's fine. Oh, yeah. I mean, throughout uh, the episode... The other, the other thing that sets Asuka off just puts Asuka off is when she finds out that Kaji and Misato are sleeping together. Yes, because yeah. she's jelly. Yeah, I mean... Jelly belly. I mean, when it's a progressive thing was with uh, Shinji and Asuka. Eventually, like, Asuka just, like, going... Completely getting out of sync with Hareva. But it, it's not just, like, one and done. But, yeah, it's, it's a gradual thing. And I, while I'm watching these episodes, when I'm watching the episodes, I can see more and more. I can see that happening more and more. Because for a while, like, one of my favorite episodes is when Asuka and Shinji have to be in perfect sync together. Yeah, I that episode too. That's probably the yeah. best action episode. Mm. Oh yeah, and that that couple minutes of them like yeah, sink fighting. That's uh, that's the one. Me. That is the one before what we were mentioning before with the the, the volcano mm. and the um, yeah, the the eye that drips the goop. That those are like the good times. That's where they're like mm. functioning well together. Yeah, uh, yeah. When Oscar pulls times. herself through it. Yeah. But then Evangelion just... Part One, the good times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> Yeah, then Shinji just gets way too big for his own britches. He gets so full of himself, and then he messes up, and then Asuka just wails on him. Is it the, it's the the floating um, zebra one 
where things really start taking a turn, right? Where like the shadow starts eating the city and then Shinji gets eaten. Yeah, he gets sucked yeah, into that and then shit starts like really hitting the fan. Mm, that's the one where oh, he got too cocky. Um, that's, I think that's all, uh, uh, I'm not sure of the order, but I think that's preceded by the episode where Shinji goes and sees Gendo mm-hmm. at his mom's grave. Yeah. Grave. And then, Gen- and then, uh, and then at the same time, Misato is out with Kaji and that leads to the drinking and them walking home and Asuka smelling Lavender. perfume on, uh, on Kaji. <laughs> um, and I think that's like the, the two characters start their own personal downward spiral because of Shinji's interaction with Gendo. And uh, Asuka's interaction with Misato. So, uh, um, uh, uh, you listened to the Waypoints podcast about it. I also did. Um, so, around episode 15, 16, uh, Hideki Anno started reading a lot of philo- philosophy books. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of lot of books. A lot of Sigmund Freud. A lot of heavy shit. Yes, That's why the other, this half of the show starts leaning really heavy into psychological shit. It's very important to know that Freud was big at the moment. Yes. Oh, uh, Freud, a lot of what Freud has said has been debunked now. Um, but uh, at the time, Freudian logic was was super big. Uh, people were super into it. And there's a lot of that laced into Evangelion for the rest of the show. Yes. Um, kind of to its detriment. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, the sphere, that the shadow that eats everything. Shinji gets eaten by the shadow. Um, also, it turns out the shadow is like one, is like, a tenth of a millimeter thick, mm-hmm. but it's it's like three miles long. Yeah, so it's yeah. like, what 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 do we do? Oh, I know what we do. We drop a thousand non-nuclear bombs on it. How about that one? Because that's what an N2 stands for. It's non-nuclear. I don't yeah. know if you guys if, I don't think they ever say it in the show, but that's super dope. Like they <clears throat> no more radiation, baby, just giant explosives. Uh but Shinji gets eaten by the sphere and then he gets super introspective. And mm-hmm. Shinji's on a train with himself spoilers that other shinji's an angel it's the angel talking to him um that stuff gets super heady uh the angel just like why don't you want to be a part of me shinji why don't we just join together we'll be best becoming the image of uh, misato asuka yes. and Rei. it's like won't you want to be, be one with me that's what you want right and uh it's just the angel doing some mind games and somewhere in there also showing like the black and white image of him sucking on the nipple of his mother yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um so yeah lots of introspective stuff going on there um the guy the peoples don't know how to handle it uh he's in there isn't he like gone for like a month or something uh i don't know if that's this i don't think that's the same point in time as when he he i thought he was like gone for a month and that's when he reappears the there's the one where he's in there and there's just his suit floating and i don't know if that happens after the shadow void okay uh i i think those two right because he gets dissolved into into the he gets um... dissolved into the lcl yes LCL, yeah which mm-hmm. is that's Oh, uh, that happens after he uh, encounters where they decide to do the swap tests. Oh. And he goes into Unit Zero, and he's like, wait, is this Ray Ayanami? And he sees this weird fish lens version of Ray's face, which we now know is Ray 1, yep. which mm-hmm. is living inside of the Ava, and it super messes him up. And that Ava takes over, and it starts banging on the window uh, and uh, uh, trying to kill uh, someone in there. Misato. Which, no, which yeah. Ritsuko, Ritsuko, uh, she says, oh, it's, it's trying to kill me. And if you, I, I had to look, if you watch, uh, there's a frame where it's showing like Ray standing in front of the, the window. But mm-hmm. Ritsuko, who is clearly Ritsuko because it's all the same clothes and everything, she's there, but her hair is black, like her mother's. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because Ray one was killed by her. Yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he's hitting at the window to get to her. Oh, that's good. 
It's, very it's, a, it's like a blink and you miss it, and she's not the there focus. Are... She's in the background. Ray is the focus at the window. But it's clearly Ritsuko's clothes with black hair. So it's not a mess That up. happens multiple times, not with that specific character, but of characters showing up for a brief second. Yes. Because in the one of the last episodes I, I mean, watched... characters just text all kinds of Ray, things. Ray shows up for a microsecond behind someone, and then the scene flashes away, and I'm like, what? 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 And I don't remember that from the last time I watched it, and I'm like, Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> when we talked about like uh, Gendo and Shinji visiting the... Great. There's and a walks away. there's a blink and you miss it moment where Ray is shown sitting in the chopper, yes. but it's like literally a second. Yes, I heard that. I saw that on the podcast. Yeah, <clears throat> um, yeah, yeah. Man, um, let's see. Where do you want to go from here? So uh, I just I just like that kind of stuff where we're building up to like you know Shinji Shinji falling apart. I will say that like somewhere in the mix, certainly by the end of all of it, but somewhere even just the mix of these episodes, I feel like we do the the Shinji kind of going into himself maybe maybe like one too many times mm-hmm. uh in the in the mix of it and it's like uh you know it's it's between the shadow thing it's between that and the being lost in the fluid of the lcl mm-hmm. um <clears throat> but uh uh the toji shit happens uh by the way i was going to touch on that like uh sometimes it irritates me that like we'll have these big grand explosions and we're meant to just imagine the weight of loss because they don't really talk about or show how devastating those blasts are mm-hmm. but it's the blast where toji's eva was uh because everything goes wrong and ritsuko and misato were ground zero yet they're the sole survivors with yeah. minor scrapes yeah but mm-hmm. everybody else i i guess is dead um which doesn't make a ton of sense but whatever they got plot armor yeah yeah exactly um and that's where uh the the uh the eva uh the angel got into the eva when it was in transportation in the clouds and uh and gets gross and locks Toji in. And then uh, the dummy plug is activated because Gendo wants it to be. And so it does the thing we already talked about with Toji. That leads mm. to Shinji deciding to quit until, oh, yeah. an, Asia, uh, until an angel is able yes. to take real, out Asuka. Real quick, that, that scene where, where Shinji's in the Ava and it's the dummy plug that's operating mm. it. So Shinji is just watching uh, his mech just kill this kid. He doesn't know mm. who the kid is again. But he's just like, he's doing everything in his power to stop. And he's like, Gendo, Dad, please stop. I do not want to kill anyone. And Gendo's like, I don't care. Yeah. I don't want to die. So guess what? You have to kill that thing. And that's, mm-hmm. that is so sad for Shinji. Right. Because that's, his whole thing is like, yo, man, I don't want to be a bad guy. He's literally being, like, it's not his, it's not his fault he's being a bad guy. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's so tragic for this. Again, these are all kids. Like, we're, like, we're all emotional now. But being a teenager, like, your hormones are out of control. Like, it's, it's serious stuff these kids are going through, man. It's rough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that that causes Shinji to decide to leave until Asuka's uh, Ava's head is knocked off, um, which they barely sever the nerve connection. Before That's what the happens. cool angel with the with the with the wiggly arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, and Shinji decides, yes, I'm going to go back and pilot, and he goes and he fights, and uh, ultimately ends up going berserk. This is when we first see uh, Ritsuko saying that the Ava she is breaking of her restraints. Because it's not just armor; it's also restraints. Oh my god, that's that mm-hmm. again. Like episodes it, like seventeen. That's to 19. nineteen. Nineteen. Yeah, that's se- episode nineteen. Uh, yeah, so like seventeen is the to- the the Toji stuff. Yeah, but like nineteen is where the shit is going off, and like the armor's yeah. From nineteen, apart. from nineteen on, it's all just like whoa, baby. Yeah, right. like it's all <laughs> going yeah, rough. The ex- uh, explanation of like, yeah, it's not just armor; it's restraints to keep them to keep their power down. And you're like, yeah. oh no, what's Isn't happening? Also, where we see um, Unit One get the um, the glowing wings. For the first time, no, or, not yet. 
Uh, this is like the arm, the organic arm grows I'll out. Tell you, I'll, oh, tell yeah. you, I'll tell you a fun thing, Ben. You don't see the Ava Unit 1 get the glowing wings in the show at all. No. What you see oh. is the intro. Yeah. Which every intro has the glowing wings. And then the retrospective footage, there's one shot, uh, not in episode 21 where we're going through Fuyutsuki's thing, when we see um, Misato's history with the second impact when she was hidden. In the castle. And we see an image of the second impact, and there's wings at the center of it, which are those wings from the intro. Okay. But we actually never see, and I, I was surprised. I'm impressed with it. And it's something that I wondered about for years because I didn't see End of Evangelion. Uh, for years. And so Ava Unit 1 has these wings, which are the same wings we see in Second Impact, but Ava Unit 1 never shows those wings in the show. Once. Hmm. Never. Which yeah. is weird. <laughs> um, but this is where Ava Unit 1 uh, eats the angel. Man, yeah, like the arm gets cut off and like the scene... It takes the arm and attaches it and it becomes a new yeah, human uh, hand. Uh, oh, uh, God. Sync rate is 400%. So he is, he is four times one with the robot. With and his mom. With his mom, oh man, he's in a giant womb. It's all it all makes sense. Oh uh, yeah, the mechanic arm gets attached, and then it turns into an organic arm, and mm-hmm. uh, it's 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 like very visceral, and it's like I every time I watch it, I'm just like, man, this show is insane. This show is like, like it's not the first time something like this has happened, but it's like the the animation, just like how real it feels, and how. Yeah. The way that that mech moves when it's on all fours with its glowing eyes is haunting. That's it's that, I was gonna say that's dude. the second image I can remember from the first time watching yeah. it that's stuck with me. Like when it when it's, it's like the it's eyeball like, oh, and then oh, this, oh, it's yeah, yeah. it's horrifying and it's oh, it's, yeah. it's mechanical when, organ an organic monster like it's insane. When it was eating that, oh, it was eating, it, it was eating the other Ava, right? Yeah. Yeah, when it was eating the Ava. It was eating an they, angel. Sorry, the other. Oh, it was eating the angel, and then it goes. Go, I was like, yeah. I'm like, yeah that, the, that's unsettling. So we were talking, we've talked about the second impact. Should we explain what those are to the audience real quick? Because I, I mean, love it. This far in, you have, you have to watch it. But like, the first impact is the when... The first impact happened billions of years ago when Lilith yes. came to Earth. And Lilith Adam and Adam was already there. Lilith and Adam. Yes. So he's well, saying- Adam was already there. Adam was already there. And so, then yeah. Lilith put up. Yes. Yeah. So, um... The, the seeds of life, Adam, they're, you're not supposed to have two of those on the same planet. That mm-hmm. was the problem. So Adam landed, and then Lilith also landed, and the thing that keeps them in check, the spirit of Longinus was broken, so that messed the whole thing up. Uh, ADV dub, uh, Lance of Longinus. It's the, the Lance of Longinus. Because alliteration is, is nice. Yeah, um, but yeah, uh, so, um, yeah so, so as, as I understand it, because Lilith's spear, or Lance of Longinus, was uh, destroyed. Adam went into hibernation. Yeah, he got the spear in him. Yeah. So, so, so Lilith, so Lilith populated the the yes. globe with. When we see, us. when we see Lilith uh, for the first time in the show, you can see where like the lower half is, and there's little human looking legs coming out of it. Doesn't that remind you of the ending of a certain movie? Dun 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 dun. Godzilla. Yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> Uh, it's impossible not to see the similarity there. Yeah, when I first saw that, it wasn't Shin Godzilla that my mind thought came to. My my brain was like, that is some grotesque imagery. What the fuck am I looking at? Put an explicit tag on this YouTube video. Well, well, uh, I'll, say, I'll say, like, the first time I saw it, I didn't think of Shin Godzilla either because it didn't exist. But I did. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the second impact was when they, tr- when they found Adam and they tried to meld him with human DNA. They took the the lance of Longinus out of him. Yeah. Yes, 
and the, and uh, that created the second impact, which which destroyed half, basically half the world. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. All of at least it looks like a lot of a hem, part of the hemisphere is just uh, bloody water. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not blood, but it's red water, which it's just an indication of like blood and like these crazy like icicles sticking out everywhere. Um, the yeah. world's in a bad spot, but it's interesting because this is technically like a post-apocalyptic show. But you don't really see any of the apocalyptic parts. No, mm -hmm. it is it is traditionally you're still in a regular looking city. It's not a regular looking city. It is a manufactured city that can be tossed underground at any I any mean, moment. In time. And but right, losing right. half the population was meant to show the isolation of of everybody there because yes. it if you lose half the population, it gets pretty lonely. We've all seen Endgame. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also they mentioned while I was trying to say it a few seconds ago was that they also mentioned that. Parts of Japan sank. Yeah, like they're going over. Like, oh yeah, this used to be this district. I used to my apartment was right down there. The but the polar ice caps melt. melt in, yeah, in episode five, melt. it's the first indication of 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 what really happened. It's when Asuka's fighting that whale monster, and they get dragged down to the bottom, and there's an entire city that sunk underwater. Yeah, yeah. and it's the first time you've seen like you've seen you, you know about like the apocalypse or whatever. Like you're like, oh my god, this is like. An it's entire actually, city. It's actually not entirely the first time because yeah. the first episode when we see the angel coming in through the water, it's swimming amongst buildings oh, okay. that are under it. the water. Okay, that's okay. That's fair. Um, so basically, the the plot of the show that we find out is that many people are trying to initiate the third impact, which would be which we which the Dead Sea Scrolls talk about is when Lilith wakes up. So the story that they tell is that Nerve is working to prevent it, but we know that Sele is actually trying to make it happen. Yes. Right. Yeah. And we know that get that Gendo works with Sele. Mm -hmm. But he's trying to make a different version of it happen. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. Everyone wants it to happen for, for different reasons. For different reasons. But Nerve is under is, is telling everyone, no, 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 we're trying to prevent it. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, like Sele is kind of like a death cult in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Where they're like, yeah, let's um let's do this human instrument. Let's like kill But they want it cult. just for themselves. They don't want the whole species. They want just them. The, the idea yeah. was that Sele was hoping that they would become one and become a god yeah. with yeah. Adam and Lilith. That they would do that and they would be in control. Right. Mm -hmm. um, not all of humanity. But Gendo's like, excuse me, I want to see my dead wife. Can I be included? Please? Thank you. And Gendo's goal is all of humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Hey guys, remember when you guys read Hawkspox and there was the year 1000 stuff about the collective trying to make all one giant collective mind? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Bam. 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 <laughs> How a giant hive mind of thoughts. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, where do you want to go from here? Do we go uh, to the. Uh, oh, oh, do we want to do like the, the, the flashback of like young Gendo and young. Yeah. Uh, Cause that I I like that episode a lot despite like, some of the stuff. Um, I, I keep forgetting the scientist's name. What's his name? Futsuki. Yeah. So you see him as a young professor who's uh, kind of been just like Gendo's dude he, up he to just, that point in the show, and then all of a sudden he has a character, and you're like, oh, yeah. okay. He has like yeah. like every couple episodes he has a philosophical philosophical debate with Gendo. It's just like you know, living with humans is pretty cool. And Gendo's like, no, nah, man, everyone needs to be isolated. And I'm like, oh, Gendo, come on. Uh, but yeah, Futsuki has this like. He's this young professor and a bunch of students like, hey, come drink with us, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so he goes that and he's like, yo, there's this guy Gendo. Can you go get him out of prison? Because uh, like he beat a bunch of people up or whatever, or he got beat up or whatever. Uh, and he's like, okay, sure. And Yuri's, Yuri's his favorite student. And Yuri's his favorite student. You know, they want to be like, uh, they want to be on good terms. So he Is goes Yuri or Yui? Yui. Yui. Yeah, it's Yui, Yui, right? 
yeah, Yui. Um, but Gendo, it's a a twenty year younger Gendo. Um, he looks like an old Shinji more than a young Gendo. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's like, listen, uh, I didn't get into a fight. I just don't fight back. But I'm real smart. You want to hang out with me? And they 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 develop a friendship. And uh, and uh, Tsuke is friends with Yui. Yui Akari, not Gendo Akari. That is not Gendo's name. We learn mm-hmm. that Gendo takes his wife's name, maybe for sinister reasons, maybe just because he really likes her. Could be both. Not sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, you also, also tell that uh, um, Fukusuki, he also has a bit of a crush on Yui. Yeah, lots of love. Like, love he, does, he, like he doesn't, he doesn't act on it, but you could tell he has feelings for her. One hundred percent. Oh yeah. I would make an argument that it's not 100% romantic, but more mentor friendship. I, I, I'm just saying, like, there's nothing in the text that says what it about needs to be interpreted as romantic. Where he's like, I can't wait to see Uwe's face again. Yeah, I'm talking, but I am just talking about the show. Okay. And I'm not talking about End of Ava. Okay. Um, uh, where, where it is left, like, just textually, if you're looking at just the show, yeah. there's nothing to say that it is a romantic thing. Yeah, could just be put on it, yeah. Uh, but but I, I understand that the romantic aspect is easily placed there. I mean, with um, everything else in this show, I wouldn't put it past it. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, Gendo. Gendo, who looks like the shittiest version of grown-up Shinji. Yeah, Shinji's dark future. <laughs> looks so gross. Yeah. Hate him. Yeah. But yeah. we learn the thing that uh, that I love, that it's not originally Nerve. It's Gahern. Yeah. Yeah, so there's... There was an entire other organization, and then some real shitty shit went down that they had to bury to make their realities come true. So then nerve happened. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you guys want to talk about some of that stuff because that's some heinous what shit is, going on. What does nerve stand for? It's a German word for soul. Oh, okay. I thought it was an acronym. No, uh, no, no. Sorry, Gehren is no. Sailing is the German is word for soul. Thank you. A lot of words. Nerve, nerve is the German word for something else. Oh, it's just nerve. It's just nerve. Yeah, it's just nerve. It's, yeah, because yeah. you have you have um you have brain, nerve, and soul. Uh, and soul. Uh, okay. Brain is the magi thing. Yeah, right, gotcha. Okay, yeah, I, I I really like that episode. The um I don't remember because I I watched a lot of recap videos, but they skipped over how nerve came about, so I don't remember how nerve. It's uh, it's because a, a little girl was murdered, and then the girl who killed her shot herself in the head. Oh right, right. right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, everybody moved except one person, and it's showing like the blood trail where her body went down yeah. on the Medjai. Um Let's talk real quick about Ritsuko's mom and the establishment in the show that the Magi are made up of three characteristics of her as a woman, yeah. uh, as a female person, which is uh, herself as a woman, as a mother, and, and a as scientist. a scientist. Yeah. Because that's all women could be, right? Uh, I I agree with what Waypoints has tried to say about this, which is like if the context is supposed to be like her breaking down the three aspects of her herself as a personal individual and that everybody can be broken down into the different aspects of themselves that are not necessarily like every woman is broken down into these three, but this is her personal breakdown, Mm -hmm. then it's cool. If you try to say that all women are just separated into these things, it's disgusting. Um, (laughs) So there's that. Uh, in the Netflix dub, when Fuyutsuki and Gendo meet on the ship, Gendo says, uh, Yui couldn't be here because... Um, she has a child to tend to. In the ADV dub, she's looking after our child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He specifically puts his own ownership on it. Yeah. Uh, and in the context of the show, I kind of like that Gendo throws it just on Yui. In the context of including, it, including End of Ava, I kind of prefer the ADV dub mm-hmm. where he says, our child. 
Yeah. Sure. Uh, he's like throwing it in his face almost. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because um, Gendo is absolutely the asshole to do that. Look how he treats his own child. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. That's a that's a solid episode. Uh, aside from like the uh, troubling depiction of Ritsuko's mother as a person who will, the moment she's called hag, choke a child to death, regardless <laughs> of the fact that she knows that child is manufactured. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's that's not great because um, you you gave us literally no indication that she has this that she has this angerness anger towards her or, or anger in herself i mean um because yes. up until then she's been a great mom she has a wonderful relationship with her daughter she's a she's a terrific scientist she has a relationship with gendo whatever um yes. but well, uh, up until oh, then like you don't see her as like a murderer lady well i mean right you really don't see that but we'll we're also kind of forgetting one part. She's the reason why she chokes out Ray One is because Ray One is telling her, like, yeah, this is what Gendo said. Yeah, but then people make fun of me. You don't kill not, someone for that's making not fun why of you. you. I mean, no, no, I'm not trying to. I'm, I'm not trying to. Time. It's I'm not, not that he forgot it. It's just that this is consequential. It doesn't matter what, what, who, who she heard it from. It's the fact that she's saying it, no matter what. Then, then my point her crazy. My my point is that it's very problematic to. Here's the thing. It's very problematic to depict a woman's relationship as being so fragile that at the moment of hearing that she's willing to completely murder a child by strangulation, which is not awesome. And then to imply that her daughter is exactly the same person with exactly the same flaws, a character who we've come to know in a different capacity, and it still doesn't make sense, is also not good. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. I see what you're saying now. This is, this is just the context of like, not great writing for the women on the show. Right. Just it just isn't. It's just not great writing for the women on the show. Yeah. Towards the end specifically. What's the dude's name? The the last guy we meet. The one who loves Shinji. Koru. 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 Yeah. Should we talk about him before we move into? Ev- yeah. I was going to jump to we we talk about Asuka. Asuka's hallelujah moment where her brain is being defiled yeah. and we see so much of her her stuff and her perspective on stuff. I love that episode. Yeah, It's probably one of my favorite episodes because I care so much about Asuka and it's so The part that messed me up, but I mean, the fact that she walks in and she sees her mother hanging, but also, I want to say this is after part of her mom's soul was taken and she's constantly asking Asuka to die with her. Yeah, dude. It's like, messed, that's up. messed up. Yeah. yeah. She's talking to a doll like it's her real daughter and she's like, oh, God. that's not my daughter. This doll is my daughter. Oh, that's the, the, again, the effect of the, the the effect of just seeing the door open in the different yeah. the, the different versions. So and, good. The, and, and just the image of like what the show is about. It's about like having a soul and having a vessel. And this doll is not a real thing, but this woman thinks that this real this so, doll is her daughter. It's like so many levels. So of that messed that up. episode is episode uh, twenty two or twenty three. And uh, this is where if you're not watching the director's cut ones, you're really missing a lot of context that clearly was meant to be there. Um, When I saw, when we saw the original version, a whole lot of what Asuka's going through is truncated. Mm -hmm. But in this version, it's very much expanded. You get a much clearer picture of her. Um, And it's much better for that. Same thing with the next episode, which is about where Ray blows herself up. Uh, In the non-director's cut version, uh, you don't get this imagery of uh, of a lot of what's happening internally for Ray, and you don't get this imagery of Ray uh, coming out through the angel towards Shinji, nor the Ava unit becoming Ray itself before it blows up. That's so all good. of that doesn't happen I, in, I was, in the non-director's cut. I was just watching that stuff. Yeah, and that stuff is so good. I can't yeah. believe I couldn't even believe that's not in the show. It's right. so fun. that's crazy to me. It's 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 very bizarre. But like the director's cut really amplifies all of that and what what Ray's doing in that moment. And this is the death of Ray too. Yeah. 
Dude, that whole, that whole fight with, like, the, the weird, the weird uh, like, halo that turns into a snake, then, yeah. like, balloons and the versions of Ray, like, what are just, like, uh, again, every angel is so interesting and diverse uh, in the way that it's created. Uh, There's some truly horrifying imagery, too, just in the whole show, but also, like, the veins going through yeah. Oh, yeah. Ray. Yeah. Gross. Dude, the, the 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 scene where Ray dies, where like she's in the angel, in the Ava, and she like she rises up, turns into Ray with a then, halo, with a halo, then explodes, uh-huh. destroys the whole city. I'm like, man, that's some that's some good imagery. Good job, yeah. buddy. Yeah, that sticks um, with you. Yeah, the the death of Ray too is is brutal, especially when uh, uh, Shinji is really depressed about it afterwards. Um, but then is told that Ray is alive, but Ray doesn't remember anything because it's not Ray; it's Ray three. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the prestige. Yeah. <laughs> and then he finds that out and all the rays are destroyed in front of him. Oh, with this with, is where they go down with Ritsuko and they see the graveyard of Ava's. Oh my yeah. god. Which by the way, again, big, big, big director's cut change. Not in the show. In the original broadcast version, there is a single angel Ava skeleton. Mm-hmm. Not hundreds. Just one. Just one. Just laying on the floor. It's very bland, actually, in comparison. And the graveyard is just a pit, a bun- a big bloody red pit of a bunch of Ava bodies. And I'm like, this is and there's a giant, wildly a different impact. A giant cross, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In case you forgot. Yeah. Uh, Dude, you know, that scene where where uh, I keep where Ritsuko it. has all the rage. Yeah, and, and she's just like boop, and then there's like all of them start deteriorating, and it's like, wow, oh, oh, oh my god, parts like, are falling off. Yeah, like it's some of, I remember some of them smiling too oh, yeah. as they're being decomposed. It's just they're laughing. They're laughing. Oh. They they don't have a soul. They're just vessels. They don't. Yeah. Yeah, that's another scene. There's a, quite a few scenes in Evangelion that have messed me up. That I'm just watching them going. The ray heads turn at once to look at oh, them. Oh God. Oh God. That's just <laughs> yeah. Um, this is where Ritsuko in the Netflix sub I think is start is written is performed better because she's much more in a collected state of mind, knowing what she's doing, making her own decisions. Um, in the ADV dub, she starts to sound like she's just completely unhinged mm-hmm. at this point. Um, I like this. I like this interpretation better. Um, questionable that Misato and Ritsuko both are like, no, this is okay for Shinji to see right now. This isn't going to mess him up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they've been through so much already and like we're reaching an end point. Like I, I don't, he, I don't know how much more he could see that won't that that like it's like oh like I guess I just add it to the pile like he's yeah. that dude's been through some shit already. I I, I find it more like I, you know it's fine, but like Misato didn't know what they were about to get into. Yeah, uh, she wanted Shinji to see the truth. She didn't know the truth was a bunch of ray bodies. Yes, because yeah. she's trying to be protective of him. And then we get to the introduction of Karu. Karu, in the next who is only in. One, one episode, one episode, one episode. And like, and like for like 30 seconds at the end of the last episode he's in it for one episode um but the impact that that guy has over not just shinji and the franchise but all of like evangelion's like fandom is really impressive and really just shows what that character means to a lot of people I, again despite I, being evil i really want to add some context real quick the director's cut episodes adds in a whole scene where karu is talking to the monoliths of sele yeah around him yeah doesn't exist in the original broadcast so I guess I have more ambiguity than him. Yes. Now I obviously I know who 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 he is, what what soul he has in his body, but I do remember, and this could be a, a dub issue, if or maybe I'm remembering wrong. It's implied. It's pretty implied that he's supposed to be the 18th angel. He is. He yeah. he's the 17th. 17th. Sorry, 17th yeah. angel. He is. And humanity is the 18th. 
Yes. Yes. Then. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You're right. Because uh, I, I, yeah. I got confused with that one because I, I, uh, yeah. I must have gotten the numbers messed up. When the Sele monoliths are around him, they flat out say that they're, they're talking to him and saying he is the soul of Adam. He's a fifth angel. Yeah. Uh, or fifth, fifth child. And uh, Gendo has the vessel. They say yeah. that plainly too, which uh, at some point in that episode, we also see Gendo with the eyeball in his hand talking to Yui and the Ava. Yeah. Yeah, I like uh, it's about here where, where the show kicks it into like, okay, we're almost done. Get ready to see some shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so Kabu is introduced and he already, already is just, is, Shinji is implied to be at the end of his ropes at yes. the beginning of the episode. He's looking out at the water and he's thinking about the fact that Toji and Kinsuke are wrong. Ray isn't real. He can't go to her. Asuka's practically a vegetable. Yep. Uh, and he doesn't trust Misato now. Mm-hmm. And so he feels completely alone. And then in come Karu. Just this dude, just right next to him, he's like, oh, hey, what's up? I'm a new kid. Who can connect and re- and sync rate with any Ava yep. at his will. I love I I love that every time, like, he's saying it out with Shinji, it's just, like, regular stuff. And then anytime any, like, the bad guys talk about him, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's the bad guy, all right. And then we just cut back to the cute teenager doing cute stuff with, with his friends. And then they cut back, and it's um, like, he's the angel! Uh, <laughs> it definitely started before this episode, but it's very strong in this episode. I want to talk about Makoto Hyuga. And his oh, the, clear, the his clear crush on Misato. Oh, she oh yeah. Technician who is uh, working with her, and uh, he he is ready to execute her own ulterior plans to self destruct the base at any moment. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Huga is wonderful. I love him to death. He what is the line he says like they're he's like he's uh, like you know going out next to you isn't so bad, and she's like oh thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's definitely, it's very cute. Yeah, I like I like that. I like that. I I really appreciated that. Towards the end of the series, we got to know a bit more about. In Star Trek, they're called the Bridge Crew, the people who yes. who have like dialogue, but we don't know who they are. Bookie and Huga and uh, Shigeru Aoba. Yeah, yeah. Um, we really get to know them as characters, which is kind of why it's a bummer in twenty five twenty six. It's just Shinji, but yeah. I, I appreciate End of Evangelion because we get more of them and kind of their story yeah. kind of revolves yeah, we'll, and wraps we'll, up. We'll talk about it. So yeah, we'll so uh, so Kadru's there. Um, he's hanging out with Shinji. Uh, they're getting along famously. Shinji is, is opening up to someone for like maybe the first time, like really ever. And then oopsie poopsie, uh, there's an angel inside the facility. Um, this is bad. How did this happen? Oh man, it looks like our new boy is actually a bad guy in the yeah. same episode. A lot of twist. <laughs> Didn't see it coming. And he has to, he crushes him to death. <clears throat> oh man, that's on a scene that lasts for literally like two minutes long. Right. Yeah. That's just like, am I going to do this? And the answer is yes. Yeah, for the, with Ode to Joy playing, which Karu was humming earlier. Mm-hmm. This is where the biggest gripe uh, for fans has come with the different translation from Netflix and ADV is mm-hmm. the uh, translation of uh, um, what I'm saying is I like you mm-hmm. instead of, in other words, I love you. Yeah. Right. Um, it's not a huge deal, frankly, because the context of the relationship is still very clear visually. They're still naked, naked, things naked happening. in a bathhouse together. However, I do understand that it's also like, so why? Why change it? Yeah. Why not have it be I love you? What was so wrong with having that? Especially for a show where it historically had so much meaning for people who felt like they could see something in the in the character of Shinji and Karu, that relationship that had not existed in anime prior to that. Yeah, right. Something that, especially in the States, a lot of fans felt like this is the first time I've seen homosexuality 
or bisexuality being represented when you're, in an anime. When you're when whether whether you're straight or gay, or whatever. Like, but when you're young and you find someone that you connect with on such a deep level, it feels like love. Like, like I mean, I'm sure we were all there when we were young. Like, um, even today, like you can like you know love at first sight or whatever. Um, but like Shinji <clears> is is he really feels like he might have found someone that like connects with him on a on a true level, and then it turns out or, that's or especially a lie. if you want to subscribe to the theory that Karu. Comes it's, from the manga timeline oh my God. to this timeline because he's already and loves already loves Shinji. Yes, in which case it's like he would flat out say, "I love you." Yeah, and um, many well, times, well, in many times during that video, an hour long video, and yeah. many times during that video, I'm like, "This guy's a crackpot." But <laughs> yeah. sometimes, yeah, you make a good point with that, that one. There. No, watch, watch that video. Yeah. No, watching that video, Fanny comes in and she looks at me. She's like, "Is this more confusing than Kingdom Hearts?" I'm like. At this point, yes. No, it isn't. No, it's not. I would I would argue no, it That's, is not. No, I get it. Like I get the it entirety of the timeline. I can track the Evangelion timeline. Yeah. And I can make I, I like I can see where it makes sense. Like if you actually like you're not gonna get all of it from an hour long video, but if you went down the line and absorbed all that content, you'd understand how it overlays into each other and you'd understand what it makes sense in as much as Evangelion itself does. Mm -hmm. Kingdom Hearts is a mess because I don't even think the creator really gets it. Nope. Uh, so, you know, yeah. second phase coming this year. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So uh, it, it is just something where I kind of edge towards, it's not a big deal. It's not, it's not like you shouldn't watch, watch the Netflix stuff because of this, but I right. do stand by where I'm like, I understand that this means something to people. I understand that this was very formative for people. Uh, and I think that there's just no good reason to have changed it. Yeah, so they yeah. shouldn't have. Uh, um, I wish that they had taken the time to recognize specifically this line. There are other lines where it's like, oh, it. but this line, it's like, you should have recognized that that means something to people and left right. it as this. Yeah, um, I, no, go ahead. I was going to say, because obviously this is my first time uh, watching the show, and but I didn't know about that line change because that was like the big hot button topic when Evangelion was finally released on Netflix, For sure. and people were like, were up in arms about it. And when I finally did get to that scene, when I was watching it, I was like, it's very clear that Kaoru has feelings for Shinji. Yeah, it's, 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 it's no um, matter how much you change the text, yeah. uh, even if it's important, like they are both hanging out in, naked in a bathtub together. Yeah. Like that's, you can't get any more explicit than like that. Like, like, who hasn't been naked in a bathtub with their friend? No homo, right? Not, not at least five months. <laughs> but I mean, like the second Carl grabs Shinji's Sparks. hand and Shinji doesn't. <laughs> what? Go ahead, Ben. The second Carl grabs Shinji's hand and Shinji doesn't automatically like take his hand away like he has with Masato, like he has with Asuka. Yeah, and it's like it's very clear that Shinji may have feelings for him, and it's also like the seat word because when he says, "In other words, I like you," I kind of saw it as a like they're all they're all in high school as like a way of like not going at several like strip saying "I love you." It was kind of it's kind of like when you're in high you're like in middle school and high school and you really like a person's like yeah I like you like you yeah but I do get what other people are saying where it's like but if you take away the whole "I love you" part that changes the that changes so the scene. The translation thing, because this is brought up in waypoints. So in Japan, mm -hmm. they have a word that we don't have. Um, that basically, it's the it's the term for like like. It's mm -hmm. between liking and loving, right? right? So for some people, or at least for the translator, his thing was the actual the actual word that they use is not love. It's it's the teenage version of like I like you like you. 
So for right. him, not saying he's right, for him, he felt that the I like you thing felt more romancy teenagery than just saying I love you. Uh, right. I think, honestly, I think both work. I, I really do. Mm -hmm. I do too. Uh, yeah. I just, I just, I understand. I'm not taking it away, yeah. For sure. I just, yeah. I totally understand the history of like people feeling like why did the, why did it have to change if it was already pre-existing for Americans mm -hmm. yes. that watch the show as one thing? It feels like you're trying to bury it. Yes, and I understand course. that, especially for people who are more sensitive to it than me. Yeah, um, I totally get it. Oh yeah, so do I. I still think the intent is there. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it super sucks that uh, Shinji feels deceived by Karu, and they have to have a cool fight where Karu hangs out outside of the mech. He's just floating. He's fighting. He's Ava floating too. like Magneto, <laughs> just like yeah. chilling. Uh, and Ray Three has uh, made her way down. Yeah. and appeared uh, above Lilith. Because mm -hmm. Ray 3 is tuned into things now uh, in a way that no Ray before ever has been. Yeah, right. Um, She's got all that knowledge. Yeah. Uh, and Karu notices her, which is shit that matters for End of Evangelion. Oh, yeah. um, but not so much for the next two episodes. Yes. Uh, yeah, the 24 is a, pr a pretty powerful episode. Um, before we move on, I just want to talk about, like, uh, how did you guys feel? Because I don't think Ryan and I, or I can remember, but how did you guys feel... Having watched this episode and knowing there were two more. Well, look, I've seen people wrap up some things real quickly. So I'm like, you can still do it. But yeah. I just don't think there's a lot left. I don't I don't know how you can do that so quickly. Yeah. Right. But uh but I also knew that end of Evangelion was coming. So I had the knowledge of End of Evangelion to be yeah. like, well, at least if well, I guess at least if he doesn't wrap it up too well, and does so, I'm sure there is an ending that he did. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, when when I got to the episode with Karu, I was actually surprised how late he showed up because I thought Karu was he eventually grows a, a relationship with Shinji over time. It wasn't he was it wasn't just a one and done episode. So for me, I'm like, and then when I got and I just double checked the episode list, I'm like, I only have two episodes left what what's gonna happen i will I, and then i dived into those final two episodes that's what i said when i was watching to 25 and 26 yeah because yeah. once i got to episode 24 we get karu and we get all that shit happening with there and then it's like oh my god the last angel is here and i'm like i was like i was like oh shit is this gonna i was expecting like a big anime showdown i was expecting like shinji and ava year one just going through all this emotional trauma while he's fighting and then with the episodes i did get i'm like because there were times when I'm watching the last two episodes, I'm like, what? Not, not had, even like, not like not I had a legit moment. I was like very confused. Like, as Ben, to, to bounce off of what Ben was just saying, I had a legit moment where I stopped episode 25 and I was like, I missed something. There's an episode missing that I just skipped over on accident. <laughs> right? Certainly. What is, where, where am I? Yeah. Imagine, man. So now that we're here, um, it had major production problems near the end of the show. Um, as you can clearly see, it's a lot of no animation. Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot of just a lot of people talking, being introspective. So if you look into it, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of hearsay about why this happened. Yeah. Um, a whole lot of people on the production team will tell you that Anno wasn't getting scripts done in time. But he'll throw the rest of the production team under the bus and say that it was like, you know, we running on, on schedules that they weren't meeting and things yeah. like that. So we'll never really know the whole story, to be honest. Right. Um, but like, there were things. <laughs> as a but as a storytelling device, I actually think the animation works really well. As Shinji is being stripped of himself, the animation yeah. strips back. 
I mean, uh, what I, go ahead. Okay, because when I was watching, especially episodes twenty five and twenty six, there's the. I mean, we I saw quite a bit in um, in like recaps and like the philosophy ex, like explaining the ending of Evangelion. There's the scene. It's just like the black lines of the are drawing Shinji and a bunch of stills just happening in very rapid order and behind him. Like that's what fills him out. That's my favorite and, part. And I'm because when I got to that part, I'm like, oh, so we're in Shinji's mind. Yeah. This is happening. I think that's where I finally got it to. Mm. Like, this is Shinji finally facing every single inner demon that he has had his entire life. The abandonment of his father, his hatred towards his dad the wanting to be loved by his mom, his trying to form a, a relationship with Asuka and Ray, and even some repressed sexual feelings that he may have towards them. Don't and just like all this crazy shit into one, what in these two episodes and it turns into. And it, I was it, cute it, and pretty, it was cute and pretty quickly that we were in Shinji's mind. Well, they tell, the they tell you at the top of episode 26, not episode 25, but episode 26, mm -hmm. they tell you at the top in the tile cards that they say the human instrumentality project was happening to combine all of humanity into one. Yeah. Uh, there was too much happening to be shown at this time. There's no time to show anything else, but we are showing you what happened to Shinji. Right. Mm -hmm. so you just know that this is Shinji's perspective. Mm -hmm. Which also would imply that episode twenty-five is not just Shinji's perspective. Oh no, because that we also get um, Asuka going through her stuff. Uh, we get yeah. Masato going through her thing because it's we get Asuka, we get Masato, Asuka, and then Shinji. I yeah. want to say in that order because Ray isn't mentioned. I don't think. My, my point with that is there's a gray area amongst the fandom about is episode twenty-five truly Asuka and Misato examining themselves, or is it? them being examined through the eyes of Shinji okay. because Shinji appears for both of them. Right. And says, I am the Shinji that exists in, in their head. heart. Yes. And, uh, and they say, I am also the version that exists within Shinji's heart, which question of questionable of if they are honest interpretations of themselves. Mm, sure. Um, I lean towards that. They are the case studies that are, they themselves going through the human instrumentology project that we are being given a glimpse of what they do, that, yeah. but that it is connected to Shinji because that is what is happening is them becoming one before it just becomes Shinji is the person observing things and deciding for himself. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the, the last These episodes, episodes are wild. Yeah. The last yeah, they episodes are. Are, are definitely some of the most uh, experimental I've seen in anime. I haven't oh, seen yeah. a lot of anime, so that's not a high bar, but it is definitely, it is definitely something. As as a as a fan of experimental like uh, crazy, I like I, David Lynch. I love David Lynch, right? That dude's a king of experimental nonsense. Um, hearing all the controversy about how much people hate the ending, and then finally seeing it, I get it. But I'm a guy who likes weird endings, so the congratulations ending, I'm all about it. Yes. I real I really am all about it. Um, the way to get there, the way to get there, I might like. I I wish they could have figure some shit out instead of just do that one but, thing that it took me so hard so long to realize is that that ending is meant to be happy it's a it's it's a, it's good, a ending. good ending yeah it, shinji has le has let down his his at his at at field right you know what at stands for absolute terror. Uh, absolute terror I, I, that's so awesome yeah absolute terror field get out of here um and he he lets it he lets it down and allows his consciousness to be melded with everyone else in the human instrumentality project which is why everyone's clapping that's supposed to be happy. That's the end of the human race. It, again, it's it's 
there's so many things going on. It is a happy ending. It is a really happy ending because all of humanity is now one single thing. Um, there's a huge case to be made that this is a bad thing because the people of the planet did not ask for this, mm -hmm. despite it living in the apocalypse. It's really it's like we're just doing what we think is best for humanity, which is very much a bad thing to do. So mm -hmm. I, that's why I love the ending because it is absolutely, man, you did it, Shinji. I'm so happy for you. We're all dead. Yeah, we're, we're not dead, we're, but we're not individuals anymore. We're a single thing. Congratulations. You might, as, you might as well be dead because you've lost all sense of self. Exactly. So, like, I that's why I love the indie because it is so you take it however you want to take it, man. It's 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 a mess, and I and I I I like it much more than the end of, end of Evangelion ending, mm -hmm. where that is a much more definitive sad ending. Um, whereas this one's just like it's happy. Don't look too much into it, though. But I, I, I've all my my interpretation in rewatching them with End of Evangelion has been that the the congratulations is the prelude to when Shinji breaks breaks the yeah. the singularity. Yeah. Um. But uh, I I my whole thing is uh for us so two things um I think twenty five and twenty six would have been stronger if we had not done the episode where Shinji was lost in the LCL. Yeah. And he basically had the same argument with different words. Sure. It's true, now, yeah. here's the thing. He's asking different questions of himself in these episodes, which is great. But the answers are the same. And the answer that Shinji comes to is the same. Except for the way that Shinji decides to break through and acknowledge uh, that I, I want to try to be myself. Uh, I want if I can just appreciate myself, I can make maybe not uh, you know everything will be great, but like I want to see tomorrow, and I don't know if uh, everything will be great in the future, but at least I want to try. And uh, as a story that is supposed to be about Shinji's depression, that is a better version of like not saying there is no cold hard fix to Shinji's depression, but there is an amount where he gets to decide I can take the next step, yeah, and yeah. I can make that choice. And I kind of agree with us something that the people on Waypoint say, which is that I think the ending would have, I, I the perfect ending to me is ambiguous, which is that Shinji breaks the glass and then there's white and nothing. And you are left to interpret what that means because the future is unknown. And that's what Shinji is throwing himself into an unknown future where every time he's going to keep trying, even if he says specifically, even if I keep coming to the same conclusions, even if the same things keep happening to me, I'm going to try, which is, and what, that's what depression and really feels like yeah. is trying to just get yourself through to the next day and, that's and what trying makes, to take um, on the hope that, you know, I don't know that I'll be okay today, tomorrow, all that. But I like to believe that in the future I will be. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think that would have been a stronger conclusion than him breaking into the congratulations, even though the congratulations is like one of, it's super iconic to me in a way. And I kind of like it for that. I do think the stronger emotional ending is the unknown yeah. for Shinji. He breaks through and it's unclear what will happen in the future because it's unclear to Shinji, but he wants to try. So yeah. the same yeah. dialogue, the same emotional beat, but not the congratulations. One of the things that I that I actually find interesting about the <clears throat> end of the show and the end of and the end of Evangelion, the movie, is that it's it should be reversed. Yeah, at the end of end of Evangelion, he stops the human instrumentality project and maybe saves the human race, I guess. Uh, but it's meant to be sad. It, the tone, it's totally very sad. It's totally very depressing. And if you really look into it, it is depressing. And yes. then the end of the show, it should be depressing because he loses his sense of self. All humanity has is, is been wiped out into this, into this whatever. 
but it's happy. And it's, and it's totally supposed to be happy. I just find that really interesting. The the kind of contrasting sides of the two yeah. of the two endings. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Again, much like the credits, where something really sad will happen and then a pop song will start playing. Like it does that exact same thing where it's the opposite, where it makes you feel the opposite. Like yeah. everyone's <laughs> happy here, but I'm pretty sure the world just ended. Yeah. yeah. Like, or, like, at, or at the end, or at the end of Ev- Evangelion, it's like I'm really sad, but they're alive. Yes. They're the only ones alive. <laughs> yeah, if you want to read it that way, yeah. I like the ambiguous ending of End of Evangelion because you can read it as like they're the new Adam and Eve and they have to repopulate the human yeah. race, or yeah. everyone else is going to walk out of that ocean. Yeah, there is there is a line that directly says everyone else can come back to life if they find their way. So yeah. it, at the end of it, and, and end of Evangelion, so like that is I guess also a happy ending, but like Shinji specifically, his actions at the end of that movie are not good actions. Yeah, because he is trying to say he. This is are we talk, are we talking about it in the Viva? Uh, I, I think let's just wrap on the yeah. twenty five twenty six stuff. Um, I, I just want go to talk back. about like uh, sure. I just want to talk about like uh, in twenty five twenty six. There's some stuff where like uh, I I find like the black box theater motif to be a little ham fisted, but I understand that like it, it was early on in like this kind of experimental stuff, so I understand the choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, uh, some of it works, some of it doesn't. I, I wish that um, we were given more clear context of that we are seeing Misato's true experiences and Asuka's true experiences in the Human Instrumentality Project rather than the vagueness of, like, are these Shinji's painted images? Just right. to make that feel more fully fleshed out. Um, because I, I'm much more interested in knowing that they're recovering through their experience rather than... Uh, possibly not really being theirs but belonging to shinji yeah i got you um i i really like the entire sequence uh a lot of shinji falling through the white space yeah and gendo creating the line uh which orients his world and and like the discussion of like you can be any shape you can imagine all of this you can be just one person but you'll always just be one person unless you have another person to help you center yourself and all that kind of stuff is visualized really well it's it's pretty much all of the new animation is in that sequence and is really cool yeah um yeah i i, I like the sequences in in 25 20, 26 it's just it's such a it's such a confusing watch going from 24 to 25 yeah yeah and that, you know if you want if you go from 24 to to end which has 25 and 26 again uh i think it's a it's a much smoother transition Sure. I mean, like, uh, in an ideal world, like, outside of 25's, like, very beginning, which is taking place moments after the end of 24, uh-huh. um, there's a perfect world where you edit in where the things of 25 and 26 actually fit to end of Ava yeah. um, and, and things like that. I'm just going through a couple of notes that are specifically about the show before we move into end of Ava Galleon real quick. Uh, if anyone else has anything else to say about these last episodes. No, most of most of what I... Most of what I have left is about the movie. Um, I, I I do really I do really like the show, but for me the the, the movie solidifies the the whole the the whole thing because I think a lot of the heavy themes uh, are are in are in the movie and they're and they're kind of expressly stated that this is kind of what this is what we've always been building towards. This is what the this is what the themes of the show are. Uh, and I think there's there's a lot of interesting stuff to dig through. I agree, uh, but much like an Endgame, there's no way you can watch that movie without having the thing before it. No, absolutely not. 
Right. I feel bad for people who are just like, oh, there's a new anime movie out? Oh my god, what? <laughs> Why is he jerking off into his hand? Oh god, right? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, what's your favorite uh what's your favorite angel from the series? Uh what was the the one in space, the technicolor one? That dropped the orbital bombs? Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I like that one. I want to say the the pyramid one, the diamond yeah. one. Yeah. Where they had to like fire a sniper rifle at it. I want to say that yeah, that I'm pretty sure but the one I remember the most is the big giant eyeball with the wings. Yeah. Yeah. What about yours, Ryan? Um I like them all so much. Um I mean, I really like I don't think I don't think she counts. I I really like Lilith's design even though she's uh I don't she's she's a uh, she's not Adam, but she's just a Lilith or whatever. She's know. she's she's the black seed of life. Oh yeah, yeah, we didn't touch on the the idea that so the the geo the geofronts the geofront in Japan that's her seed of life. Yeah, yes. it's the moon. It's the black moon. Yeah, that's so wicked. Yeah, yeah, and they just kind of built inside of it and created like, and that's why she that's why she was there. She was always there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, the white I, and the white moon Adam was in Antarctica. Yeah, I think my favorite is is the the black and white sphere. <laughs> Because that's not the actual. That's not the Ava. It's the shadows. The Ava. Yeah. Or the Adam. Excuse me. So I. Uh, angel. I will. I will talk about <laughs> here. Um, in episode nineteen, uh, Shinji's strongest moment is uh, uh, when he's trying to get the Ava to go for him. Before it goes berserk, he says, "Everyone will die, and I don't want that anymore." Anymore. Uh, just hitting on on how Shinji wanted everyone to die before that. Yeah. Um, and uh, I really like in the Netflix dub. It's a lot clearer that the different actors, the different voice actors are repeating the moments of Asuka saying things in Asuka's case study mm-hmm. than in the ADV dub. It's not as clear that it's the other voice actors doing it, but in the Netflix one, you can clearly hear like, oh, this is Misato. In the reg- regular Asuka. one, it's just Asuka. All, yeah, it's all. just Asuka all the time. That's yeah. what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah, it's it's much better to have it be these different voice actors and Asuka saying, no, that's not me. That's not me. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ritsuko and Misato both uh, exemplify relationships with abusers of different kinds, and it's a real shame that there's no stronger stance given to their struggle against these patterns. And uh, even though Misato comes out on the, a little bit better in the end about it, um, these are probably their weakest characterization elements are the things related to the, this idea of like them being in these relationships with the abusers as a pattern of like women women being uh, desperate for the affection of bad men. Yeah. yeah. And it's a, it's a just sucks that that's the only perspective given in the show. Girls yeah. like bad boys. Them. Um, we can go on to End yeah, of Evangelion. End of Evangelion has two sequences, expands on two sequences that you see in 25 and 26. The, um, I'm so bad with names. Um, Misiko? Misiko? Misato. Misato. Thank you. Um, uh, she, her lifeless body, and then the other one's lifeless body, yeah, uh, are in are in those those last two episodes, and you don't know why they are, you don't know what happened, but yeah. you get that you you find out in End of Evangelion uh, exactly what happened. There is there is that opening fight with Sile invading Nerve is messed up. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I love but you it. know what's more messed up? The opening. Yeah. Where he jerks off to yeah. his comatose body, which we cannot not talk about. Yo, uh, Hideki Anno, what's going on? So here's the thing. Uh, I like a lot of things in End of Evangelion, but I really, really hate Shinji. And the thing yeah. is that nothing in the show ever made me hate Shinji. 
he felt like a victim. He was narcissistic and selfish, but he was never a bad person. Mm-hmm. Shinji is actively an asshole in End of Evangelion and a victim, uh, he, but that's not an excuse, he, and it sucks. Yeah, he regresses all of the all of the progress he made, and in End of Evangelion, he's back in his shell, even worse than before, where he doesn't even talk, where he's just like he's just sad all the time until yeah. he actually does something. And I'm like. I just watched 26 episodes of you learning how to overcome this, and now we're literally back to square zero. No, that's what I thought too. Um, no, you yeah, it sucks. I'm getting back uh, when, like, when, like, when shit's going down, and when uh, Misato is trying to get Shinji back, and Sile is attacking there, and like, we need to get Shinji up, and Shinji's just like laying down. All that I'm like, dude, I remember you were up and ready to kick ass and take names. Why are you like this again? Yeah, yeah. What, and, what the hell happened? And so again, like, credit to waypoints i think they say it really well shinji in the show is a character suffering from depression shinji in evangel in the end of evangelion is de- depression incarnate yeah and that's just what he is he is just depression itself uh and that's not a good character no um, yeah, it's but- not a good character arc and it's really crappy yeah i think yeah, the uh, uh oh sorry if you want to touch more on no, that go ahead go ahead no no uh, okay. No, but I mean, going back to the original, to our talking about the scene with Shinji over Asuka's comatose body, and I was like, "What?" Like when they just like when it's just Shinji over Asuka, and that, that we hold that scene for way too long. It holds on right? it so long. Yeah, I'm like, "What the hell is going on here?" And we get that split second of that. It's shot real time. And then we get that shot with his hand. I'm like, "Doesn't he, he even do say it. to himself like?" Like I'm, I'm so gross. I'm the lowest. I'm so gross. In the original yeah. dub, he says, uh, "I'm, I'm effed up." Yeah, oh, he swears. He yeah, he says, I'm "In the ADB dub, he said, i effed up." I mean, yeah. again, is it's not okay because you recognize that it's bad, but you still put it in your show, you know, or your movie. You know what I mean? Like you're not, yeah. you're not, you're not subverting my thoughts. No, he on he wants you to. He wants you to hate Shinji. That's but why the sequence is. That's why the sequence is in there. I don't know why he does, but the sequence. The only reason, the only thing that makes sense to me why that sequence is in there is because he wants you to hate Shinji. I just don't understand why you you make it again. And this is he's going through lots of depression himself. So like he might just be in a completely different mindset while making this movie than making the show. But yeah. he just had the entire show try to help us make us sympathize and like relate to Shinji and help him overcome his trauma. Why would you make the sequel thing not that? Why I don't understand why he chooses this. Is what I mean. Oh, like, I agree. Me from a total he, story point of view, there is some some stuff that I saw that there's some hearsay. We don't know if this is true or not, but he he made the movie. Um, he obviously made the movie in response to the criticism of the last two episodes. But there there's some of there's some sites that I've seen to speculate that it could have been spiteful. Yeah, and he was kind of doing it to be like, okay, fine. You want the you want the oh, he's answer? Doing, he's there's an amount. Slide. There's an amount of him being blatant that he didn't like how fans sexualized relationships between the characters that he didn't 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 intend to be that way uh whether it's shinji and asuka or shinji and misato and there's an amount that you can say that but like that that doesn't i i i stand by the point that like i shouldn't have to contextualize how ano is feeling about what he's trying to say to to those fans about those moments in observing the text if i'm just observing the text of the movie shinji's gross and this sucks yeah Yeah, uh and there's there's just no way around that um i'm just gonna ask real quick if because we're not live can we take a brief pause because i'm really confident luna has to go to the bathroom yeah yeah
What were we? Were we at a specific... masturbation? So be the cut. So Shinji's <sighs> gross. Gross, and it sucks, and it's 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 just like uh, it, regardless of what you were bringing up, Brandon, like how he's trying to kind of like stick it to the fans of the sexual sexualization of Asuka and things like that. This is not the way to do it. This is just like the, like you you can you can do something, but this is very hard for me to get over as uh, as acceptable in my appreciation of what End of Evangelion does do well, um, what it does with Shinji in almost all aspects of it is is hard to accept sure um there's a version of a story where you're saying that shinji uh because in doing this shinji has just become an abuser yeah uh, there's no way around it shinji is now an abuser uh he is very much like his father he's on a path to be gendo 2.0 um you could tell that story where shinji is inevitably going to become like gendo uh this was not well built to, nor is it well delivered. Sure. Um, yeah, if there's no, can we, if you guys don't mind, do you want to bounce off that and go into something else? Yeah, I'd yeah. love to move on from that jizz hand. Okay. okay. Uh, I love the designs of the uh, Avas, of the manufactured, of the, the manufactured Ava series. Yeah. Yeah. I thought those things were terrifying. I, I agree. Uh, everything, mouths, yeah. everything around like Asuka fighting them and that that whole that's the best part of the movie. Yeah. It's, it's such an exceptional fight. She only has a couple minutes to kill nine of these things. Yeah, uh, and like, then they all get back. Get yeah, back so they, like End of Evangelion has one of my favorite things in it, which is Asuka's acknowledgement of her mother existing within her Ava, and mm. then going, oh. Now I'm okay. Now I understand all this. I understand what's been going on with me, and I understand that my mom is right here, and I'm gonna kill everything. Yeah. Uh, and she becomes the the greatest, most powerful warrior ever. And I'm like, Asuka's fantastic. Yeah. I, I heart her so much. And what sucks is that the movie, at the same time, takes away all the impact of that by making it so that the Ava series just regenerates itself, yeah. and everything she did was still for nothing. Again, this is and. Yeah. I'm devastated. It's, oh god, it's again and just the mangled like, Ava body as they eat it. Yeah. Um. Again, tonally, it feels like, like in a way, Brandon, you're almost right. Like he's almost, he's almost like making this movie to just like not not piss people off, just to be like, you guys got the happy ending, so now we are getting the worst. We are all getting the the dark timeline that everyone thought they weren't going to get. So like, yeah. yeah, like even though Oscar has this brilliant victorious moment, uh, it's for nothing. It's uh, like he, it's like he went. Well, I can explain exactly what happened. But you're not gonna like it. Yeah. And I mean, like the thing is that just I wish it didn't make it feel like everything Asuka did because like her her victorious success is undercut by like, but it means nothing. Yeah. So f her. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. no. I, I wish that there had just been secretly more Avas that are able mm -hmm. to do the instrumentality or done something else that still allowed Asuka to have defeated those Avas. To yeah. still allow that to have at least the the impact of she did do this, and again but they take that away from her, and I hate it. And it's interesting too because you, I don't know if like it's meant to believe like that she dies when when she when uh or, or yeah she dies right like is that is that implied like when when the spike I, I thought she died right so sure shows she up at the end so that's like so why is, have her lose that so the thing is that uh, I I assume her death happens when her arm splits. The, when yeah. she's reaching up in her arms beautiful path. man beautiful uh and oh, i assumed that. that that was her death but then she enters the instrumentality just like everyone else yeah 
uh, and so comes so, out the other end. But does that mean the people who are already dead join there as well? Because wouldn't she be dead? We see uh, we see Ritsuko and Misato clearly went into instrumentality oh, yeah. because Ritsuko's clothes floating in the LCL are left. Oh, that's meaning right, she entered instrumentality oh, you're as right. well. Yeah, yeah, you're so right. yes. Okay, yeah. Cool. Could be yeah. recently dead will be able to enter because the consciousness was still there. There's Civil War soldiers who are like, oh, it's my time! <laughs> we waited long enough! <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, well, yeah, I, I really like that. I really, really like that moment with them. Um, oh, crap, I forgot what I was going to say. Ben, you go. No, um, I was going to talk about Asuka's fight scene. Because, I mean, obviously we see As- Asuka comatose. We see her in her own funk for the few episodes. And then when she's in her Ava and she's still... And we get those flashbacks with, between her and her mom, and then the AT field pops up, and it finally clicks that her mom was in the Ava. And then she just, and we see Asuka, like essentially the version of Asuka that we all know and love the no holds barred, ready to kick ass and take names. And I was cheering for her the whole time when she was just wrecking those Avas. And when, like, when she gets unplugged, she's like, I got five minutes. That's 20 seconds for each of these mother effers. Let's go. Plenty of time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, and then when like when she's reaching up and after those Avas, I'm like, oh no, don't tell me this is this is it. And then when her arm splits, I hate. I was like, damn it all. Her but eye gets impaled, the, blood pouring yeah, down. The, the lance of Longinus, the manufactured lance of Longinus that hits the the Ava unit in the head. Yeah, yeah. Just every, just every, all those things. And when the other Avas come and start eating um, unit two, <clears throat> I I thought. That's it for Asuka. She's done. She's done. She's dead. She ain't coming back. And this I that. that's pretty much true in a in a fashion. Yeah. 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 Gendo Gendo does a thing that I also much like Jizz hand. Uh, Gendo does a thing that I'm just kind of like, why did you need to do that when when he merges Adam Adam's embryo with 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 uh, Ray, and he does it by grabbing her breast. And then pushing in. And I'm just like, can't you do like the stomach or Yeah, it's well strange. he brings it down towards the stomach after. Yeah, yeah like if you're doing that anyway, there, you just want to be a pervert. Yeah, it's again like I don't like what what Anno is, is trying to tell us with this, but to me it's just like it's just gross. Like I don't, yeah. I don't like, again, like it's it is gross. I think there is still like some context to the fact that Ray looks like Yui. Sure. And mm-hmm. Gendo has spent years, I think in infanticizing Ray to be a replacement for Yui, mm-hmm. it doesn't make it acceptable. I just I understand. I understand that that relationship has never not been sexual on some level to Gendo. Right. Whether okay. whether or not he'd ever acted on it before, it's always been somewhat sexual, or he wouldn't have made Ray look like Yui. Yeah. Right. Because that's a choice he made. That choice, uh, and that's it, that's really gross. It is yeah. gross, but Gendo's gross. It's not surprising. Yeah. Gendo's the father of Shinji, yeah, and he's constantly been an abuser. Gross, so gross men all the way around. The, uh, the imagery of the of the Lilith Ray is terrifying, dude. That scene is so cool. Uh, yeah, so Lilith or um, excuse me, Ray is like, uh, oh Gendo, I'm not gonna help you, and mm-hmm. Gendo's like, oh, excuse me, and she's just like, yeah, bye, and she just get she just gets absorbed into Lilith, and then Lilith becomes this giant beautiful thing. Well, like, even oh before gosh. that, like, well, even before that, there's um. There's this part like when Ray is talking, like Ray is also like completely naked. I'm like, okay, that's weird. But then also, her arm just, her arm just falls off. Yeah, and I'm like, what? She doesn't have a soul, so that vessel is falling apart. 
Yeah. yeah. And I yeah. was just like, this is freaking. And then, of course, Gendo does like the whole, like, I'm going to put Adam into you and she grows her arm back. And then she just flips off Gendo essentially. She's like, yeah, I'm not going to help you. Screw you. I'm going to do my own thing. Uh, at at a, some point before all this, she's just floating in LCL. Yeah. Uh, it's not clear really what that means, why yeah. she's doing it. Yeah. Um, she just is. Maybe because LCL comes from Lilith. Yes. Uh, maybe that's what's keeping her from deteriorating. There's an argument to be made for that. It's, it's just, it's left completely ambiguous and unclear. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of problem with Ray, Ray's characterization, specifically because she decides that she's going to go do all this for Shinji. Which makes no sense because Ray 3 has no memories of Ray 2. She isn't Ray 2. She's not that character. So this doesn't make a ton of sense. I saw I saw a reading of it that I that I I assumed was what they were doing. But let me see if I can if I can accurately explain it. Sure. It it's the it it is the fact that she was cloned from from um, uh, the mother, and and she and she and she is doing it because she knows that Gendo has mistreated their child. And so she's doing it as like a, as like a revenge to be like, you shouldn't have mistreated our kid. I think doing a lot of reaching. Yeah. Especially because nothing in Ray two's existence gives us any indication of that. And this is a further stretch removed than that from the initial Mm -hmm. Ray. Um, So that's hard for me to, to say is supported by what we're given. Sure. Um, I think you can do leaps to justify it for sure, uh, but I don't. I don't see that in what we're given. You know, mm-hmm. Ben. No, I was going to mention that the scene, like when the instrumentality is, sta- is starting, and um, Gendo is being picked up by Ava Unit One, and Ava Unit One bites his head off. Yeah, baby. Yeah. That's, gonna that's... something specific about it, or no? Because I was saying that that's because Ava Unit One obviously has the soul, has a soul, but I'm, I was trying to kind of support Brandon's thing is like that's essentially that's U.S. soul oh, yeah. for mistreating Shinji this whole time. But it's also that's not true. super clear because Ava Unit 1 is in the sky. Yeah, you're right, you're right, because I was like, but wait, Ava Unit 1's up in the sky, so. Because it's like, is that really happening, or is this just Gendo's interpretation of his death? I don't well, know. I, I don't because know either. Ava Unit 1 doesn't look like that at that moment and is farther up in the atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, So I don't know. Uh, The only thing that I took away from it that's important is that we see everybody else turn into orange goo. But Gendo does turn into orange goo, which implies that Gendo's not welcome to instrumentality. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the only interpretation that mattered to me is that Gendo is not allowed to be part of instrumentality, which Mm -hmm. is kind of like an ironic F you to him. Because he's the one who who wanted it to be with Yui. Now, no question about about instrumentality and the third impact. Third impact and the instrumentality, they're not the same thing. The third impact is what would wipe out all life on the planet they're, and the instrumentality they're, they're, is saving them. I'm pre- I, I think it's supposed to be implied that they are the same thing, mm-hmm. right? Because the third impact is what is 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 created, well, is added mm-hmm. by combining forces. Let me see if I can, let me see if I can re- rephrase. Uh, without third, without mm-hmm. instrumentality, Third impact still happens. Yeah. Oh. Yes. Yes. So look, uh, third impact is uh, Lilith, Lilith's connection with Adam. Yes. The great. Right. That's God. that's the super god. That's third impact. That's why they right. don't want them together. Human instrumentality project is the combination of all humanity into one, which is what Gendo wanted to happen. 
and ultimately what is happening uh, by the choice and will of the the Ray Lilith thing that decides I'm going to do that, but not for Gendo for Shinji, mm-hmm. and let Shinji decide. I see. Which is a are little, they, which is a little infuriating. Are they? But using... because be, be, because Sele's version was different. What they wanted was different. So we know that it's not the same thing. Right. Third Impact starts it, but they were going to try and make it do a different thing. I think the right. Third Impact, um, <clears throat> it's what allows it, like, killing all those people uh, is thing, like what sends them to the hin- instrument and human instrument in ta- the human instrumentality project. I think I think they're they are simpatico together. Right. Like you need yeah. one to have the other one basically happen. I think. Because I could have sworn that because when I was watching the videos there or the videos like explaining it. They're saying that they want to start the third impact because the third impact will trigger the human instrumentality project. I think so. Right, which means that they are not necessarily the same thing, though. Yes. Right. right. Which is what I was asking. Like, there mm-hmm. would have been a third impact even if they hadn't created instrumentality. Oh. Yes. Third, so impact, will... third impact could have happened and killed everyone and not put them into a big yes. one unit bubble mm-hmm. because second impact didn't do that. Yeah. Right. Before we yes. start talking about like the human instrumentality project and all that uh, fun stuff, there We've was one thing I wanted. About it. Hmm? We've already been talking about that the whole thing. Well, there's one thing I wanted to bring up before we got into that about one of my favorite characters of the show, and that's Misato. And when she kisses Shinji right before she dies, yeah. And I, even then, I'm like, hold up, because throughout the show, like she is Shinji's guardian. Yeah. And you can tell that Misato loves Shinji as a mother would love a son. Like a guardian, yeah. It's a it's a guardian thing. It's like a, they're a surrogate parent. But then when she straight up makes out with them, like it's not a make out. Let's be let's be fair. It's not a make out. Yeah, it's I not a make out. But she kisses him. Yeah. And then says, "We're gonna do the rest of it when you come back." I want to come back. I'm like, what? Well, she knows she's dying. And she knows she's not making it back. Again, I there's there's a read where you can interpret it as her trying to encourage Shinji. Yes. But the mm-hmm. sexualization of it is is gross and not true to Misato's character from the show. hundred yeah, percent. That yes. part, that was one of the parts of the movie. I'm like, hold up. Where I, I'm like that, that fault me. I'm like, hold up. Yeah. Let's, let's yeah. That out. was my, that was my biggest, actually probably my biggest problem with the show, with the movie. The, the worst part about it is that at this point, because of how they've written Shinji, this is not Misato caring about Shinji as a person. This is now Misato being forced to care about an abuser because they are not doing anything for themselves, which is never a position she's been put into with Shinji before. Yeah. Right. She's been supportive of Shinji, but she's never had to literally drag him around. And that's right. what all this whole movie is. It's and this is, and this yeah. is a, this is a, this is a disgusting turn of Shinji into being uh, archetypal chosen one, but I am the emblem of depression itself. Yeah. Rather than uh, Shinji being a person who can make a choice but is a victim of things. Yeah. Um, and that is why so much of what happens with Misato and Shinji in this movie really, really just sucks eggs really bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, like I, I'm so curious about the mindset behind making this because almost all the characters um, are, are different and not in good ways. And like in really regressive ways that, that people love that show that those characters are not in this, in this except for maybe uh, Asuka. But not that bridge trio. That bridge trio shines in this. Oh movie. my god! Oh yeah, I got the most screen time. Yes, man, yeah. 
Yeah, I like them a whole lot in this movie. There's a particular part where like the Lilith Ray comes up through them, and I I think it's a, I think it's, it's Aoba. Maya. No, yeah. no, no, it's Ibuki who freaks out, but oh, Aoba's yeah. looking at it, he's like, "Well, this op failed." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the thing about that because when Ray shows up, she trans essentially like Ghost Ray transforms into what they want to see, except for the guy with the long hair. I can't remember his name. Aoba. Aoba, thank you. Like, Aoba is just cowering in the, under a chair, screaming when a whole bunch of smiling rays touch him, and then he just bursts into Orange Fanta. Yeah. And then that was got, the, that's the, that's the instrumentality, that's that the instrumentality. LDL. And then, like, when, uh, 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 oh god, is it Ibuki, glasses guy? Uh, that's, that's, uh, that's not Ibuki, Ibuki's the girl. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's well, Hyuga. Hyuga. Yeah, Hyuga sees Masato, kisses him, instrumentality, and for Ibuki, she's like screaming and freaking out, but then she sees uh, Dr. Ritsuko and she's hugging her, and then finally, splurt. Yeah, like you it's see it, you who, who, you, who you like love the most or who you like yeah. want to see. Yeah. Someone who you want to see before and you it's die. So that whole scene is so the whole I love the whole scene because it is so messed up. But the reason it's so messed up because there's a really happy song playing in the background, just like yeah. tumbling down, tumbling down. Well, just the world is fucking ending, you guys. Sorry, I keep swearing, but just like <laughs> th this whole show. It's juxtaposing like happy and sad in just ways that nothing that I, a lot of things that I that I like do and a lot of other things I don't do because I never see anymore. So it's it reminds me a lot of uh, the anime adaptation of Metrop Metropolis if you guys ever seen that because yes. that is all at the yeah. end of a city and a beautiful song is playing at the end. Um, I, despite having so many issues, the actual instrumentality happening, the visuals of what's happening are so bonkers and I love them so much that it. it it makes me forget a lot about the shit that's in this movie. And so there's like, a lot. So like, if I didn't see Shinji and Masato's stuff leading up to Shinji being in the Ava, and I only saw the bridge trio, and I only saw uh, uh, the stuff with uh, Asuka. Asuka, and then all the Lilith Ray stuff, and the instrumentality is plugged in from episodes 25, 26, all that stuff is plugged in, so all that character work stays. Mm-hmm. It works for me because I still care about Shinji at that point. I still can recognize all these things that are happening to them. Yeah. It's these other forces of the end of Evangelion movie that are actively destroying some of the characters like Shinji, like Misato. Frankly, I don't like that they give Gendo this out where it's saying that he's, uh, he, he pushed Shinji away because he knew that, that he couldn't take care of him and he wasn't good enough. And it's like, oh, you're just Shinji, but an adult, yeah. which I'm like, this doesn't track. This doesn't track with the Gendo I saw on the show. Gendo mm -hmm. I saw on the show is a straight up asshole and he knows it yeah. and he owns it. This is not you. This is you being like, oh, but I was actually being noble in removing him because I was protecting him from me, the monster that wow. I am. And I'm like, F you, Gendo. That's so <laughs> stupid. He's, doesn't he say something when he's laying down? He's like, I don't deserve to be loved. It's like, oh, shut the hell up. Yes, yeah. he's just adult Shinji yeah. and it's yeah. stupid. Yeah, it's, it's very stupid. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I I do like the imagery of Ava, you know, one biting his head off and I love it. Turning, yeah. And him not They're turning into orange. Pants. I think I think Ryan uh, is abs I, I think I'm with Ryan when you know when he says that the the visuals at the end, the actual thing with all the floating the rays, build, the people yes. the dying, people, all that whole thing that is gorgeous and for me that made the series was watching that moment was like it solidified like this is this is great yeah there's like there's like some 
65% of the movie that should just be incorporated to combine with 25 and 26. And yeah. you've got it. You've got it. You get, you get so, your everything. There's a, uh, I don't think it was released in America. At least I didn't find it. But there is a, another cut called Revival of Evangelion. That is Death and Rebirth and End of Evangelion as one movie. So it is the clip show and the end of Evangelion all in one thing. And I wonder if that is the, 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 the way to watch all this. Because that is the through line of what I think uh, Anna wanted. If it yeah. takes out Shinji masturbating over Asuka's body, exactly. like that, but I don't know that it does. Yeah, so I'm very yeah. curious about that version because that is one of the more recent ones of the edits um, oh. that I haven't seen. Personally, personally, this is one of those things where I sit there and I'm like, I kind of want to re-edit this myself yeah. to include 25, 26, <laughs> and I and I would keep the moment where Shinji goes to Asuka and asks her for help, and then I cut it. Yeah. And then, uh, right before he turns her over, and we see her like her naked body it's like yeah uh there's i'd even leave the kiss with misato and shinji but i wouldn't have her say the line about it and i'd make it shorter because like i don't mind there being a kiss moment um mm. there's something that can be protective and comforting about that but they they clearly sexualize it with the length of it oh yes. yeah they definitely yeah. do yeah, if, oh. With, with how shinji approaches sexuality and his own sexuality like i completely get misato being like i'm gonna give you a kiss and like maybe t's like hey man that's what being an adult's like get through this and who knows what's in the future? But like yeah. the fact that it's just so I'm gonna bang you if after this, bud. That's like it's so gross considering that is like that's like his mom. Like it's yeah. again, it's so anti the original show. I'm just like, what was? And what there's, was and there's, 14. There's, a of, there's a lot of Freudian stuff about like wanting to bang your mom because it's it's there in Shinji, weirdly having sexual attraction to Ray that they'll hit at times. It's there in uh in the way that uh both that kaji kind of looks at misato it's there in the way that uh gendo goes after the ritsuko and, and ritsuko's mom yeah. it's there in shinji's uh unfortunate sexualization stuff with misato um it's there in a moment where it's implied that shinji is looking up at his mother who is above him and even though they don't totally show it they're they are naked up to their shoulders which implies a sexuality to it mm -hmm. uh which is gross and I, um, it, removing all the clothing, like it's supposed to add, like, like that these that these kids are super, um, they're vul they're so vulnerable and they're super insecure. Right. But at the same time, man, there's a lot of it, and I get it. But like sometimes you just got Ray and Gendo just walking around, and she's just straight up naked a lot. And I'm like, yeah, was well, it necessary? Like I'm sure for whatever weird like thing you got going on, I'm sure. But like I, it's I don't I don't think it always is necessary. Right. But again, that's a lot of anime, and I like. Uh, Tropes are tropes, I guess. Yeah. Um, so they do part of the instrumentality for Shinji in the film. Yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I specifically want to highlight the moment with Asuka in the kitchen. Because I think oh, that's yeah. the most important part of the instrumentality in the film is uh, Shinji going to Asuka and saying, I need you. Uh, you're the only one for me. And she's saying, and I like this. And I choose to imagine that this is the real Asuka. I'd like to believe this is the real Asuka in there because she says, no, you don't want me. You just want me because Ray and Misato aren't here. Uh, it's not real. You're just fabricating it out of your own selfish need and all this, because that feels like Asuka. Yeah, that yeah. feels like Asuka calling the truth to it, especially in Asuka who has self-realized herself as we saw earlier in the film. So I yeah. prefer to believe that that's the real Asuka. And then we get the second gross choice with Shinji, which is the decision to choke her for yeah. it. So <clears> I, there are so many. Again, him becoming basically Gendo. Yes, there are so many reads. And I don't know, excuse me, I don't know what's right and what's wrong. 
Um, the one that I saw that for me makes the most sense, it's Shinji is unsure of this new reality that he's in. Uh, it's just him and Asuka, right? So he chokes her to make sure that this is a real life where people can still, um, they, they can still um, uh, ignore him or they can still reject him. So yeah. him choking Asuka and, and her doing that is like, she doesn't reject him though is the thing. So it's- well, So I've, I've, I've read also the reading that Asuka does it for similar reasons. Yes. Like she does it because she's trying she's f- trying to figure out is this still a place with acceptance? Yes. Yeah. And so they kind of come to the realization. I've also I've read the they come to the realization that this is the world that they want. This is the world that they that they left. And um, the, the, the read what the thing about weird, specifically about the kitchen strangling, not the end of the movie. Oh, strangling. sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Where where he's choking her in the kitchen. Yes, That's okay. what I'm talking about yes. specifically. I'm not at the end yet. Sorry. Okay. I okay. forgot about that first. I, I just wanted to be clear that I'm talking about that moment. Uh, where it's Asuka saying no, and she's just staring down at him as Shinji does this. Yeah, right. Um, and that's where uh, y- you have to tie a connection to that to the ending one yeah. that you're talking about. Um, but there's something just just really off about the way that this is presented that that has thrown Shinji into an unlikable realm. Yeah, with yeah. the way this is handled. Um, this is not dissimilar to when Ritsuko's mom chokes Ray. That it's just, oh, this is not awesome. Not yeah. great. Uh, <clears throat> uh, they do some stuff with live action in the instrumentality where we see live action footage. Uh, yeah. Real like death threats that he received from the end of the show. Not just death threats, but also uh, some of those emails that are shown in the live action stuff also say, like, Ava changed my life, this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's both positive and negative. Yeah. But it's all we about... See the, we see the actresses of our three main leads. Yes. The Japanese uh, actresses. We see people who are meant to be the representations of us, the audience, sitting in the theater watching the movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, maybe a little, weird. Maybe a little bit experimental went up its own ass. Yeah, David Lynch. <laughs> yeah. Um, that yeah. must have been weird being like watching that in theater, going like this guy. I wrote that. You know what? We jumped ahead. I wanted to talk about the credits that are in the middle of the movie because there's specifically a part where uh, Hideki Anno thanks the five women that made this story possible. Yes. Um, and that's a little weird. It is a little weird. Uh, because he's thanking the characters of the show. Yeah. And considering the way that the characters are handled, that's a, it feels a little gross. Sure. Uh, I mean, I'm sure that's him being like, I, these characters helped me get through my own depression and shit like that. For sure. But like the way that he went about it wasn't always great yeah. yeah and especially in the midst of like what's happening in this movie that happening going um what yeah <laughs> yeah yeah uh anyway so um human and shinji, shinji decides uh the same decision he's made before where he's like i i want to meet people again yeah. i want to know people uh so the the world's like okay as you wish and uh out of a vagina in the head of Lilith Ray emerges an eyeball from which emerges Ava Unit 1. Um, I caught that and I'm like, is that what I think that is? And it, is, uh, it totally in, is. Um, metaphors, in metaphors. In Yidrasil. Yidrasil, yeah. yes. <laughs> Tree of Life. Yep. Uh, yeah, that, that, that sequence is... Oh, we didn't really talk about like the Ava Unit 1 finally getting its wings. Oh yeah, yeah mentioned earlier in this podcast, uh, the, they finally appear when uh, it rises into the sky and sees Asuka, Ava, fricked up, um, yeah. 
and uh, joins with the man manufactured Ava series and uh, forms the all the manufactured all the Avas now have faces of Ray, which yep. is very spooky. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> The part so, where all of Ray's faces are even when like the eyes just like go backwards and then there are more Ray faces pop out. Yeah. Just like the constant loop of Ray faces, not just any Ray faces, Ray smiling faces. Yeah, it's it's a it's it disturbed the shit out of me. And what also another thing that disturbed the shit out of me and is the, when, the uh, dude, Adam's soul. What's his name? Karu. 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 Yeah. Karu. Yeah, he's yeah. in the he's in there too. Yeah, but another thing that scared the shit out of me, or not scared the shit out of me, but freaked me out is when uh, like Ray Lilith Ray is like full power she's like uh, breaching out of the planet and then we see all those giant light crosses cert, um, in a big wave around the planet people I are screaming yeah that's um, like, that's, that's for real like that, my favorite thing it's it's because it's, that's when it, uh, correct me if I'm wrong that's when she is in, uh, putting in motion this mentality product for the rest of the world correct yeah. Entire population of the planet dying at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So as we see this wave of these giant light crosses piercing the sky and the screams that followed as it's go as it's circling the whole planet, I'm like, Happy oh, this is messed up. This is just right. Wow. Holy yeah. shit. And that visualization is incredible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's one of my um, favorite visuals in the in the movie. Yeah, for sure. For sure. There's a lot of really cool like visualization to end of Evangelion and, and what that is and everything. Um, yeah. I, I kind of wish Karu hadn't shown up at all because it's not really Karu. It's, it's unclear the context of it mm -hmm. around it. Uh -huh. uh, I thought it, I thought it was, I thought it was Adam's soul had rebonded with, with his embryo. But that's not clear because Adam's soul was just, in Karu, and Karu was killed, and it's not clear where Adam's soul is because Adam's vessel was with Gendo, and that's in Lilith now, but not the soul. Well, there's tons of stuff that's not clear about this movie, so I know, I know, but like I'm saying, like it didn't add much context other than Shinji having a brief moment of going, Karu, it's you, and it's like otherwise it means nothing. Sure, it's, it's meaningless in the substance of the film, and sure. I wish it had more meaning because it ultimately just becomes Ray again. I think. The rebuilds are what we're looking for from everything we saw. Probably, <laughs> yeah. probably. Uh, but like, like yeah. but like the inclusion of Karu, I just felt like didn't add anything because it doesn't it doesn't alter anything for what's happening with Shinji. Yeah, Shinji mm -hmm. had no true reaction to it other than to go, "Oh my God, Karu!" Uh, it doesn't like affect what he does. Right. You see what right. I'm saying? Yeah, I understand. Uh, and I kind of feel like if it if you were trying to say something about that, like how Shinji wishes he was with Karu, then all the rays had turned into Karu. That would have said something because it's reflecting off of Shinji's desire, mm -hmm. but it's not that either. Um, anyway, Shinji decides he wants the world back, so the world comes back, sort of. Uh, the yeah. Ray falls apart. Falls to the planet and just got broken Which body is cool, parts. cool yeah. visualization. Mm -hmm. um, and Yuri in Ava Unit 1 is floating in space. The line is something like, "This is like this is the the the, the history of the human race." Or like, "This is like the, this is the show that the human race was alive as it just floats away in space forever." Yeah, and and like it's all those things. And then Yuri in Ava Unit One is floating away, and there's like some mention of like this is what Yuri always wanted because Yuri believed that as long as like a good person is alive, there's hope for tomorrow and that kind of thing. So yeah. Yuri always wanted this, and I'm to like, be oh, stuck in a robot, weird, flying in space." <laughs> oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, it's a it's something that Fuyutsuki mentions as her her belief. Uh, 
it's it's a it's a read. I doubt that's her dream, but I'm sure. <laughs> Whatever. Well, uh, uh, and- yeah. So we we're led to believe it's less ambiguous, but we're led to believe that everyone could could come back to life. Everyone could. There's there's a specific line, and I I don't know like the exact wording, but it's like if people have the will, they can return to the to life or something yeah. to that life. Yeah, yeah. Like whether it's reincarnation or mm-hmm. a different time loop, which is something the, the our video you watched brought up. Um, yeah, he he uh, gave them all choice. Yes. Right. So I guess people can choose heaven or return to apocalyptic world. <laughs> I'd probably yeah. choose heaven. Yeah, yeah, the world the world didn't get fixed. It still looked like shit. Oh, it's worse. The world, got, the world yeah. got worse. There's these giant uh Eva's like in crucifixion stances all over the wa- all over the water now. It's a bad the, place. The whole re- there's like this big giant smear on the moon and like every and also half of a Lilith head is just chilling in the creepy half smile. It's terrifying. By the way, yeah. watching that so we then you watch the same video, I'm sure the hour long Time, different timeline video uh-huh. how rebuild fits into could yeah. potentially fit into it. it was very fascinating to me and i really want to watch rebuild that now. does because it's a time loop emingallion has been established as a time loop so that the rebuild is the next step of the story yeah, yeah. but and it's got like the the red seas i guess yep. and the smear on the moon and, and the yeah. smear on the moon yeah and again like uh, uh i've only seen the first one and the first one is, is pretty much just uh, like almost beat for beat uh, the first couple episodes of the show. But every movie after gets uh, less and less canonical and more different. Mm-hmm. And the stuff we saw in three is just different. There's a time jump, like they're adults. So I don't even know what the fourth movie could be. It could literally just be a completely brand new thing. So uh, that's why I was saying next year, I bet there's going to be a huge Evangelion resurgence again because mm-hmm. that final movie is coming yeah. out. We'll, yeah. we'll find out. Um, yeah, so we, we finally get to the ending, which is Shinji and Asuka laying on the the sand yes and this is what ryan and i were talking about with the choking sequence what that yes and shinji gets over asuka and begins to choke her yeah i did not like that she caresses his face and he cries over her and then she says disgusting yep yeah it's like it's like you know we were it's like what ryan and ryan and i were talking about how that could be read that you know they're trying to see what that they're trying to make sure they still have the ability to reject, the ability to accept. Is this a real life where yeah. bad things can happen? And there's a version of this movie where that could have been executed well. It could have been through like Shinji choking Asuka in the kitchen in the instrumentality and her like dissolving or disappearing and him knowing and acknowledging this isn't real and falling further into the instrumentality until he brings himself out and that this is his way of translating to that. And in a movie where I hadn't earlier in the film watched him masturbate over her comatose body yeah i'd be like cool yeah i can agree yeah right but unfortunately in this movie that all happened yeah and this is a this is a uh gross bookend to the way the movie started that's why uh, that i don't like that's why i'm, I'm i am a bigger fan of, of the original ending despite all the the, the 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 last two episodes not really being like substantial quote-unquote or whatever but if, if you're going to have your ending have the, the human instrumentality project still happen, I like the version where Shinji ends up a winner or he ends mm-hmm. up like like overcoming his fears and he and, and the world ends, but everyone is happy because they did defeat depression together. I think, I think amongst uh, I think amongst all this, my, my preferred ending, fabricated ending, would be to have uh, a combination of like the film's instrumentality and the show's instrumentality. And when Shinji does the breaking through with the with the glass and everything mm-hmm. you cut from that to the Lilith Ray falling apart on mm-hmm. earth and the establishment of that stuff. And you yeah. just leave Shinji and Asuka laying on the beach next to each other and don't do the strangling. Yeah. Yeah. 
end of movie and I'd feel better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but, but I don't think it wants you to feel better. I think it wants you to feel like shit. That's the thing. And like, I guess if that's what you want me to feel like, that's great. But I don't know why you'd want to, because it's not, it's not like, it's not like the last of us or anything. Let me, let me like, be clear. I don't need to feel good period. Yeah. I'd feel better about Shinji being a character I followed on a journey rather than being a character I followed through on a journey and then all of a sudden got thrown into the blender and destroyed. It's like a new in character. A movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Asuka too. I have a big problem. One of my biggest problems with the strangulation is that the way that they handle Asuka caressing him is the most un-Asuka thing Asuka has ever done. And so mm-hmm. all it does to me is show that Asuka isn't even Asuka anymore. Not that it matters because everything's going to back to the beginning and rebuild. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm just, yeah, I got you. I, I understand the controversy, and I'm just I. It's not like I'll ever interview the guy. I'm just I. I want to find every interviewer I can because I want to know his mindset going into making this movie because it's very clearly uh, a much darker representation of the ending of that show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In every single capacity for every single character, it's just worse for everyone, um, yeah. and it leaves the universe in a bad spot with the, even I with the feel, characters. I, I feel that the end to event to end of Evangelion to me was a lot more confusing than the end of the show. Because at least in the show, I got the sense of like he since she's finally being his depression. I'm like, yeah, every all human humanity is now this one giant hive mind, but Shinji himself finally developed better as a person. He's no longer he's no longer depressed. He's no longer sad. He wants people in his life now. But this, like when he what when we got to that scene of him and Asuka on the beach, I'm like, oh wait, Asuka is not dead. Yeah, she's she's okay. I mean, she's bandaged up. She's missing her eye, and her arm is in one cohesive piece now but then when he rolls over and starts to strangle her i'm like why are you killing her i thought at first i'm like is he trying to kill her is he trying to what are you trying to do by strangling her and then when she like caresses and says disgusting i'm sitting there at the end thinking i have more questions now than i ever did at the end of the actual anime yeah you know i so may i sparks uh i felt that end of evangelion uh, to me, was a more satisfying ending, and kind of because I had more questions than I did at the end of the the last two episodes. Mm-hmm. My only my my questions in the last two episodes was like, okay, wait, how do we get how do we get to this point? Like, I, I get what's happening, but how do how do we get here? But for as end of Evangelion, I found it uh, the the more ambiguity of it wasn't frustrating to me; it was exciting to me mm-hmm. that I can ju- that I can look at this and be like, oh, there's so many different ways that I can go. My only questions were about like. What did that mean? And not how did that happen? So mm-hmm. to me, I preferred those questions and therefore preferred that movie as an ending. Right. For, and I for, think Sparks is right, though. The two together would be perfect. 100%. Yeah. Like, I'm waiting for with, like, with some alterations. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if, if you could... Again, if there was, like, a Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood version of this show where it's, like, you know, you cut out stuff, you, you, you reanimate it or so whatever. It's more true to the manga? More true to the manga or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm just saying because that's yeah. what Brotherhood is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I I like to imagine that episodes twenty like the instrumentality stuff is what happens in End of Evangelion, but just the ending is different. Like yeah. I like I'd like to imagine if I watched Neon Genesis Evangelion again, I would just watch parts of End of and then come back to the ending that I like, because it, you can still have everyone die and then oh ha- congratulations we're all here together. Yeah. Um, so I think both can work if you do want to Frankenstein it together. Um, it's interesting we live in a world where we watch a video where there's literally dozens and dozens of different interpretations and alternate endings and all that yeah. shit. 
just makes it there's even a shave, to there's on a timeline where Gendo shaves his beard and implements the shave impact. The food impact. Con- contextually, uh, Anno's perspective is that all of it is true. It's a Grant Morrison all approach. All of the show is true. All of the movie is true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of that happens. Um, I like it. Yeah. It's true. Uh, all of it. I, I wish... Uh, I had a, a specific thing I was going to say about that that ending. Um, it's really damning with the movie that you've taken someone who was someone we could root for fighting against uh, his depression, even though he can be selfish at times, uh, even narcissistic in his. But the but other characters even call Shinji out on it and say, you know, in like your willingness to say that you are nothing, you are you are putting it upon others to feel like you are different from them, that you are special because you're the only person going through this kind of pain and that mm-hmm. it's other people's jobs to lift you out of it uh, because you are unique. And and they're in, in saying that you are unimportant, you are making yourself the most important to everyone else. Right. Um, and to take that story, which was, I think, well done throughout the show, for the most part, the battle of Shinji's depression, to bring it to the movie where it becomes... He is exactly what he was always saying. He is monstrous. He is toxic. Everyone shouldn't care for him because of the actions he takes in the film is uh, a hard turn to deal with. Sure. Uh, as a person who never valued Shinji as the main character, even as I enjoyed his arc in the show, but for me, the main character was Misato or arguably Asuka. Uh, that's who I locked into. Um, there are things that detract in the movie, but not as hard. But if you do consider Shinji to be the true protagonist, it really sucks the way that that arc uh, kind of inverts on itself and, and becomes a a more or less uh, destruction of uh, the, the progress, the progress of uh, a real struggle with depression that Shinji was going through, a real battle for mental illness for a person who we can recognize as a sympathetic victim to become a gross and disgusting abuser and victim at the same time. Um, That is the, that is the saddest part about end of Evangelion for me. And I I wish there were any way to work around that. I wish there were any way where, where Ano came back and and recognized that and remade it even because he's so interested in doing remakes that he, that he saw this and that maybe that is the rebuilds, but even then that still acknowledges end of Evangelion as canon. Yeah. Um, That, that Ano even could, could in some way acknowledge some growth of recognizing that what, what went there wasn't great. Um, But we don't, we don't live in that world and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Well, I, I got nothing more to add, I don't think. I mean, we've only been talking three and a half hours. We can go another six, whatever. No, <laughs> that's, that's good. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm glad we went through this. Um, yeah. I think the show's pretty cool. Uh, obviously, no show is perfect. Um, no. Uh, unless, uh, you're, unless you're called Hannibal. I don't, I don't dislike having the show or even End of Evangelion. I, I do think that overall End of Evangelion benefits the contextualization of what you saw in 25 and 26 better yeah Mm. um it's just it's just that shinji between the two feels incompatible and that's the only part that really jars me i know Um, i understand and if you can get around that again like if you can make some kind of fan edit in your brain or maybe i'll make one literally (laughs) uh where it all kind of meshes together in the perfect version of the story that'd be great yeah yeah Yeah, Um, i'm really i'm really glad we did this i really really liked going through it really liked digging into it 
Uh, I was happy I got to finally see it. I have the rebuild movies though, all right? Yes, cool. So I'm definitely gonna um, watch those like probably this week because I'm I have had nothing but Neon Genesis on the too. mind for like two. Weeks. Oh, I'm about to own all the manga mm-hmm. for the. I would love to come over and borrow them. So uh, uh, we will definitely in the future when we have an open spot, um, we're gonna do the rebuilds as topics. Uh, Ryan and I already kind of discussed this. We think we should do one and two combined because one is very much the show mm-hmm. and then two isn't. And then we'll do three on its own and then the eventual 3.0 plus 1.0. Uh, well, we got own. some we got some open slots, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's yep. quarantine, baby. We'll find some time. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll probably all be going through the rebuild soon. Um, and maybe... The nicest thing I can hope for is that maybe the rebuilds will justify uh, on some level some of the events of the end of Evangelion enough to not leave the lasting impression of bad taste in my mouth that end of Evangelion does. It's very weird because this is something that I just encountered two months ago. For Mm -hmm. me, for years, the end of Evangelion was... Congratulations! Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, uh, having that recontextualized in these last two months has been a little jarring and weird. Yeah, um, one of the reasons why I was waiting to say something about it was for this podcast. Uh, it, weird, weird overall experience to have, um, but still a valuable. Uh, I understand why Evangelion has its legacy, and I understand uh, why there there is such an attraction to the show, and I do think it has a certain value for a lot of its aspects, even with detractors and uh, a certain amount of like recognizing that we're we especially in america are having a much different conversation about sexism and and sexuality than japan is or did uh and that's a big big uh cultural shift to kind of be looking at this through the lens of yeah um to put it in context of like comic books like like and this is not me uh, uh, disparaging any anime before this or anything, because obviously there's been great animes before. The show that came out in 1995 when anime's been around for a long time. But much like The Dark Knight Returns or A Watchmen, uh, it was a cultural milestone that shifted the way people viewed and made anime. Or, or you know, in terms of comic books. Like, yeah. before, like before this, a lot of the robot shows, um, before Gundam, uh, it, the super robot shows were just like kaiju shows. Ultraman, you fight, cool, fight monsters, great. Gundam was really the first one. It's like, hey, what if the robots had, what if the people had drama in their life, right? Cool. But it never, it, it's, it was never to the extreme that Evangelion got to. And right. then when 95 hits or 94 hits and Evangelion comes out, it's like, oh, we can do this in anime? We're allowed to? And of course it's happened before, but not to the extent that uh it's gonna reach as wide an audience as yes. Evangelion. Um, as we well, mentioned before, Evangelion is the most popular Japanese anime. Yes, it's the cultural impact that Evangelion has had in Japan. Um if you like you know if you're an American and don't know much about Evangelion, it is as popular as like a Mickey Mouse Disneyland. Like the marketing that they use for Evangelion is all over Japan, all over everything. Like we joked we saw some stuff for like shaving equipment. They had like fruit market uh, merchandise. It's like it's like Japan Star Wars. It is that prevalent in their pop culture. It is that Honda is, Honda is actually doing a crossover with Evangelion right now. Oh, shit, really? Honda, yeah, Honda Toyota-thon, though? Can I get a Toyota-thon, Evangelion? No, no Toyota-thon. So that'll be, that'll be in the shmoney timeline? Shmoney yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll buy an Evo one car. Dude, are you kidding me? Hell yeah. Uh, to be fair, I'm a, I'm a Unit 02 kind of gal. I like, I like the red. I'm a big fan of the red. Yeah. I've, I've, I really like Unit 1. I know it's like the popular yeah, one, but dear lord, that aesthetic is really good. To be fair, yeah. if I could, if I could have the Berserk Evil um, um, Unit Four, 
uh, Evangelion. It's like, it's like black, like yeah. the American design. Yeah, yeah. That's dope as hell. But they don't it's make so, that. It's so very American. They it nailed is that. 100%. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, the impact of the show, it's, it's, it's so important. And I'm glad we got to talk about it because even though um, it is one of the most popular shows in, in, in the world, a lot of us still haven't watched it. Like you guys recently watched it. So like, yeah. I'm very glad we got to do this. Um, it, it always makes me happy when we get the deep dive into things that I love. Because I just, yeah. But I very, love this podcast. Very few, uh, very few things have we deep dived for three and a half hours. Hell yeah. I feel my like final thoughts. I feel like I'm now finally watching Neon Genesis Evangelion since Neon Genesis Evangelion was that anime dark horse that I just could not get a hold of, no matter how hard I try, or at least no matter how hard I wanted to. And now there's a, a legal way for me to watch it thanks to Netflix. Watching Evangelion and talking about it with you guys kind of puts anime into a new life for me. It's kind of like what The Dark Knight did for me for comic book films back in 2008, where yeah. comic book films, they're not, they're not, and it's not just bright colors, good guy versus bad guy. There's like philosophy. There's like a seriously deep look on morals. There's, there's death to Blade. it. Yeah. Okay. Some mother truckers are always trying to ice skate uphill. <laughs> <laughs> but what after watching Evangelion, it's like now we could like look at other anime and be like, oh, where's the here's the death of the show. Here's why the show is so important. Here's what it's the show is trying to say. It's it kind of is taking um a genre that people that some people like the hardcore like snooty people will just like brush on the run. It's like, oh, anime psh, fighting for five episodes, that's lame. Now they watch this, it's like, oh, this is actual art there is actual this is what scorsese would call cinema exactly yeah (laughs) in a a way that neon genesis evangelion kind of is like the dark knight of animes in a in a very light sense if that makes if that makes any sense it's definitely um it is definitely one of the more important cultural touchstones for anime like uh for for sure like there it is much like dark knight returns like a pre and post like we mm-hmm. just make animes kind of differently now. We just think yeah. that we not. And again, this is not me saying that animes from the past are bad. They're just a little more simple and not as not as in depthful or in depth mm-hmm. as they were allowed to be. Right. You just need that one to push it. Like, oh, we can do this now. Gundam mm-hmm. is like this all the time. Gundam is super serious and sad all the time. Oh, I and then you also have unicorn, and you also have chibi. You have all of it. Um, yeah, yeah. You have the SD. You have all this other stuff. So for my my final say on this, I, I I think that just knowing a lot of the discourse around it, knowing where where I feel now as an adult, having really absorbed it and thought about it and crit- criticized it, um, I think that Evangelion really works for you. If there's something in there you feel you can connect to, specifically in episodes 25 and 26, I know a lot of people that don't like it, a lot of people that love it, and I think that you you either kind of can find the thing that like speaks to you in it. Or you can't, and that's fine. That's just kind of how art works. But Evangelion is a pretty extreme case of like, you fall off of it pretty close, pretty hard at the end, mm-hmm. if you are not able to connect with something inside of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I think just for for most of us, there is something in there that we were able to kind of like go, but this part I connect to, and that's kind of what's resonating us through, even into end of Evangelion. Like I, I get this. This is where me and the show are like simpatico, and then past that uh there, there's still some some hard stuff there to get past right um and i think that for a lot of people that that can be a hard bridge to cross if you just cannot make the connection with that stuff uh which isn't a, a fault of yours it's just like none of that if that doesn't resonate then i think that's why a lot of people especially with the end of the series kind of drift away from it and go that didn't stick a landing at all which i 
uh, again, like I, I am a dude who likes weird artsy experimental <laughs> shit. So like, it, it is not for everyone. Right. Um, and I oh, do not okay. get mad at anyone who looks at 25 and 26 and going, you kidding me? This is what you're going to give me? And I'm like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I want to say that I think it was the Dorkly video that said best that the, the true meat of Evangelion is Shinji's depression, whereas the giant robots and the like the, the angels, the robots, that's the set dressing. You that's, come for the robots, you stay for the sadness. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I 100% agree. Neon Genesis Evangelion is definitely one of those animes that definitely isn't for anyone. I'm pretty sure that one of my friends who, if I want to try and show him anime, get as much as I would like to show him Evangelion, I'm pretty sure that's going to put him off. Be like, yeah, no, this isn't for me. Yeah. I'm debating whether or not it's Shazara. Uh, I've been tempted to show Megan the show, and I still probably would like to at some point, but I'll probably never show her the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, or, or I'll show her some edited version of it. Yeah. And it's not, Stan was watching clips of the movie when I was watching it again, and the entire she popped up was like, what's going on? I'm like, she, I don't know. The Sele um, attack. And then show like the human instrumentality stuff. Yep. And then just be like, that's all the movies. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, Ryan, do you have anything more you wanted to add? Or no, just cool. uh, God, God's what does it say? God's in heaven. heaven. And all is right with all the world. God's with the world. Congratulations. All right. So that'll that'll be it for the 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 Monday two hundred okay. topic. This Never is as a theme song. This is as long. As our Star Wars special with Downright Nerdy. That means um, our regular the episode we're going to record is going to be hella short, right? <laughs> so let's see if there's a book club at the end of this. Yeah. Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye, past us. Bye, Ben. Congratulations. Congratulations, Ben. Bye. Change clothes. Hey, welcome to the Fake Nerd uh, Comic Shop. Yeah, hi. Um, Do you have any books? Uh, can you be a little more specific? Um, anything readable? All right, thank you. Whoa, Future us we're from... back. Whoa! <laughs> How did we get here? Whoa! Thank you, thank you, Future Us, for putting past us into the video. Now we're back in the future present. Time and, travel uh, is weird, man. It's our book club. So Ryan, take it away. Hey guys, it's me, Ryan Leopolis. And um, after watching all of those DC AMU movies. I wanted to do a little more, um, a little more uh, uh, Titans talk because, like, I got I really like that Justice League Teen Titans movie, um, and I didn't want to read something that um, that I'm super familiar with. So I picked a miniseries that I read when it was coming out uh, two about two and a half three years ago called Nightwing: The New Order, oop, by Kyle Higgins and Travis McCarthy. Trevor McCarthy. We're gonna find out real soon. I think this book is really cool. It's an Elseworlds tale about my favorite DC character, Dick Grayson, the man with um, zero um, cynicism, and what happens when you give a man who has zero cynicism 100% cynicism, and it sucks. And Dick Grayson sucks in this book, uh, and in a good way, because like he is Dick Grayson to his core. He cares about people so much, but instead of doing the good thing, he does the bad thing, and then we get this shitty world of, of uh, uh, police brutality and no more superpowers. Trevor. Yeah, he... He he is responsible for a bomb going off in Metropolis that wiped out ninety percent of the world's superpowers, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. including aliens. Which I'm not sure if. Okay, real it quickly, this is a tip. It's apocalypse tech, so I will allow everything that yeah. the bomb. Has. Yeah, I will too. But like one of my pet peeves in, in comic books, all comics, not even I'm not 
singling this one out at all um is whenever there's like a metagene superman has it or like hawk or like um martian manhunter has it i'm like but that's just their species Sure. Like, well, if, if, the, if something wipes out the metagene, I feel like Superman and Martian Manhunter and people with magic should be exempt. Again, it's an it's apocalypse tech that's not just metagene; it wipes out all powers. And again, it's that's why I'm not singling. That's why I'm not yeah. singling this this like, comic like, out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure. Uh, the Civil War tie-in, Secret Wars book did the same thing that wiped out all meta powers, and I thought that was also really cool. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's never not. It's not even a criticism on on the thing. It's just uh, as a, a pet peeve. I would like to see a story that doesn't do that. Yeah, I feel it. Yeah. It's not even worth mentioning. Yeah. So uh, uh, I, like I, this one. I want you guys to talk about it. Yeah, I really like this. I really like this one. Um, Dick Grayson had a, uh, had a, had a, had a, what's it called? A crisis of self. Yes. And I think that, I think that comes off really well in this book. And yeah, how he so- kind of, he's a company man through and through, but once it's his son, he's like, oh, maybe I made a mistake. Yes. He's, yeah. he's, um, him and Kate, Kate Kane are very much, uh, the opposite sides of the same coin. They both become company people. Um, but one, one f- listens to their conscience at the end, whereas the other one's just like, nah, I, I got to double down because this is, this is what I chose. That's who I am. And I'm a military lady. Um, I think the stuff between Nightwing and his son, Jake is really good. Um, I love everything between him and Corey. I love the designs. This is where my love for beast man comes from. I think, cause I want beast man, the beast boy to grow up. And this is what he looks like. He's a cool lion man who got um, stuck halfway between tra- transforming. So he looks like, he looks like a like a like a goat thundercat. Uh, it looks like a thundercat. Uh, I, I, yeah, um, I think Wally's design looks cool. Like I like all the designs of the characters. I like Superman still doing his best, being depowered. I um, really like Mister Freeze. I really like Mister Freeze. Oh, yeah, stuff. Me too. yeah. And what? the uh, the des- the design of the lantern constructs, the blue and green lanterns, looked really cool to me. Oh, I love the art. One of the things uh, I loved was Lois Lane being a blue lantern. Yeah, sure. That's cool, man. And her, even though she still doesn't know how to work a blue lantern ring, I, one of my favorite lines in the whole series is when she's like, "I'm Lois Lane. I am all will." That was to a great to a blue lantern because blue lantern is hope, and a blue lantern ring is um oh god, what's the word I'm looking for? Doesn't it? It's like a um, it like powers other rings or something. Well, like it that? powers the so green lantern the ring. La- so the blue lantern when a blue lantern is next to a green lantern when they're in proximity. The blue lantern's ring is unlocked 100%. The green lantern ring is boosted 200%. Mm, there you go. That's what we're And then she uses that against him later, too. In yeah. A, yeah. A pretty good moment. Yeah. So, look, because I thought Clark was like possibly dead. And then when he does show up, I'm like, oh, thank God. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, this, the story as a whole is something that John I really St- John Stewart's design. I love John Stewart's design. Oh, yeah. He's, ba- he's back being a straight up Marine again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With, so the, cool. with the power ring this time. Yeah, but one of the things I love about this no, one of the things I love about this book is that it takes Nightwing and puts him in a different light of him being the one who said, Nope, no more powers. Just screw them all. We're we're, we suck, powers suck. I've been going around fine with no powers, and he does the thing. Yeah. And seeing him as a company man, I was actually expecting him coming home to see Jake and Corey together, but instead seeing Jake and Alfred and even him and Alfred still debating about Hey, I don't think what you did was the right thing. I was like, damn, that. When you find out why Dick Grayson decided to use the bomb, it was the death of Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's brutal. That yeah, yeah. it's like brutal. very like injusticey. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But seeing how it was, Corey it was mind controlled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but seeing how mm-hmm. Corey still left him to join the Titans Resistance, I'm like, that sucks. No, it's not yeah. a good move on her part to leave her son either. No. Uh, it, again, like it's it's 
it's a bunch of people making mistakes and having to live with them or, mm-hmm. or grow past them or, or, uh, uh, try to try to make, make, and try to make it as best as you can with what you've got. I, I wish that the story had explored more Corey's justification for leaving her son. Yeah. Cause I yeah. don't mm-hmm. feel like it's there. Yeah. Um, and I had a really hard time buying Dick selling out the team at the end. Yeah. Uh, I think that there's enough justifiable countership that he knows what he's doing when he sells out the team at that point is, is I think he knows objectively it's the wrong thing to do. Yes. And it's hard for me to buy that choice other than to, to force the conclusion of the story. As someone who's played the last of us, I completely understand parents making really bad decisions. Sure. I and mean, then like, he also goes back on it in the end anyway. That's, so. that's the thing is that like, I, my point being that I don't think enough is, there is so much of the back and forth about what he's done and it being right up to that point in the story that that's the one where I go, you know, that's one where I sit there and he knows objectively that his, the, the love of his life, regardless of how he might, how things might be between them now is going to be at best captured in a bad way and at worst killed by what he's about to do. And not to mention all the other people that will as well. Mm -hmm. And I don't find that believable. Sure. Uh, enough for him to be like because it's, it's like he and Jake could have left without doing that aspect of it you know and they would have been hunted forever for sure yeah but so I he, mean like I, I but the point is that like I don't buy that motivation that's I fair. don't buy it in that's the way fair. that the book builds up to it and I don't buy it in the writing of it because there's too much that happens up to that point to make it that like I do not the thing is that as sad as it is I do not buy the convincing moment of Jake saying I wish I could be what you were to Batman. Yeah, I wish I could be a better I like, Robin. I like yeah. the idea of that emotional beat, but I don't buy that that's the thing that once he's made that kind of choice to sell out that many people, that that's the thing that turns him around. I don't I buy the impact of it. We've watched six issues of him idolizing his father and watching old videos of him being Robin. And now that's like exactly like he wants to be just like his dad. His dad is not who he used to be. No, 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 you're misunderstanding me. I don't buy that being the thing that convinces Dick. Okay. I'm saying that mm-hmm. I don't buy that once he's made that choice to sell all them out. That's the thing that makes him turn the car around. Okay. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't buy it that's in the fair. way that it's presented. That's totally fair. Uh, I, 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 I agree I, with that. That's, that's a decent point. I, I just disagree. But like, that's fair. You read into that. That's cool. Ben, what do you got? Yeah. Uh, what do I got? Damn. Uh, <laughs> also, I got all. This is not like a uh, no. genetic book. I think this is just a really fun Elseworlds no. book. I think it... it's like. It's it's not it's not uh, rewriting history or anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, to to the book's credit, I do like how throughout most of I, I want to say up until issues five and a half or six, when Dick does finally say no, this is wrong. We need or okay, no, that's that's not what I'm trying to say here. Okay, here's one. Words they're hard sometimes. I like how Dick stuck to his guns. Yeah, mm-hmm. how it wasn't a hundred percent turncoat. Kind of like how when we were playing uh, Bal- Battlefront 2, where she just instantly just like turns on the Empire right then when, um, what's her name? She just turns on the Empire, whereas the whole time, even though he is trying to find something place for some to say for his son, Dick is still saying powers are still bad. Mm-hmm. And he still mm-hmm. holds on to that for a good long, for a good long while. So I, that's one of the things I want to give the books credit to. It's not just like, oh shit, my kid now has powers. Oh wait, everyone needs to get their powers back. He's like, no, powers are bad we we're still doing good work without powers yeah yeah one, one of my favorite moments does come in issue six when superman gets his powers back and lex Luthor's like uh yeah i'm actually gonna bomb the whole city um yeah. and i, I do really i do really I'm your thought, superman 
Yeah. And he's like crying when he says it. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I really like is that Superman and J- and and Jake fly out and and Superman goes to goes to get the bomb. And and Jake's like, okay, this is what's happening. And then there's no fight, there's nothing. John Stewart's like, all right, Captain Adam, tornado, you're with me. We're gonna help yeah. Superman. Let's I let's get it. this bomb out of here. Yeah. I yeah. really like that moment. Once you see Superman flying, you realize it's a different story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it's a fun book. I, I enjoyed it. it was, um, Alfred's death killed me. It always yeah. does. Yeah. But that's a really good moment when he, it's when I realized the book, um, uh, the book, you know, continues our political journey in, through our book club. Um, How old is Alfred? He's old. old. <laughs> yeah. He because this old. is 2040. Yeah. This is 2040. And then yeah. he's like, you know, we um, we're in this mess because too many people didn't didn't stand up for what's right, you know, something yeah. like that. I'm paraphrasing uh, yeah. to attack the guys. Like, it's a good moment. It's a good yeah. moment for sure. Um, yeah, I, I do want to emphasize. That I think everything else is is really strong. Just the part I was sticking is that that's that's the big con in the list of cons uh, that I would say about the book. But otherwise, sure. I think there's a lot of good stuff there, um, both with the writing and with the art and the creation of the world. I really like totally. specifically uh, there's a moment where it shows Dick and Corey at their wedding and it transitions to Dick in the same pose with a gun uh, mm-hmm. for to emphasize the change of him. I love I, uh, really good. I love old man Dick Grayson's look and I especially love his armored Nightwing look at, at the end. Um, yeah. I just love I just I think that's why I love Rogue. I just love any character who has just like a couple, a couple streaks of white to show just maybe some age or some trauma. I'm always a fan of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the um, the talk in the car um, where where it is it is full cynicism. Dick Grayson going, the world is dark and the world's shitty, and I'm not going to apologize to trying to make it better. Um, I'm, I'm, I you see the world as it as you want it to be. I see the world as it is, and like you just need to grow up. And that is a very real thing that we are dealing with right now. And that's one reason that I I. It's it's easier for me to, and I do understand where you're coming from, like the uh, the switch. But for me, it's easier for me to buy because uh, uh, we've had five issues of him of him constantly getting berated. Dick Grayson going like, "Hey, Dick, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong." He's like, "No, I'm not. I'm right. I know I'm right because look how good I've done." And it took his son going, "I just want I just want to be like you, Daddy." Like it, it might have been too late, or it might not have been enough for me. That was enough for him to go, "Oh shit, man, I really did mess up." It's I hope it's not too late. Um, that's that's how I saw it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. Like yeah, I don't. I don't it, was, it was surprisingly more topical than I think you thought it would be, considering yes. what's yeah. happening. Yeah, dude. Uh, hold on, I got another cyborg quote. That's it's literally. Um, yeah. Uh, sorry. Uh, you believe in this system just as long as you don't have to live by its rules, you hypocrite. Mm. And I'm like, oh, cyborg, he's right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, that was. I mean, I was surprised how topical this book was going to be. So I was yeah. like, damn. Okay. These accidental political books keep happening. It's funny. Yeah, the the police brutality one was the one that really got me. I was like, "Ooh, okay, here we go." Just showing like the the emphasis on accepting this shadow force uh, that will go burst into people's homes, and we're just like, we're all cool with this, and like you can see this as an exaggeration of ice. You can see this as an exaggeration of what's happening in Portland at this very moment with yes. federal agents who don't have identifying badges. Hey guys, keep an eye on Portland because some real bad shit's happening. Uh, we're heading into fascist state territory. It's the new order. Um, but it, it's a, you know like it's it's a solid representation of like what's so scary about that ideal. Yeah, and why yeah. it's so shitty. They keep it, emphasizing. They keep emphasizing that the people voted for this. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If people didn't they want this, they would have it exactly. Um, By it, the way, it, a four it, day a four day long war between villains and heroes is incredible. 
Yeah, yeah that sounds tough. <laughs> it's very much like the lie that you know Dick is telling himself mm -hmm. uh, over and over again for every conversation he has to have with Alfred or anyone who contradicts what he believes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I really like the the use of Liz, the yeah. character on the inside who's uh, feeding information to the Titans. And then she finally gets a promotion yeah. at the end. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Um, yeah, I just I really like Elseworlds stories, and again, like watching all these movies, like I want more Titan stuff, and I'm like, cool, I get to see like adult Titans, like like mm -hmm. stuff actually we never get to see. And again, Corey's got a dope ass haircut, and she's got cool gauntlets. Uh, I liked it. It's cool. It's cool. Yeah. Cool little cool little Elseworlds story. Yeah, yeah I fun. I enjoyed it. I would definitely give this to uh, if a Nightwing fan came up to me and say, hey, why well, it's a good Nightwing book to read? Here you go, I New Order. I would say just if you're a good uh, fan of like DC Elseworlds stories, this is good. All the covers are very propaganda. Oh, they are. Um, oh, I caught that. Especially the especially um the first issue. That was like, ooh, that's uh that's kinda um yeah, I don't like that. I mean don't don't get me don't get me wrong, the design is great, but I was like, hmm, that reminds me of someone who I do not like from nineteen forty five. <laughs> yeah, I'd I'd love um, the DC animated film of this. I yeah. Oh, I, that'd yeah, be cool. Same. Um, um, I really like else? the use of Jake as a narrator for it too. Oh um, yeah, at the end. Yeah, no, yeah. the whole time. I mean, because he's narrating the whole thing, yes, and I yes, really yes. like that. That's the perspective you're you're being told it from. Yes. Uh, worked for me because when it first starts, I I wasn't sure. Like the very first few pages, you don't know if it's Dick or or oh, yeah. Jake or whatever, and I I was really glad that it ended up being Jake. And then it's like yeah. it's this whole story, uh, like talking to his like basically his new child, like, and this is why you're named Richard. Six issues <laughs> of sadness. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Cool. Um, more right, dick though it's great <laughs> you heard it here first folks oh lord anything else you guys want to add or no no all right ben because we did switch the book club uh mm -hmm. for you what's your yeah. book club next week well gentlemen i feel like we need some wonder in our lives some what say it again wonder some wonder real quick hold on is it going to be wonder woman or wonder comics go wonder woman okay specifically wonder woman earth one volume two by grant morrison and drawn by yannick paquette Oh, that comic came out. Yeah. yeah. That was my reaction too, Ryan. Did we do volume one on this podcast and I missed it? I, did we do volume I one? I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, I guess we're going to be reading volume one if you haven't read it. Okay, <laughs> never mind. So it's, that's not volume two. It's going to be volume one then. Did we, I feel like we did do, did we do volume one? I definitely have sure, never read I'm one. I'm pretty sure Earth the one. only Earth ones we've done are maybe Superman and definitely Batman. Yeah. I know we did we haven't done Superman. We haven't done Superman. We've done Batman and we've done uh, Green, Green Lantern. Lantern. Green yeah, we don't Green Lantern. If okay, you so Wonder Woman Earth One Volume One. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on, let me get for the. Get it, yeah, Make it accurate. Here we go. There we go. There we go. I mean, I'll I'll do Volume One and Two if you really want. No, no. Let's, I, let's I just don't, to... make, don't make me read. Hold on, hold on. I'm so, I, I'm sorry because I'm <laughs> saying that and I'm not even going to be there. So, whatever. <laughs> oh, that's right. You're not here next week. I am volume not one. here next week. What's our topic next Until... week? Until. Uh, I don't you know. have Comic Con. And an Xbox Game Conference, oh, so I think we're gonna have plenty to talk. I think about. I think we're gonna get plenty from the Xbox Game Conference. I question how much we're gonna get from Comic Con this year. I think the two combined, you're gonna have plenty for your your news can be your topic. Yeah. Well, next week, um, Umbrella Academy season two and Transformers: War for Cybertron come out, so we also have those options. Yeah, I mean, He's yeah, not you can do those here, without though. me. Whatever, asshole. Oh yeah. I, I watch Umbrella Academy with him, so I can't watch that. Okay. Transformers, then. Sorry, Sparks. Um, no. <laughs> uh, no, so next week we'll probably just do a news news only thing with a. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. Um, we had to reschedule our Michael Morecci 
interview. Marisi, drat, drat, drat. Michael Marisi interview. So that is coming. Um, is that, do we have a lock yet or are we still talking about it? We have a lock. We have a lock. Okay. Um, so I mean, we'll see what happens there. But. So stay tuned for that. That'll be fun. Um, outside of that, guys, 200 more. Let's do it. Let's just let's just get to three hundred and then and then we'll go from there. <laughs> no, no, two hundred more. You heard it here first. Let's just do one hundred um, more and see how we feel. <laughs> let's all right, release guys. all our first two hundred episodes again in black and white. Yeah, <laughs> with actually less content. We'll cut ten minutes out of every episode. Yes, the opposite. I might do that. No, <laughs> no. Don't um, do that to all right. Yourself, anyway, David. anyway. Um, so if you guys are watching this video or if you're listening to this, we do have a YouTube channel. Um, here for over five hours. Yeah. Or, thank or you. Just two or just three and a half or five and a half. Any length. I appreciate you. We do have it. We do have a couple more shows up on this YouTube channel. We have fake nerds watch, uh, which is currently not doing any shows right now, but we have done swamp thing and Watchmen, game of Thrones, yep. the boys, uh, tons of tons of shows. Um, that's been a lot of fun. We also have Basement Arcade, which we're coming up on the end of Mortal Kombat 9. It's over soon. So stay tuned for the finale of that. It goes in some pretty exciting directions. You guys remember, speaking of exciting, do you remember when our internet was really bad that last episode? I do, because I was looking at it. Wow, it's awful. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we have some real bad streaming moments. In that I, uh, last I had to make a little video going, I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and we also have our new show, The Fake Nerd Book Club. All three episodes of Wasted Space are up now, and we will be, we'll be starting the next book uh, this coming week with The Pride, um, if you want to read along with that. And our Michael Marisi interview is coming, uh, so stay Soon. tuned for that. We also have a Funko affiliate link in the description below. You can use promo code SHOP10 for 10% off your purchase by clicking the link in the description. Just buy whatever you want. Buy some cool new exclusive buy that black lightning exclusive funko that's for some reason exclusive to a show floor which doesn't exist um but there you go uh you can buy so much stuff that means did you figure out what that means no i figured it out it means all it means is that it's gonna go on sale on the funko shop at a specific time that's different from everything else that's what it means now i'll send you the info about it gross um we also have a Patreon, a TeePublic, and uh, yeah, a t- t- Patreon, a, a TPion? What's wrong with me? A Patreon, a TeePub, and a TeePublic. Um, you can click the links in the description That's below cool. to go There's there. A category where you can get a TP in a bottle. Is that what you were going for? <laughs> Definitely that. Uh, the the uh, ship in a bottle is still up there on our Patreon if you want to donate to that tier. Uh, we've sold a couple masks, guys. Uh, we still have a couple, we still have masks uh, out there. Uh, we sold two. I have to sign one. <laughs> <laughs> um we'll see what happens with that but yeah so uh, guys stay safe look it's a serious matter um you know we're we, we goof but we are worried about our, our our friend over there uh not you ben um oh <laughs> and, i mean uh, no, yeah. we are we are worried about uh about you ben and you know uh. stay safe out there if you need a mask you know help support your six favorite podcast and then buy one of ours um so you know, stay safe. Uh, or we have a website. You can you can go to www.fakenerpodcast.com. You find all the links to everything uh, we have there. Go check that out. You can also um, check out Bored and Annoyed, where Ryan talked about Cowboys versus Aliens. I did. I talked about that earlier on the, on the earlier. That thing. link is in the description below. Um. Okay. 
thank you to everyone who listens. We greatly appreciate it. Um, thank you to everyone who's watching. I've been, we've been doing this for so long, and I haven't changed this to watching. But thank you to everyone who's been watching our live quarantine shows. Thank you to everyone who's listened for 200 episodes. Look, Ooh. I really want to know. If you've been there since one, tell me. Yeah, please. Who are tell you? Us. I've been there since one. You don't You're count. on the, You're show. On the show. You don't count. I wasn't when it started. It doesn't count. Mm. Doesn't count. Don't give it to him. Don't do it. I won't. I won't budge. <laughs> um, yes. Thank you, everyone. It's been a blast doing this 200 roller coaster uh, of, of episodes of this podcast. Uh, so thank you for allowing us to be in your homes and your, you know, maybe you think of us as friends. You know, maybe you want to come up to us and stalk us. Hey, you do you. But don't, don't, don't do what he said. Don't do it. We yeah. or do we're all at home. That's true. <laughs> Stay if you want to stalk us anywhere, just stalk us on social media. That's Please, safer. More likes and follows. Uh, <laughs> but we, and we do appreciate it. <laughs> uh, but we do really appreciate it. Thank you to Jeremy Bellucci. Um, we got some new stuff coming from him soon. I was hoping to put it in for the 200th episode, but he is busy. So, uh, so stay, stay tuned. We are going to get new segment intros. Um, to the book club and to the bread and butter and, and even a segment show for main topic to kind of keep Ooh, it all kosher. Now and then we got to get fresh. Got it. Yeah. Fresh. Um, so, th- so thank you in advance for that. Uh, you can also find him on Jeremy Lucci keyboards. Um, you can find his podcast, Suburban Proctologist over at iTunes, facebook.com slash Suburban Proctologist official and Instagram at Subproc podcast. Thank you to Mike Matola. Mike, you've been great. You've been there since the beginning. Well, close to. Um, you know, we hope to get a Mike, Mike Matola's possible movie trivia challenge going again soon. That'd be a lot of fun. But thank you so much for doing our now three logos of Mythlanius, Fakner Podcast, and Fakner Book Club. They're all amazing. They're all great. They um, are. We are. We are making money off of you, sir, and I don't feel good about it. Um, you feel good. <laughs> um, you can find him at Mike Matola on Instagram and Twitter. All right. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at Fake Nerd Podcast, FakeNerdGuys at gmail.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us personally, I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. Have been for all 200 episodes. Ben? You can find me, hopefully, recover. So Ben's not here. I totally forgot that Ben's not here for the He's podcast. He's not here. He this never comedy. was. Comedy wow. Game. Sorry, Ben. <laughs> for the audio listeners, I'm flipping Brandon off as hard as I can. Not one bird. Really, you're just flipping off our audience. But, but, you, but yeah. <laughs> oh no, this is directed at him. Sure. Actually, since he's not there now, it's more. It's more, it's more like. <laughs> anyway, Ben, where can they find you? You can find me on the internet at Ben Magnet 27 on Instagram and Twitter, and also I write for OldSchoolGamerMagazine.com. You can find some of my articles up there right now. And subscribe to us on Nope Sparks. Nope. What about uh, these two? Yeah. Hey, uh, you cannot find me for this next week because I'll be on a mini vacation at Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter. S P A R K Z Witty. Ryan. Hey guys, I'll be here by myself with the animals having a hootin' hollerin' time at DJ Tony Snark. I'll probably be streaming, twitching something down here with all the animals because I got yeah. nothing else going on. It's a Ryan Eliopoulos cat emporium. That's it. That's what <laughs> it is. <laughs> all right. Now, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio. If you're watching this, like and subscribe. Like this video. Subscribe to this channel. Uh, we greatly appreciate all. Rate and review wherever you get, wherever you Hit get the us. bell to get notifications when new videos come up. Until next, until next week, guys, and for the next 200 episodes, stay fake nerds. Ooh.
Congratulations. 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 Congratulations.